You might think that's Buddy Holly from the 1950s. It's actually not. It's Marshall Crenshaw from 1982, Someday, Someway. And he was very, very strongly influenced by Buddy Holly to the point that they actually hired him to play Buddy Holly five years later in La Bamba, the 1987 movie about uh, Richie Valens. And, of course, Buddy Holly, the big bopper, and Richie Valens perished in the same plane crash in, I believe, 1957. That was his only hit, by the way. Most of you probably don't know that song. People were actually in the chat saying, what is this? I've never never heard the song before. You learn something new every week on Poker Fraud Alert Radio, and something that is not new to learn is the fact that we have a co-host that is here very consistently, and he's back this week. Calwatt, hello. How you doing, Druff? So welcome to the show, and uh, before we get going, I want to tell everybody we have a free roll that's starting minus eight minutes from now, meaning eight minutes ago. You want to explain to everyone why it's minus eight minutes, Druff? Uh, I was... Thinking I wouldn't because people might be eating dinner or lunch or something when they're listening to the show, but I'll try to explain it without being too graphic. I had to uh, use the toilet, and I was just about to start the show late anyway, and then I felt I needed to use the toilet. And I, I, I thought about, okay, can I hold this for six hours? It's not the type of usage of the toilet you can do in like 30 seconds. So, so I you have to take a dump. Yes. So I was – see, I'm trying to – be as delicate as possible here. But I, I thought maybe I can hold it for these six hours. Bring the kids to the pool. Yeah, I, I was thinking maybe I can hold it. But I thought this is going to be so uncomfortable. I'm going to want to keep ending the show. Like I, I could just picture. I, I don't want that distracting me. So I said I'd rather start a little bit later and create an extra delay here and then feel comfortable than do it and not feel comfortable. So anyway, the Listen, free. Ruff, I think you, I'm pretty sure. That you take longer to take a dump than I took for the sexy time the other week. Well, okay, that's that's not a compliment for yourself, but okay. So <laughs> let, let me let me quickly tell people about the free roll because it's already going, and you have to get in there by nine o five p.m. Pacific time, which is late registration, in order to play. Otherwise, it shuts you out at nine o five. This is a fifty dollars free roll this week. I think somebody, you know what? I think someone added money. I think it's going to be more than that. Let me quickly take a look here. I, I saw it. Just before we started here. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, Mulva had added another 18. So it's actually going to be a uh, $68 free roll. So it's no limit hold'em. It's on the No Fraud Online Poker Room. You need a separate account over there. And read PokerFraudAlert.com slash free roll, exactly as it sounds, PokerFraudAlert.com slash free roll to understand the rules to qualify for the free money. We're giving away 68 real dollars this week that I will pay you using Bitcoin, if it's Bitcoin's worth anything by the time you win the free roll. Uh, Did it go down? A lot, yeah. I'll, I'll, pay, yeah. I'll give you a, uh, a bank transfer. Uh, if you accumulate $100 worth of winnings, I'll send you a check or cash, but you have to accumulate $100 worth first because it's a pain in my ass to do. And uh, there's other methods that you may be able to guess that I will pay you that I won't technically announce on this show. You can... Either PM me Dan Space Druff on the forum, or you can email me dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com. Dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com if you wish to collect the winnings that uh, you get from being one of the top four finishers. So we have $68 to give away. None of it came from me, as usual. $50 came from a new listener. Uh, he doesn't even have an account on the forum, so I'm just going to call him Eric B. And Eric B may actually soon be a sponsor of the show. 
and I, I hope I hope that uh, I'll announce more about that when this comes up. But, but he has donated in the meantime to the free roll, fifty bucks. He actually found this show through the Two Plus Two PokerCast, uh, thanks to Adam Schwartz mentioning that he listens to this show. So thank you, Adam, for giving us these plugs and getting some new listeners over here. You so, sell anti-constipation medicine or anything? <laughs> I, I'm actually never constipated. That's never the problem. If if I was, that would actually help. If I was constipated, then I could hold the six hours. It's the fact that I was not constipated. That's the problem. Anyway, let's get away from the toilet talk here. So, okay. So, okay. Uh, so $50 came from Eric B., and you'll you'll actually find out his whole name if he uh, sponsors the show for reasons you'll find out then. And uh, 18 came from Mulva at the last minute. So I'm going to modify the prize pool from what's posted. Now top prize will be 34 uh, second place will be 17, third place will be 10, and fourth place will be 7. So it's 34, 17, 10, and 7 for a $68 prize pool. And uh, that will start, where well, it's already started, but uh, your late registration with a full stack will end in 13 minutes at 9.05 p.m. I'm not going to say good luck, everybody. I always tell you guys I hate good luck, everybody, or good luck all, because that's not possible in poker. It's possible in blackjack and other games you're playing against the house. It's not possible in poker. Someone has to have bad luck at the table. Someone, for every dream that's shattered at the poker table, another one comes true, and vice versa. Well, you could wish me good luck if you want. I could, but I, I don't. I think some of the people playing the free roll need the money more than you, honestly. <laughs> It's brutal. <laughs> there's well, let me tell you. There's some people who play the free roll who, uh, and I don't know their financial situation, but they are they're very aggressive about collecting their winnings. And yeah, you know, when I, of course, you should be able to collect your winnings in full. But some people get get very agitated if I don't send them like the eight dollars right away that they've won. So uh, I have to imagine that there there might be some need for it. But uh, regardless of whether you're you're rich or poor, I, I'm happy to have you playing the free roll as long as you are. Uh, really part of this community in some way or, or a regular listener to the show or whatever. Or if you've ever donated to the free roll or ever sponsored the show, then you automatically qualify for obvious reasons. So we don't have a big agenda this week. This week, despite the fact that we are broadcasting one day later than usual, we last broadcast eight days ago, and it was very simple. Last night, Benjamin's mom was not available to watch Benjamin. She wasn't here for most of the evening, so... I uh, could not do the show, and I delayed it one day. And oddly, I found that the show was delayed by one day exactly a year ago, but for a totally different reason. It had to do with Brandon. So Brandon is Brandon has not been on much lately, so I can't blame this one on him. This one was my doing, but we are starting a day late. But despite that, usually when we have a delay, we have more topics. This time we have fewer topics. It just was not a big news week, so I'm actually going to be covering things I usually don't on this show and if anything comes up or whatever we'll we'll cover those otherwise it may not be that long of a show but you never know sometimes we have a what appears to be a short show scheduled and it ends up being eight hours so i got my cognac out is that is that good or bad well it's you know it's kind of in between i'm a little tired i've been working quite a bit lately so uh we'll see maybe uh we'll see if i can get through the show before i get through the cognac yeah and i i had a, a busy day today for reasons i didn't expect um i so let me tell you guys first what's coming up and then i'll tell you what happened which made the day busy because there's some urgency i promised everybody i would reveal the details 
for my upcoming appearance on a live stream, which is going to be taking place on September 18th. So that'll be our first topic. And then I'll tell you a little complication that has come up that has uh, made it tougher for me to get there because it's not. Are local. you going to be the youngest person playing there? I hope so. That, that would be good. I mean, it's a limit hold'em game. It right? is. It is a limit hold'em game. So we'll, we'll you get got into a good the, shot. We'll get into the whole thing there. Uh, breaking news: This is something that not only is a Poker Fraud Alert exclusive, but it's taking place on Poker Fraud Alert. It has to do with a DDoS attack on America's Card Room that a new user on Poker Fraud Alert registered on the site and claimed that he knows who committed the DDoS attack and seems to be angling for something. I mean, he didn't say specifically what what he wants, but I have a feeling that he's hoping to get a payout provided he can prove that he really has the information. But he payout or- from you. No, from America's Card Room. I'm not going to. I was going to say. No, I wouldn't hey, pay. He I, doesn't know who he's dealing with. No, here. I wouldn't pay him a penny. So we're, we're going to talk about that, and, and they are. They do seem to be in talks, and I, I think I, I don't know for sure, but I think this person's legitimate. I think they really do know who did it. Uh, Bovada has decided to fully ban all users from five states. I will list the states for you. I'll tell you why it's happening. There is some misinformation out there as to why this is occurring and what this means. Here's another Poker Fraud Alert exclusive, which is really not being reported upon anywhere except on our site, and I'm not sure why. The man who attempted to rob Greg Raymer, or one of the two men who attempted to rob Greg Raymer in the Bellagio hallway in 2004, has died at age 47 in Las Vegas. And then there's an interesting side story involving the other guy. You know, it's two guys who tried to rob him. So I'll recall the story for those of you that don't remember from 13 years ago or never heard the story. And then we'll talk about the guy who's dead, how he died, which is an interesting story in itself, and about his accomplice and why he got out of prison early. Cardmaker Jemico, I think they say the name, I've never heard it pronounced, denies that the Borgata cards were defective in that high-profile Phil Ivey edge sorting case that is dragging forever. So Gemico is uh, also part of the case here as a defendant. And not only are they giving a big smackdown to Borgata in court, but uh, an expert who's been asked to testify is also smacking Borgata down. It does seem that Borgata is uh, making untrue statements about the situation. So we'll discuss what's happening there. Here's a topic I don't like to talk about very much, and that is the Poker Forum. The Poker Forum and the radio show are two very separate entities with uh, – there's some crossover. There's some people who listen and post on the forum. But then there's a lot of people who have nothing to do with the forum, don't even read it, who listen to this show. And then there's a number of people who are active on the forum that don't care about this show. But – I'm going to talk about a recent controversy on the forum involving two people who have been on this show before and why I feel that running the poker forum is a thankless job. And by the way, running this radio show is not a thankless job. I actually get a lot of uh, gratitude from people who let me know that they really enjoy the show. It means a lot to them and blah, blah, blah. And it feels good to get those messages. Even the critical messages are put very politely and always mention that they enjoy the show and thank me for it. The forum is pretty much the opposite. The forum, while I like the forum, if I didn't like the forum, I would take it down. The forum uh, can be pretty harsh. And the forum, a lot of people there seem to uh, take pleasure in me being upset. <laughs> so I'm going to talk about that and uh, 
and also talk about the current controversy involving two callers to this show. DraftKings and FanDuel have ex- have uh, settled a deceptive practices claim by the state of Massachusetts. And I feel that they settled it for relative peanuts, but uh, you can judge for yourself when we get to that segment. And finally, a non-gambling topic. The airlines in the U.S. are not very pleasant to deal with. They're not very pleasant at all. And, and in their defense, travelers on the airlines are very unpleasant to deal with. I would hate to have a job at the airlines. There's a lot of people with very unreasonable expectations for the service level that they think they deserve or exceptions that they think should be made for them that really shouldn't. So I would actually hate to work for the airlines and deal with customers. But at the same time, as a customer, even if you are legitimately screwed in some way, uh, you you have very little recourse and in fact, it's sometimes even very difficult to reach the right person to rectify the situation. There's a lot of things that can happen with airlines where it's no fault of your own and you get screwed in some way. And most people just end up eating it. I'm going to tell you, I am batting almost a thousand against the airlines, which is amazing given how tough it is. It really is the toughest thing to deal with, but I'm batting almost a thousand nonetheless. I'm going to give you my tips on how to deal with it when things go wrong with the airlines. That is the agenda for this evening. We may also talk about Bitcoin, but people ask me to talk about Bitcoin. I said, you know, people, whenever I do this, people hate it. I, I get complaints. People, and not just like a few complaints. I get a lot of complaints going, oh, I hate Bitcoin. I hate these segments. They're boring. So I stopped doing them. That's, that's one of the things I cut out on the show, but it did have a big crash recently. So maybe we'll talk about it. Maybe we won't. Yeah, it's still over 3,000. It, it is, but it was uh, near 5,000 not too long ago. Yeah, no, I know. That's a pretty... and, and uh, Well, one thing that is worth mentioning, and I'll mention right now in case we don't get to the Bitcoin segment, C-Money, who's the biggest donor of all time to the site, both just for regular contests and for the radio show, he posted on August 30th that a Bitcoin crash is coming, quote, within two weeks. And he got it spot on. That's when it started. It was right around two weeks after that. Mm. So... Very good, C-Money. I mean, he really called this one. Now, to be fair, I did say, you know, someone said, well, what, calls, what constitutes a crash? If it loses like 200 in value? And, and so I said, well, I would call it a crash if it gets below 3,000. That would mean, if someone said, like, if it gets below 4,000. I go, no, that's not enough. I, because it was like, I don't know, 4,700, 4,500, something like that. And I said, no, I don't think getting to 4,000 that you consider a crash. But under 3,000, I would say, is a crash. Well, we're not quite there, but it's getting close. It's like... 3300 or something last I looked, and it's really taken a steep dive. So, C-Money, I'm going to give you credit. Even though we didn't get to 3000 yet and may not, I'm still going to give you credit for calling this one. And the two-week time period was perfect. It was pretty much exactly what it was. So you really are the uh, the Nostradamus of Bitcoin, which is very tough to be. I don't know how you did it, but uh, you got it right. So if you want to chat... In the chat room, during the live show, just click on the chat button near the top of the screen. You need a Flash-enabled device. You need a Poker Fraud Alert account, which is validated and in good standing. It's a forum account. If you want to call into the show, the phone number is 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. You can also call the Mount Charleston line. That is an old 70s rotary telephone sitting in a cabin on top of Mount Charleston. It forwards to wherever I go. It's a separate line into the show. That phone number is 702-430-1808, 702-430-1808.
702-430-1808. That's the Mount Charleston line. And make sure to dial star six or star that's our star six seven star eight two, or just unblock your caller ID before calling that either of those numbers, or you will not get through. If your caller ID is blocked, then you'll get a busy signal. So if you get a busy signal, that's why. We have a call to listen line, which allows you to listen to the show with any phone that can dial. You don't need a smartphone. You don't need the internet. You don't need a computer. All you need is a phone of any type that can dial a U.S. phone number. That phone number is 712-775-8162. 712-775-8162. If we're not on live, then you can call that number and listen to one of our streaming reruns where it just picks a random rerun from our library of over 245 shows and it'll play it as if it's live and then pick another random one and do that over and over until we come back on live once again. By the way, we technically could be said to have had 250 shows as of last week because we had 245 regular shows and five shows that Brandon did. So it depends which way you count it. If you want to count it uh, just these regular Poker Fraud radio shows with me and whoever else, then it's 245 of them, now 246. And if you want to count the Brandon ones, we already had our 250th episode. But when we when we had what we called our 200th episode, we were not counting the ones with Brandon. That was just the mainline Poker Fraud Alert Radio. But there's a lot of shows. If you listen to them all back to back to back to back, I, I think it's getting close to like two months it would take to listen to them all, even if you did not sleep or do anything else but listen. So a lot of material to listen to if you want to go back. And there are some people that do that. There are some people that, that find the show in the present and then go back and listen to years' worth of old shows. That's dedication. It's actually flattering that people do that. So, if you want to text the show, you can do so anytime before, after, or during the show. I may read your text on the air unless you ask me not to in the beginning of the text. That phone number is 775-372-8355. It's the same as our main call-in number, 775 372 8355 to text the show and I will respond to you even if the show's not on. Uh, let's see what we've got so far here. My app to read this is frozen. Here we go. This is from the 916 Someday Someway. The song I played to open the show was also played on K-Rock in the 1980s. It was also in the movie Desperately Seeking Susan starring Madonna. Someone asking, did the show start at 8.15 Pacific? Uh, no. Um, a few text people sent that they don't want me reading on the air. Uh, from the 734, listening to an old episode, you're talking about text notification to the show. I can write a Python script to do that for free. Uh, okay, I'm not sure how you can do that, but... Uh, I'm not sure Wait, write a Python script to do what? To, to send SMS messages to people who to notify them of the show. I, I, I don't see you how can't a Python. Do that. No, I didn't. I couldn't think so either. But okay, if you if you can find a way to do it, do it. I I didn't think that's possible, but no, you can do it if you have their carrier. Right. That's what that's what I'm saying. Because you can send it by email, but that's a big pain in the ass because yeah. no one wants to you know yeah. sign up and pick their carrier and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. There, there's a reason why companies like Trilio are have made tons of money. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking. Uh, from the 406, will you please do me a favor and announce a winner in the C-Money Challenge thread? C-Money 
also posted a $100 contest to guess the value of Bitcoin in a certain period of time that just ended. Um, I don't, I don't, I haven't looked who the winner is, honestly. I, I'm holding the money to give it, but uh, from the 507 odd WSOP sponsorship, watching a soccer team from Spain, Sevilla, and they have playwsop.com on the front of their shirts. That is kind of odd. Uh, from 505, got an email from Bovada stating if you live, live in a legalized poker state, your account will be closed. Yeah, that's, uh, we'll talk about that tonight. From the 774, uh, a picture of a busted-looking payphone, and uh, over under how many times Ken Scaler has used this phone. If it's in L.A., he probably has. And uh, someone asking me from the 650, why don't you get the laughing gas at the dentist? I always get it. And I'll give you guys my answer. I, I told this guy already, but the reason I don't use laughing gas at the dentist, I, I, I tried it a few times, and I decided I didn't like it because I felt weird and lightheaded, and I, I felt like I wasn't aware enough. Like, I don't like being on edge. I don't like being too aware at the dentist, as I mentioned before. I like showing up kind of tired, but I don't like being to where I kind of don't really know what's going on, and I'm confused. I, I, I really, really hate that feeling. In fact, that's part of the reason that... I never wanted to do any kind of illegal drugs was because I, I didn't want the high feeling. I, I didn't want to take a trip. I didn't want, I don't want to alter my state of mind. So that's some people, I do. That's why I'm drinking this. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that's, that's why I, uh, I don't do that stuff. Let's see here. Um, so someone, we may have to get to this early. One of the two people involved in the forum controversy is willing to come on the, the radio show. But but uh, then they say, I can't call number is private, but you can call me. That doesn't make any sense. What do you mean our number is private? Oh, they, they, oh, they mean they can't unprivate their number? Yes, yes, they can. They can do story too. But okay, I'll, I'll call them. It's fine. I have uh, outgoing capabilities here. Um, this is from... Uh, from from the three two three, freedom whatever that means. <laughs> they also texted me when the whole thing was going on uh, with a hurricane that passed with Irma when it passed through Barbuda, which is part you know, technically part of Antigua. It's the same country, Antigua and Barbuda, or Barbuda. I don't know how you say it. They they were concerned that Micon may have uh, been in the middle of that. I've heard rumors that Micon lives in Antigua right now, but. While Antigua definitely got the, the hurricane, it didn't pass directly over Antigua, so he's probably okay. Barbuda is what got really, really decimated. I think they lost like 90% of the structures there. So it was just far enough from Antigua, so it was, there was a huge difference between what the, the damage suffered in those two places, even though they're pretty close, and even though they are under the same government, I believe. All right. Uh, I want to get going here. And... Uh, I'm going to quickly talk about the stream that's coming up that I'm going to be playing on, and then maybe we'll call up this person about the forum controversy a bit early because they're on the East Coast and they're going to sleep soon and blah, blah, so, blah. Truff, you're, you're getting up there in years. What is your kind of definition of, of old? Has it changed over the years? Because uh, I'll tell you what, I vividly remember when I was a kid and my dad telling me that he was 40. I remember thinking, holy, wow, I remember thinking that's ancient. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, it has. It has changed. And 
it, it also depends in which context, but but yeah, it definitely has changed because like when I hear fifty now, where that really seems <laughs> to seem old. Uh, I'm, I'm four and a half years away from that, so yeah. I, when I think of myself four and a half years older, I don't think of like being significantly older than I am now. I, I like, in fact, like when I listen to the call to listen line, sometimes when I'm walking the dog or whatever, I'll hear an episode from 2013 come on, and I go, okay, I'm, I'm pretty much the same guy as then, and I think, okay, well then, insert the same amount of time that has passed since then, and I'll be 50, since like early 2013. So. Uh, I think, well, okay, I, I'll probably be pretty similar at 50 as I am now. So that uh, that doesn't seem that old anymore. Mm-hmm. And when I hear someone is 50, I don't think of them as ancient. We're not even close to that. So, yeah. It, but it, do, it, you have, do you have an absolute scale? You know, at some point, like, no matter how old you get, you'll still say, hey, you know, that person's old? Yeah, yeah, I probably will. And what's, what's most interesting to me with this is, like, the way I, I will – perceive women's ages as, as w- whether they're old because like there there is a time for a long time that I thought women who were around 40 were just not appealing at all they just seemed ancient to me and I, I don't just mean when I was 18 I mean even when I was 30 but um, now I don't feel that way at all and I've thought about this and I thought okay yeah I've been with the same person for a very long time but for eight years or whatever but I, I thought about okay if I'm 65, uh, will I not see women in their early 60s as old? Or will I say, yes, they're old, but I'm just old too? Well, I'll tell you what my kind of definition of that is. No matter how old I get, when someone's pubic hairs start turning gray, they're old. <laughs> that hasn't happened to me yet. I know. You well, you're not, then you're not old. Okay. That has not happened. Because it, it, it's, it does happen, but because it's, you know... A part that's usually covered more than anything else is one of the last things to go. But I think when those pubes start turning gray, I think you're old. Yeah, that's a good baseline. You know? Well, that's good. I, I think I have a while. I, the grayness the hair, with the hair that I have, uh, is, it's it's coming pretty slowly. I have some in the sideburns and some in the very back, but there's not. my hair isn't that gray yet. And uh, all, the rest of my body hair is not gray. So well, you know, all all hair is normally translucent. Yeah, and it's just the pigment that kind of gets added to it. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that that's what I mean. The hair doesn't die when it starts turning gray. It's just the whatever it is that produces the pigment. Yeah, I know it stops. Yeah, and it just uh, it's kind of some people get gray in their twenties. Mm-hmm. So I I actually I you know I I look and I you know, I see gray in my sideburns down a lot more than I had like a year or two ago, but I said, you know what, still on an absolute basis for being the age I am, it's actually, I'm probably less gray than the average 45 year old. So I'm okay. I know, I know it's going to come. I know it's, it's, yeah, it's showing up. I mean, that is one bizarre curse of getting older, not even uh, the grayness, but I mean, hair just starts growing in weird places, man. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like you see all these really old guys and they've got like, it looks like there's a chinchilla in their ear, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's bizarre. Like, I don't even understand why that would happen. Like, how uh, evolutionary, how would that help? You know? That is strange, yeah. I, I think it's, it's your body doing weird things. You're, just when, when your body gets older, it starts, everything starts going downhill. But and, why there? I, of I, all places, why doesn't it, you know, focus its energy on growing hair on your fucking head? Why, yeah. why is it coming out of your ear? It, it probably is just some sort of, I don't think it's evolutionary at all. I think it's just something that that happens 
that your body that's negative, like many things that happen with age. But I, you know, the question of why is is a good one. I've I've never thought about that before. It's probably it's probably even a research at some point. But I've never and it's even... and it's just in general, like uh, especially for men. But it happens for women to some extent too, right? Women will kind of you know they get really old, they'll get like kind of a beard going on. Oh yeah, yeah, I've seen that before. Yeah, you know, and and men. You know, when you're younger, even if you didn't have that much hair on your uh, on your body, like on your chest, by the time you're in your 40s or 50s, you, you got a pretty decent amount there for most people. Yeah, know? yeah, well, it, it's changed a lot for me that way too. Yeah, and your your treasure trail. You know, when you're younger, you might have had like a little treasure trail. It turns into like I don't know, like a briar patch. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> like just <laughs> random stuff growing everywhere. Okay. Well, but the, I, pro- the problem it, is the problem is here. Yeah. I think with I think uh, with this whole discussion here at the beginning of the show, we have all these listeners that are are, are now picturing us without clothes on and, and and all the hair on our body. I think we're driving away. <laughs> I, th- I think we're driving away. We listeners. are Statler and Waldorf. They're yeah. a bunch of old guys. They probably got hair coming out of their ears. I know. I, I just think we're giving bad visuals to the listener. I think we're driving away listeners here. All right. I'm sorry. Okay. So free roll began already 11 minutes ago, but here let me tell you about this uh, upcoming. Live stream. I'm going to be playing on Monday night at, I believe, 7 p.m. This is at the Stones Card Room or Casino in uh, Citrus Heights, California. And they run a live stream um, every Monday and Wednesday night, similar to Live at the Bike. And I have I had heard from... A forum member, actually. I don't think the person listens to this show, but a forum member who lives in Northern California. Citrus Heights is near Sacramento, by the way. They, they told me that uh, there's a Limit Hold'em game that they run like once a month on Mondays. At the I've Stones never Gam- heard of this. At the Stones Gambling Hall in Citrus Heights, and it's 100-200 Limit Hold'em, and that's the only time this game runs. It's not a regular game. It's not like a commerce where it's running every day. It's not even like Bellagio where runs most of the time we're talking about just once in, only for this live stream they run this 100 200 limit hold'em game and the person who notified me about it said they were watching the stream and even though they're really not a limit hold'em player uh a lot of the players looked pretty bad so i thought okay now the problem is sacramento is not very close to me sacramento is more than 400 miles away from where i am so it's not an easy place to get to. It's not like traveling 3,000 miles, but it's still not uh, down the yeah, street. Sacramento's pretty north, isn't it? Yes, yes. That's I've got, I've got to go north. So I... Is that, uh, is that near that Stones Gambling Hall? Isn't that the... That, that's what it is. Too? It is Stones Gambling Hall. Oh, it is Stones Gambling yes. Hall. Yes. Oh, okay, it's, okay. Yeah, it's Stones Gambling Hall, and it's... Yeah, Hanson Kid and uh, Tuckman commentate on there sometimes. Okay, okay. So that's... Uh, so Stones Gambling Hall is where, where it is, and it's going to be on Monday night. I think it's 7... Uh, if you go to st- stonesgamblinghall.com, you can find the live stream from there. And you will actually see me playing Limit Hold'em on the stream with the whole cards and all that. With well, the I'm going to need to get another bottle of cognac for that one. <laughs> and starting around 7 o'clock Pacific time. And I think it runs for about four hours. And I guess the game starts technically at 5.30 p.m. And then plays for a little while. And then the live stream picks it up in the middle at around 7 and then it goes for about four hours, and then it ends, and then the game just keeps going until whenever it breaks, and then that's it, and then the game does not run again. So I, I decided, even though it's a pain in the ass to go all the way to Sacramento, 
that I want to make my live stream comeback. I only played on one live stream ever, and that was Live at the Bike when I infamously ate uh, pretty much everything the bike had in their kitchen. So I said, not only do I want to make my live stream comeback, but uh, I'm going to try to out-eat what I did uh, like seven years ago when I appeared on Live at the Bike. Provi- oh, provided- what is this, like man versus food? Well, that, that's what they tricked the Hanson kid into believing I won. <laughs> oh, right. But, but uh, yeah, if I really can order food there, then then maybe I will try to, to outdo what I did Live at the Bike. But, of course, my main concentration will be to win at this game and not embarrass myself and, and, uh, and make stupid plays. But you, you can watch me play Limit Hold'em. I heard there are action players in the game, so that may it may be a handful of that game. It may be uh, there may be some pretty wild players where I've got to make some judgment calls. There may not be ABC poker being played, including by me. You know, like I if if players are playing wild, then I have to adjust to the wildness and do some odd things myself. So, but don't try and out wild the wild guys. Well, uh, sometimes you can. It depends on the situation in Limit Hold'em. But anyway, Monday night it'll be taking place and. I was fearful that what if I drive all the way there and then, you know, they, they can't get me in. So can't I, you I hop on a plane. No, here's the problem. It's it, the airport is such a pain in the ass. I'm not close to it. Then you have to park. You have to, uh, you know, you go through security. Then you get there. You don't have a car. There, there's so much BS associated with flying. Well, I know. I, I know when. Uh... The Hanson kid and Tuckman go up there. They just—I mean, they're in LA, but yeah, they're, they're, it's probably right. a lot they're, easier they're, for them. They're, they're closer yeah. to the airport. I, I've got an extra distance to the airport. I, I've just decided that if it's not—if it's more than 500 miles, I'll fly. If it's 500 or less, I'll drive. So, yeah. so I, I'm and then you just rent an Uber when you get there, right? Do you really need to drive around Sacramento? What the hell are you going to do? Um, yes, but you have to get between the hotel and the uh, and and the, and the place there. And uh, there isn't a hotel there. No. Uh, so, get a little exercise, build up a uh, appetite, walk over. <laughs> I heard it's not even a good area. I, that, that I wouldn't want to do. Well, then you can walk quickly. You'll get even better <laughs> exercise. But yeah, so I'm just driving it, and yeah, I'm not thrilled about the drive both ways. But I'm going to do it. I think it'll be interesting. I, I just drove. Do you remember? I, uh, I missed that show because I drove down to New York City. Yeah. So I drove all the way down to New York City, and. Was there until maybe eleven o'clock at this function, and then drove back. And uh, I dropped off a guy on the way, kind of, um, uh, kind of near Bard University, somewhere up there, a little bit upstate. And I was thinking about driving home, but I was so tired. And this guy lived in like the middle of absolute nowhere, and I pulled into one of these hotels and. Like, I've got pretty low standards from the point of view that I'll sleep anywhere. Mm-hmm. But I did, like, a drive through the parking lot of this place, and I'm just like, there's no fucking way I'm staying here. Like, it it looked like something out of every one of those, like, cheesy horror movies where there's a murder in a motel. It looked like one of those, you know? And so I went a little bit further. I was driving up the highway, and I saw a sign for a town called Coxsackie. <laughs> C-O-X-S-A. K-I-E, Coxsackie, <laughs> like no kidding. And I'm like, oh my God, I have to stay in Coxsackie. And the town right next to Coxsackie, New York, is Climax, New York. I shit you not. <laughs> I shit you not. You look it up up on a map, you'll see Coxsackie and you'll see Climax, New York, right next to each other. How could you not have heard of this living in New York for so long? 
New York is a big place, and no, these know, are like a, these obscure little fucking towns. I don't know. California is even bigger, and I, I know all these uh, these little towns. I mean, almost all of them. There's a few I haven't heard of. But. I mean, I I grew up in Connecticut, and then I went all the way to the other side of the state. And most of the time, when I go to New York City, I'm flying. Okay, you know? that's probably why. So but, yeah, but yeah. Coxsackie, Coxsackie. New York. <laughs> next to Climax, New York. There, I don't know which one I should have stayed at. There actually is a hotel. I forgot the name of it, but it, it, it's actually near Stone's Gambling Hall, and it, it's one of those places like that that is so it, the, the the ratings are horrendous, and it's pretty much like you said, like out of a horror movie or a, mm-hmm. like like the very worst seediest, sleaziest motel you can imagine. So, needless to say, I'm not staying there. So, is this something I would do all the time? No. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to normally drive 400-something miles each way to play 100-200 Limit Hold'em for one night, but I, I figured because it has the, the live stream and because I heard it's a good game, I'll give it a shot. And, and the good thing about its location, though, is that Limit Hold'em is kind of a niche game these days. It's not something everybody plays. So you have a lot of really good limit hold'em players in LA that play at Commerce. You have a lot of good limit hold'em players that live in Vegas. You have some very good limit hold'em players in Atlantic City. You play at Borgata. You even have some in the Bay Area that play at Bay One Hundred and One. Uh, outside of that, the uh, and also Minnesota, the Canterbury, they have some good players there too. Outside of those areas, limit hold'em just is not thriving, and therefore those who try to play it tend to not be very good. So. Sacramento not being a hotbed of limit hold'em, I find that appealing to go there because I think there may be a lack of good players in this game. And that's more important to me than the presence of bad players or the lack of good players. And that's that's a mistake I think a lot of people make when selecting games. Is they think, oh, oh, here's a huge fish. I've got to sit here. Well, I'm not saying you shouldn't, but you should be more excited about a game where nobody's good except you, where you're way better than the second best person in the game. Even if there's no outright fish in the game, you should be much happier with a game where you're significantly better than everybody, but nobody's bad, than a game where there's a few bad players but some very good ones there too. Yep. Um, so that's the, it's ver- the, the absence of good players is more important than the presence of bad ones. So that's what I'm hoping here is we're going to have an absence of good players. And if we do, then I'm going to have a very big edge there. I can tell you that. If, if there is a presence of some good players of the game, then it's going to be tougher and... There is, of course, the variance factor, which will be especially present if these guys who are the live ones of the game really are very wild. So if I happen to run bad against those guys, you you, know, you can't make tight laydowns, uh, the, the pots get pumped way up, and it's one of these things that you're going to kick ass if you're running well and get destroyed if you're running poorly. So, but that's the what, is, what is their cap preflop there, do you know? No, it would either be four or five bets. It's, it's one of those two. So... I don't know which one it is. I'll find out when I'm there. But, yeah, we'll see. And you guys can watch me. And that's that's taking place. So that will be on uh, Monday night. And of course, I don't, a- I don't know when those guys go up there, but there's a shot. One of the two of them might be coming. Although, <laughs> I don't know if they come up there for a limit hold'em game. I don't know. Yeah, there, there's a, a girl who who does the commentating there too, named uh, Veronica. Yep. I think she goes by Angry mm-hmm. Pollock on Twitter. So I'm not sure if she's yep. going to be commentating, but she might be. She's actually uh, pretty good looking too. I saw pictures of her. Yeah, she's done it with. Uh, she does it with those guys too. Yep. Like she'll share share the stage with them. 
Yeah. You know? I, I'd always wonder who that was, like who's angry underscore Polak. On, <laughs> like I see some girl named angry Polak on Twitter, but I never really like really looked into her. And then I say, oh, she's, she's funny, man. She, she, gets, some nights she gets pretty sloshed when she's doing the commentary. Yeah. And, uh, She's got less of a filter than I do. <laughs> wow! So I was like, oh. shocking. I was like, "Oh wow, maybe Angry Pollock's going to be commenting on my game." I, was, I, I never expected that. All right, uh, so that's that's the story there, and already starting the show off racist. <laughs> I'm I'm just stating what her name is on Twitter. What do you have against Polish people, man? Nothing's the deal. It's just just uh, saying what her name is on Twitter. Okay, so All let's right. let's uh, so let me tell you about the, what's going on with the forum, because we're going to make a phone call to somebody that is involved in this whole controversy. So, I don't like talking about forum things on the radio show, which is I think it's going to bore most of the people who don't follow the forum at all, and that's why I don't do it. But I I'm going to talk about this tonight because especially because it involves two people who've called the show. The two people involved in this controversy are Larry Laffer. And oh, Michelle, who has called this show before, and uh, she posts... She a legit girl? Yeah, she, she, she's called here, and she, she posts on the site as Kilgore Trout, and she is... Uh, that name sounds really familiar. Well, it's, it's, huh. it's from a story. that It's from... It's a character and story, but, but she... That might be it. She posts, she posts on, uh, on the forum, and she listens to this show... And I even helped her about two and a half years ago involving a Caesars matter before any of this stuff happened. She showed up on a oh, different... Oh, Kurt Vonnegut. That's why yeah, I did yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So I, 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 that's how I first talked to her. It was like back in 2015, and I helped her with like a Caesars matter. And then I didn't hear from her again, and that was I just thought, okay, I helped her. That was that. And it turned out she found radio that way and had been listening for like two years before I found this girl... Like commenting on the show and knew a lot about the show on the Real Grinders Facebook group, and I said, "Well, who is this? Who is this female named Michelle who knows so much about the show?" And it turned out it was the same person, the same Kilgore Trout person. Then she started posting in the forum, and I'll tell you guys about the forum. You think we have a dearth of female listeners on the radio on the forum? The uh, the number of uh, female posters there aside from Kilgore Trout, is... Zero point zero. Yeah, we have zero female posters. We had zero female posters. What about that ass licker? She doesn't post. Uh, She, you know, Nikki posts occasionally, but I don't really count her. Just once in a while she posts... But uh, and, and we've had some in the past, like like Beebs ninety two who's since left and Bowles who's since left. They they all they, they've all just left for various reasons. And Beebs was the door to door dildo salesman. Yeah, that's, right? that's what she was. Yeah, and she got married. I don't think she does that anymore. But they we didn't have any females that were posting regularly. Or split this also, but she only posts once in a while. So Kilgore Trout was the only regular female poster in two thousand seventeen on Poker Fraud Alert. Uh, and people took to her pretty quickly. Druff, I think you need a director of diversity for the forums. I, I think I, I do. think you need to you need to institute some of the policies that Google is instituting and have a, a director of diversity that can kind of swing this in the other way. Then I can ban someone who writes some kind of memo on the forum about how that's uh, that's harmful to do. No, I mean you're just going to have to have some kind of a. Uh, Affirmative action to try and get women on here. Like, what do you what What could you do? Do you think to motivate women to post there? 
Um, I don't, maybe I can fi- start with like more female centric topics. Maybe I could start what, topics. What like do a, you consider a female centric? Well, topic? I, I could start threads about about makeup and uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> keep going. I want to. I, I want you to I'm, dig. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna drive what few female listeners we have away. I want you to dig your own grave. What what female oriented topics would you be posting? See, I, I can start a, about makeup. I, I can mm-hmm. start one about uh, about shopping. Oh, okay. I can start one about uh, uh, about knitting. You can go old school, or for the grandmas that uh, read poker. Yeah, I was gonna say, man, that's more of like a. Um, let's see. I, I can start one about soap operas. That's a good one. Uh, I, I can. I, I would say I could start one about uh, not working and staying at home all day, and but uh, then. I'd be participating in that thread. <laughs> anyway, uh, she she started posting, and people got to like her. And she even she didn't reveal much about herself. You know, no one knows her full name. Even I don't know her full name. But uh, she's I I won't say her exact age. She's a little bit younger than me. She's not really young, but she's not you know old. She's uh, a very small woman. She's like I don't know, five foot two, five foot three, and less than a hundred pounds. Probably similar to your wife. Uh, my uh, wife's like eighty six pounds. But... Yeah, I don't think she's eighty six. I think she's probably like ninety or ninety five. Right. My wife is very portable. Yeah. So this uh, now Kilgore Trout's not Asian. She's she's a Jew, and she she has a boyfriend right now who's who's actually older than her. And she likes. She said she likes older Jewish guys. Is, is what her type is. But uh, but she's a lawyer, and she uh, yeah she's she's intelligent, and she she makes some funny photoshops. So she fit right in with the group here, and she she like she, she quickly took to everything and and became like one of the guys. Except she wasn't a guy. So so she got popular pretty quickly. A lot of guys there liked her, and and I, I think lots of dicks ended up in her PM box. I bet that and that's the problem is that. I think some people got overly excited by that fact and just wanted to talk to her, wanted to befriend her, or uh, you know, or more. Even if they didn't say so explicitly, and I, I think there's just a general excitement, like, "Oh my god, a girl on the forum!" So th- that that helped too. So she was there, and everything w- was fine. And then she just kind of vanished for a while, not for any real reason. But uh, before she vanished. She she and Larry Laffer at first were uh, going back and forth a little bit. But then they made up, and they seemed to become friendly. And they were even communicating in some way outside of Poker Fraud Alert. So it, it quickly changed to where she was went from kind of bashing Larry Laffer out there to defending him and, and you know, saying that they're friends. And there, you know, there wasn't any romance involved. There wasn't anything like that happening. And they didn't meet in person. And there was no, as far as I know, there's no pictures exchange of, you know, no illicit pictures exchange, no cyber sex, wow. nothing like that. I but, mean, Drev, you know, because you used to go in these chat rooms, you know that if you impersonate a girl, I mean, the first thing that's going to happen is your screen's going to be covered in sausage. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they are going to be dick pics everywhere or people asking you for pics and show me your tits. And I mean, it's just... Yes, it's all over. So she, so she and Larry got to got to talk, and so Larry is he, he's younger than her. Larry's in his early thirties, so he's honestly too young for her as far as her taste in men, and not Jewish. No, he is Jewish. Well, he he doesn't like girls. 
So <laughs> you love to say that about him. But you know, Larry, he, he he actually does like girls, to my knowledge. And so he, they they were talking. I don't know if there was ever interest on Larry's part, uh, but I don't have any proof that there was. But it's it's possible that was a factor too. Anyway, a falling out happened. Or I, I should I'm skipping something here. She added Brandon on Instagram, as far as I know, and I guess Larry was also on Brandon's Instagram, and he saw her there and added her. And I, I don't see anything inappropriate about that part, because you know, this is what happens to social media. So you're on someone else's social media friends list, and then you see someone else on their list who you know, then you add them. And if they don't want to add you, then they just reject it and don't add you. But if they add you, yeah. fine. But like you, you can't say, "Oh my God, how's this person adding me here?" They they don't have permission to add me. Well, you know, if they see you on social media, especially on a mutual friend social media, you cannot object to that. You just cannot object to that. That's not stalking. That's not doing anything wrong. So I think, as far as that part is concerned, Larry's not in the wrong. And and the, what yeah, it happened by, by signing up for a social media account, you're saying it's okay for people to follow me. Yeah, and, you know? and, what, and what had happened was before she and Larry started fighting in the last week or so, she had referred to a situation where she claimed that uh, certain members of the forum tracked her down in real life and added her to social media, which aren't associated with any of her other accounts, and that she doesn't know how it happened, and it's inappropriate. She's not going to name them. And then later it came out that it, it was at least one of them was Larry. But when I got the whole story, as far as that part was concerned, I, I did not believe that Larry did anything wrong. And But then it got worse because Larry <laughs> – Then well, things got he, bad. Here's, here's what happened. Is, so they, they, this she, is like – this is a soap opera, by the way, Truff. Larry – You were being – you were stereotyping the topics that women would want to hear. This is a soap opera. Oh, the, the whole site is a soap opera. But, okay. But Larry was – she was making a lot of photoshops, including some of me. And they were funny Photoshop. She was she was good at making Photoshop. It was it was funny. You know, she, she, like when I say she was good, they were more humorous. They weren't uh, perfect Photoshop's. Like we have some really really talented Photoshoppers who you who just make these excellent shops that are like professional quality. She wasn't making ones like that. They were kind of crude in some way, but they were funny. They were creative and funny, and people enjoyed them. So she th- there was one that was made of Larry riding a tricycle, like oh, his no. face on a kid riding a tricycle, and then uh, like a, a guy with a truck running Larry over. People were saying that Mumbles Badly should have been the driver, which he should have been, but he wasn't. It was just some like random guy running over Larry on a tricycle. Okay, so and the joke being that Larry's very short and that he's like yeah, you know, that he's a kid. So all right. Obviously this was just poking fun at him and I give Larry credit for all the short jokes that are made about him on the forum. Constantly people making jokes about his height. And he takes he takes them very well. Like he doesn't tilt when people make these these height jokes about him. But for some reason, that one particular Photoshop got him very agitated. He he was very mm-hmm. unhappy with that and very insulted by this. And uh, and I, I saw he posted something in response to it that I could tell he was pissed. And see, I didn't even know. I don't know anything about his height. The only thing that I know about Larry is that he likes dudes <laughs> and, and he rides bicycles without seats. That's the only thing that I know. <laughs> okay. Well, Larry, so he he wasn't happy with that, and and it was visible to me. And you know, he he was telling he was texting me today about this and saying I wasn't bothered with the Photoshop. I, yes, you were. I I saw it you, you, I, before any of this happened. I saw your response to that Photoshop, and I saw you were very unhappy about it at the time. And I wondered because there's like 
there are so many photoshops that have been made of me over the years on these forums, like like more than a hundred. I'm serious, and and yeah, some of them are, are really attempts to to make fun of me, or or, or you know, some are more hostile than others. But I've never said don't photoshop me. I've never banned anyone for photoshopping me. I've never gotten angry. Uh, I, I just realized that being a central figure of of these of this community here, that people are going to make a lot of photoshops of me. Okay, that, that happens. So Larry should have seen that way too. That he's posts all the time on the forum. Enters a lot of controversy. People are going to make photoshops of him. So if someone wants to make a photoshop of him riding a tricycle and getting run over, okay, that's you know who cares? It's it's even if he doesn't find it that funny, that's just part of being on these forums. So that that kind of started to that fractured the friendship they had, they had the budding friendship they had going on, and it, it all went downhill from there. And um, then I, I'm very confused of what happened from that point. We're going to have Michelle on, and Larry can call to at some point, but. Um, I mean, they could even call it together, in fact. But but it, it was the the whole thing fell apart, and uh, and then she ended up leaving the forum because of Larry, and he called her a cunt at one point, and he he threatened he, he he I guess he took screenshots of her various social media and was, th- was threatening to reveal things, but then he claimed that's because she said she's going to expose him. And then I did see I did see that you know, she was making fun of him on somebody else's Facebook, so she wasn't totally innocent here either. So I, what I said... Oh, Kilgore Trout is playing the free role. Yeah, she, she plays it, yeah. She listens to the show. Well, okay, it says she's male. Well, maybe you're onto something. Hmm. If if she is male, she's a very passable tranny. I'll say that she's very passable if she's male. I, I give I give credit to her doctor if uh, if she was originally male, and she has, she has a very nice voice for a tranny too. Hmm. She she was on the show. She has a nice voice, and uh, you'll hear this tonight if we put her on. So and she offered to come on tonight. So that that's what's going on there, and and some people are saying yeah she left the forum because she didn't like how Larry treated her. She said and. Uh, you know, as long as Larry's allowed to treat people like that, she said she doesn't want to be part of it. And I, I tried to talk both of them out of like continuing this. I said that, look, why don't you two just ignore each other and just get past this, whatever happened? Yeah, obviously, you're not going to be friends anymore, but fine. Just like just ignore each other. Just go on on the forum. It's fine. You, know, you, could, you two could just not, not like each other and not interact. But uh, Kilgore Trout didn't want that. And then people on the forum are very angry at me because – Larry is unpopular with a lot of those people. A lot of the forum people don't like him. And, and Kilgore Trout is popular with the forum people. So, of course, they want to see Larry banned, and they want Kilgore Trout to return once he gets banned. So a lot of them would be thrilled if I, if I announced on there, okay, I'm banning Larry and Kilgore Trout, uh, she can come back now. I mean, she can come back any time. She's, she, she's self-banned. She asked me to ban her, and I did, but she can come back any time. She's not... Uh, being kept from the forum, she's keeping herself from it. But, but people would love if she'd end this boycott and come back by me banning Larry, because a lot of them would love to see Larry gone in the first place. But I don't work that way. I don't work that way. Yeah, I, I'm not saying that that this is the case here, because I don't I don't know anything about the situation. But I do know that I've seen things like this go on, and it's almost sort of like a power play where people are like, "Well, I'm not going to be around if you let this person be around," you know, and and. What they're trying to kind of do is exercise their power in a way and see if you can get that person banned. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah that, that happens. And I, I just said this. I said, I'm not going to get involved in any disputes between two members who, who you know interact outside of the forum and then something 
some falling out happens, even if one person is more at fault than the other, I, I don't want to get involved and say, okay, well, I think this person is wrong, so I'm going to ban them. The only way I'm going to start doing things like that is if one of them is a scammer, if if there's like physical threats of violence involved, or if there's right. uh, you know real threats of, of uh, posting personal information. I, I don't mean like, oh, I'm, I, I took screenshots of your f- social media and I'm going to I'm going to you know, post it that you're a phony or whatever. Like like. You know, I don't mean things like that. I, I, I'm not saying these things are right to do. I'm just saying that, like, someone who's chronically harassing other people, uh, even if it's outside the forum, if they're chronically harassing or threatening other members or scamming other members or trying to scam other members, then I'll intervene and say, okay, it's, it's kind of dangerous to have this person still here on the forum, so I'll have to remove them. But if it's just a, a dispute where they, they have a falling out, even if one person is much more wrong than the other, I don't want to get involved. I don't want to ban one. And I'm definitely not going to ban one just because one's more popular than the other and people will be happy and pat me on the back. I'm never going to do that. I'm going to look and see, does this justify banning someone? Do I think this person's like a danger to the community? Do I think they did something ban-worthy? And the answer is no. And I can still say someone did something wrong or acted inappropriately or acted stupidly. Or even if I say, okay, I, I think this person A is more right than person B, I can say that without banning person B, even if that's the case. So... Honestly, well, and I, I also think that if you're, and again, I've never interacted with Kilgore. I don't know anything about her, but I think if your kind of attitude to uh, adversity is that you're going to take your ball and go home, especially in a forum like PFA, like you're just never going to last. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. There, there's, there's a lot of stuff that goes on there, and if you got a thin skin, it's just not for you. Yeah, and I, and yeah. I, and I say, look, people, people are very. Uh, critical and uh, and nasty to me all the time on there, and and it, it it's stressful sometimes because running the forum really is a thankless job. In that I I barely ever get messages of encouragement or th- you know thanks for providing this, thanks for doing this, thanks for putting up with all the BS of thing- situations like this. You know, like thanks for for you know running this despite the fact that occasionally you have some psycho that you have to ban, and then and then he starts turning his attention on harassing me. You know, like like I don't get many people saying. They're very happy I'm doing this. Thank you. And I don't need people to kiss my ass like that. I just, I just get the feeling that a lot of people have like a, almost like a sense of entitlement, like that uh, I somehow owe it to them. And if I do something that they don't like, that I'm somehow ruining something for them. Or it, I'm not saying they're all like this. There are some people on the forum that, that really have been very gracious and very nice. In fact, some have been very generous with their time, with their money, or both. Like like Belly Buster, for example. He runs that uh, the Poker Fraud Alert uh, uh, no fraud online poker room. He's donated uh, money to various free rolls and contests. Uh, he, he's always doing helpful things. I, I, I love Belly Buster. Uh, you know, of course, C Money who's always putting on these contests. Uh, Simp Dog, same thing. He, he does a lot of uh, great contests like that. And, and we have various other forum posters who, uh, you know, who who have given money in the past or given their time to run things in the past. And I really appreciate them. And I also appreciate people who contribute content to the forum a lot. Like, like a good one, example of one of them, even though sometimes yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll join the group saying negative things about me. But Sonatine, for example, he, he posts a lot on the forum and he makes a lot of good posts and he, uh, he brings up a lot of good topics and he's an intelligent guy. And you know, so I, I like having those users too. And I appreciate the content they bring to the forum and, and helping make the forum interesting and getting conversations going or continuing conversations. And so I appreciate all of those contributions from people. And, and I, I'm not just saying it. So that type of stuff, I'm very happy to see. And those people, I'm, you know, I'm very happy with for the most part. 
the ones I'm not so happy with that are the ones that are most of their posts there are, are, are negative things about the forum or most of the posts there are negative things about me. And, I, and now if you have something legitimately negative that you think about me that you want to say, fine. Or if you're critical of some decision I've made or something I've done, fine, say it. But if most of your comments to me or about the forum or, or whatever are, are always negative, then that, that doesn't make me feel very good that I'm putting my time and effort into running something like this to to have that all the time. That's not constructive criticism. That's just uh, trying to make me upset. That's just trying to make me pissed off. Some, be, some people like trolling me and just you know coming up with a one-liner zinger to try to make me look foolish or bad or, or make fun of me in some way. And like again, if if it's just well, that, that, pretty much summarizes what I do when I'm on the show. <laughs> but when, <laughs> when when someone does this, uh, you know, because they have something really funny to say that that uh, can get a good laugh, fine. But if if it's a chronic thing where it's you know, what can I say to make Druff look bad or feel bad, and that's what they do a whole lot of the time, then you know, a lot of them I haven't banned for this, but it, it's it's not encouraging. It's a, that's what I mean. It's a thankless job, and I'm definitely not making money from it. Where, whereas the radio show, where I'm also not making money from it, at least with a radio show, I feel there's a lot of people who really appreciate it and really and tell me they appreciate it. That, uh, and I'm not begging for people to email me and say, "Oh, thank you." Like I, I don't I don't need that crap. But I just I with a radio, I get the overall feeling. That there's a lot of appreciation for those that listen. The forum, I, I feel it's mixed. The forum, I know there's some people who really appreciate it and, and, and who, in fact, donate their own money or time to make it better. And those people, I, I, I'm very appreciative of. And then there's others who uh, just want to always hit it with negativity, hit me with negativity. And, and that's frustrating over time. It's kind of grates on my nerves over time. Now, I'm not going to take the forum down. I'm not threatening to take the forum down it, even if it stays this way it, you know it's going to stay up because uh, I, you know, I like the forum i like participating i like posting there it's a community that's been goes way back to never win poker 13 years ago i, I wouldn't want to pull the rug out and 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 remove it because uh you know a lot of us have known each other a long time here and uh um this is the main place where that community continues to exist and, uh, and i wouldn't want to ruin that i i enjoy participating in it i would miss it if i took it down so I'm not I'm not saying I'm taking it down. I'm not threatening you know be nicer to me if this goes away. I'm just saying honestly how I feel about it. And I and if you put yourself in my position, then that you would feel that way too. And when things like this happen between users fighting with each other, and I have to intervene in some way, or I'm asked to intervene, and it creates a lot of drama. That's also a pain in the ass because this is not fun for me to deal with. I had nothing to do with this. So, you know, I, I, with, with Larry and Kilgore Trout, I have absolutely nothing to do with what's happening here. And, you know, I don't want to be like the, 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 the forum parent or, or the authoritarian figure that, uh, or the authority figure that they go to, to, uh, meet out justice. I, I, I don't want to do that. I, this is a place I'm providing for adults to get together and communicate whether publicly or publicly and privately. And, you know, Barring someone who's there and causing real harm to people, uh, I don't want to get in the middle. I really don't. So that's that's how I feel about it, and that's it's been kind of an irritant this week. This whole situation, but um, I will. Uh, and in case you're trying to figure out whose side am I on here, am I on Kilgore Trout side? Am I on Larry's side? I hope you can tell by what I'm saying here. That from what I've seen from both sides here, I think that there there is no one right. I'm not saying it's a cop out. I think that there have been um, there's there's behavior on both sides here that that brought this on, and I think there's overreactions on both sides that uh, as a result of what has been happening. I think it, it got blown out of proportion, and I think 
the reason it has is I think both sides at different points have overreacted to things that I think are trivial. Like, for example, that Photoshop about Larry the Tricycle. He should, it should have never bothered him. It should have never been an issue. Uh, the thing with Larry adding Kilgore Trout on, on social media th- th- that he found her. Uh, again, total non-issue. Total, totally standard. Those two things were both totally standard. I think both were irritated by the whole thing. So, okay, I'm going I'm to call up... Uh, Kilgore Trout here. But by the way, and I like them both. This is what also saddens me. Is I, I like them both. They're actually both uh, people I, I interact with outside of Poker Fraud Alert. And I, I haven't met Kilgore Trout yet. Uh, I, I have met uh, Larry over the summer. In fact, uh, you know, I, I spent a little time with him when uh, you know he was out in Vegas during the World Series. And, uh, and, and I have nothing bad to say about my time with Larry at the World Series. Like, he, he was... Uh, he was very pleasant to be around, and uh, you know nothing weird or abnormal about him. So uh, I, I, I thought highly of Larry when I met him there, and and I bet if uh, I met Kilgore Trout, I'd, I'd probably think the same thing of her. So let's call her up right now. And for those of you that find this forum drama boring, I apologize, but this is uh, because this it's after mid. It's actually almost one a.m. right now on the East Coast, and she's in uh, Ohio. So. She's probably going to sleep soon. She may be drinking the uh, cognac like uh, Calwatt is. Let's put her on. Be drinking mine. <laughs> Let's put her on here. And see what's going on. Then we'll get to the rest of the topics. Which fortunately we don't have a lot of topics here. Hello. Hello. So uh, Michelle, welcome to the show again. Glad to have you back here, even under circumstances I wish were different. Okay. Okay. <laughs> are, are, are I think you... it's time to clear the air. Okay, so, right. so 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 clear the air here. So I I want you. I, I I gave you my impression of this, and you know there may be inaccuracies in in what I have observed and what I have concluded. So if you'd like to correct something or or give your take on this, that's fine. I I don't want to speak for everybody. So 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 go ahead. The floor is yours. What would you like to say regarding the situation? Well, so just to be clear. I think it's fair to bring this up. I specifically did ask you to not feel like you needed to police the situation. I do want to clear the air about that. I I felt like I had it under control, at least a reasonable amount of control, without having to have you interfere. And then things got a little out of hand in the last 24 to 48 hours, and I did ask you to step in after I asked you to remove my account. So up until the point that things spread around Facebook, um, it was under control. So I don't, you know, I hate, I hate that you feel like you had to play good cop, bad cop with us. It didn't have to go that far, but it did, unfortunately. So thank you, but it it wasn't necessary. I probably could have just let it all go away. Well, if you don't mind, the the reason I had to here was, uh, it's because of the users is that once you leave, because you you were, you became a popular member on the forum. You really did. And, uh, and, and I saw why. Like, I, I understand why, why people on the forum liked you. And I, and I, I liked your post on the forum. So, like, I understood why, why people got to like you there. And so when you left and, and it was made clear it was because of Larry, uh, and, and, you know, as long as Larry's on the forum, I'm not saying, well, then, then the people who hate Larry there, they immediately jump all over my case saying, see, see, he's making her leave. You know, his creepy behavior is making her leave. Like, so I can't just, like, not answer that. I've got, I've got to, at that point, respond and explain why I'm not banning him. And, uh, you know, the, at, at that point, I absolutely have to get involved whether I want to or not. I can't just ignore it or people will get really pissed off. So that was, that was the situation. I, I respect that. I completely respect that. So and to address what Kyle said, 
it's not that I don't have a thick skin. I have a very thick skin. Typically, most times, very little gets to me. But when Larry thought that it was appropriate to take it upon himself to post anything about my life outside of the forum or who I am or anything other than that, I'm going to say something. And, you know, it's unpleasant being called a worthless cunt. It absolutely is unpleasant, but it wouldn't be the first time that I've heard those words. I (laughs) may very well deserve that at times, but still, it's just the way it was went about. It's just ridiculous. I can't, I cannot really get behind anybody that supports Somebody being talked to that way. Well, I, but I'm, I'm not supporting it. Like I don't, I don't even support the way people talk to me on the forum. But but I, I just say, well, this is the way the forum is. You know, people just do it, and and that's just I, I just I, I just tolerate it, even if it's directed at me. The only thing I don't tolerate on the forum, as far as like that type of thing, is um, I don't want to get too far off topic here. But like, if someone is, if their whole purpose on the forum is to follow me from thread to thread to thread and just troll me and just ruin every thread I start or anything I comment in with with trolling, and they try to turn it into the troll draft show, then then I'm going to get rid of them because uh, that, that's it's like tied. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tied. So so like then I'm going to get rid of them because it, it's just they're trying to make it my own site not fun for me and they're contributing nothing but trying to ruin the, my own site for me so that but that that's the only time i pull the rank and say okay i'm the owner here i i'm stepping in and stopping this but other than that i say okay you you can treat me like you treat any other user and i'm not going to ban or restrict your account for it and and you see there's, there's people who troll me all the time and i've never once banned or restricted so you know Druff, i was called a worthless cunt like literally dozens of times in a night i went on a, a trip to ireland went to a pub and I, I mean, uh, the the word must be used differently over there because a bunch of the guys hung out with us and got drunk, and they're like, "Ah, you worthless cunt!" <laughs> <laughs> all all night long. That's fine. But Kilgore, enough, obviously, absolutely. But Kilgore, but, I listen, obviously I'm don't condone you. He's in Chicago, so it's hard I, to I, it's hard to use that that generalization. And listen, Druff knows us as as much as almost anybody does. I I don't push the liberal feminine agenda. I'm not in any way. That's just not a thing for me. But if somebody uses a, a term like that at your expense, it's almost inhuman to not have some sort of emotion about it. It's, well, yeah, yeah, I, understand. I, I mean, I, I was making a joke, Kilgore, so don't don't get no, upset. No, no, I, I was that. not. I'm not trying to trivialize any of this drama. Well, okay, I'm so just, and just making a joke. Larry definitely overreacted in that thread and, and said some inappropriate things. That was one saying, "Oh, I'm going to you know, expose screenshots from your." Uh, your, your social media that was also inappropriate. Now he claimed he he claimed he did that because you said you're going to expose him in some way prior to that. Well, like, but uh, and I'll address that. So, in terms of exposing him, he already exposed himself above and beyond. I mean, and what he didn't expose about himself, others helped expose about his his arrest and all that other stuff. But I'm not even going to go there. The thing that really set me off and the straw that broke the camel's back was this bullshit story that he created that I went on to another forum, which shall remain nameless, and posted his phone number and that he was getting um, messages and harassing text messages from other users on the other forum. That never happened. I mean, he created this entire story to get my attention and get a rise out of me, which until I was able to verify that it never actually happened, I knew it 
I knew it didn't happen. If it did happen, and I had nothing to do with it. But until I was able to actually figure out that he made it up as an attention-getting boy, it, he got a rise out of me. I don't know why he did it. I don't know why he would make something up like that. But, you know, just... Well, yeah, it I, I agree. To me now. I, I agree with, with that. That was weird. Like, I, like I saw that part of the story. That's that's the most. That was the oddest part of the whole thing to me. Where now, Larry did send me proof. Someone really did text him and was was uh, you know harassing him via text from some anonymous phone number and claiming they got the phone number off that other site. But that person did not make any claims. Oh, I got it from Kilgore Trout. Like they claimed it came from that other site, but then it really wasn't posted on the other site. Someone just said it to to irritate him, and then. He he admitted in the ensuing fight back and forth between the two of you that when he accused you of being the one doing it, that he actually knew you didn't do it, and that that was really odd to me. Like why 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 do that? If you know the person didn't do that to you, why would you send them the message saying, "Oh, I know you did this," and that's and that's the type of thing where I'm saying here that there's no excuse for that. Like I, I can't even begin to make an excuse for why Larry would have done that, and that's nonsensical. And I don't know why he would have done that. It's inappropriate, and I understand you being annoyed or angry about that occurring and uh so so that's where i talk about like i can feel that things like that are inappropriate and wrong but but at the same time it's still a dispute between the two of you even if it was larry acting weird here's the issue i take with that he used that scenario that exact scenario to send me private messages and open discussion with me after i made it clear weeks ago that I wanted, I wasn't really interested in, in any further discussion. Like I don't have time to chit chat with him. I don't have like, you know, extra hours in my day to ask him how his day is going and things like that. And so he took it upon himself after he somehow, whatever, whatever method he went about finding me on Facebook, which I'm sure wasn't that much of a long shot after Instagram. Um, he, he used that as a reason to open up dialogue with me. And that, just pissed me off. Like, instead of just saying, um, you know, what did I do? Why don't you want to talk to me? He created this entire drama, this entire scenario. I just think that's underhanded. It's childish. And I have zero tolerance for that type of behavior in my life. You know, it's just, who has time for that? Like, he does things like this. He's done things historically like this, where he creates a whole bunch of drama, brings a whole bunch of people into it, and... For nothing. Well, okay, he so. he, gets, he gets emotional pretty easily, and uh, but but he, you know, he's he's shown me things. I'm not going to go into specific. He, he's shown me things that show, at, at least at one point you two were were friendly and talking back and forth, and and uh, he he at least believed. And th- this is what I actually think happened. I, I I think he believed that you two had a friendship, whether you did or didn't. I, I don't know, but he he believed it. And then uh, I think the Photoshop was kind of an insult because of who it, you know that it, it, it came from you, and he felt. Uh, that it was insulting, and uh, then uh, that the, he thought of all people to do it to him. It was you, and he thought you're you're his friend. So then, I, I I I'm not advocating the reaction he had to that either. He should have said it's just a Photoshop on the form. Who cares? But I think he was insulted, and then it kind of all went downhill from there. But you know, I'll tell you, in my interactions with Larry, even though occasionally he has had an emotional outburst or two to me, um, not nothing too extreme, but you know, but overall, he's. He, in his interactions with me, he, he's been respectful. He's been uh, reasonable. I, I haven't felt like like he's crazy or he's going to uh, be, be a problem. And I even – I'm not going to explain the whole thing out here, but uh, I even did a favor for him in Vegas that uh, 
because I I thought highly enough of him to do that favor. So in the bathroom, Drew, I, I knew you were going to say something like that. <laughs> I, I I knew I as soon as that word favor came out of my mouth, I'm like oh no, Cal Cal going to interrupt and make a perverted comment. I, I knew gave it. Him a, gave him a little release. He needed it to sleep. Something. I knew, I knew it. I knew it. So so anyway, the 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 point is here. When I saw this happening, I just thought, oh, I know that this may have you know they may have irreparably fractured whatever online relationship they had here uh, or online friendship or semi-friendship, whatever it was. But at least, like, I didn't want to see either person leave the forum. I didn't want to ban either person. This looked to me still like a personal dispute. And I I just, uh, you know, was there some, were there some bad reactions by Larry that he shouldn't have done? Definitely. But I I just, I didn't think anything was... We need a Dr. Phil moment. We need to get these two (laughs) together... Yeah, holding we, hands, yeah, we, uh, talking it, and then they can, moment. and then they can hug it out. It's oh, okay, go, go. not going to be. Nah, there won't be a kumbaya moment. But here's the thing. So I may have, I may have potentially overreacted when I asked you to ban me. However, I have, I've indicated this, this to you before. I've said this to other members, and there's, it's not a secret. I am not the most moderate person, and you know, sometimes I, I tell myself to stay away from this social media platform or that one. And I go back on my own word to myself and it's, it's all or nothing for me. So I spend either way too much time involved with something or no time at all. And it's just easier since I really got pissed and he really like pushed me and I didn't get a good feeling from the way that anything went down. It's just easier for me to not have, you know, the, the thought or the ability to log in and go off on him. Well, okay. It was just easier. So, you know, that that's more for me than for anybody else. And do I think necessarily that it was a well-thought-out thing? No, not at all. But as far as the way things are right now, you know, whether Larry's posting actively or not, it seems like there's a, a big circus always revolving around him, whether he's in the background or in the foreground. And it's just, it's, I, I don't... It's hard to want to be around that. Okay. If he, if he takes a break and really exhausts himself from being the center of attention, maybe I can reconsider, but I don't want to be a part of the Larry show. I'm just well, not okay. interested. I, unfortunately, right now, you are part of the Larry show because he just called in and, and I, against my better judgment, uh, put him on. Nice. So, no, I just uh, like to give me my side of the story, <laughs> if that's okay. I mean... So this this is not going to be a short Listen, show. This is, so, so hold on. So no, this would be this would be really quick. This would be really quick because you know what? I don't really care. I had, we hadn't talked in forever, and then she shows up on that Facebook post. You saw it, okay? Yeah. And and just starts talking about me, and she's the one that started up the dialogue here by doing that. Am I just not supposed to ask this person what they're doing? So so, Kilgore, so that's what I did. So, so I, I sent a message request. Which she accepted. She accepted that. She's obviously a private person. Okay? And all I did was ask her, what's the deal here? Why do you have to do that? Like, I don't talk to you on PFA anymore. I don't even barely post. And it was like a line. You saw it. Okay, so, okay? so, so, so let, let me, hold on. Uh, so we got this. Let, let me ask. Uh, let and, me... and then she told me to stop being a victim and that she would have me okay, but hold, hold on. We're, so, we're, you know we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves I, I here. I showed her. I showed that I would not be a victim. Okay, so hang on. Uh, so, so uh, Michelle, 
Larry is, is saying here that you, uh, you know, out of nowhere, like hassled him on somebody else's uh, Facebook wall and, and, and wrote inflammatory things. And I, I saw the things that were no, written. But... To address that, um, Scott from the East Coast was putting these like random posts, like A is better than yeah. B and B is better than C, and one of them was. Something along the lines, I don't remember, oh, Larry Laffer's posts are less than A. Hoosier A's posts on PFA. And so underneath, I admittedly said, Limitless is better than Larry. Uh, and Mumbles is better than Larry. I right. have well, it. I have much everybody. You don't have to lie anymore. Her. You don't have to lie anymore, Michelle. You can, you, you can just explain I don't have to lie. I'm going to come. I'm explaining. We're going to come out. Wait, hold on, hold on, Larry. Let, 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 and, let and, her respond here. Do whatever you did. Okay. What? What can she respond to? She didn't even bring that up. I have to bring up that she started this. She well, started this whole thing. Okay. So, so but, but you brought it up. Making this. Let's hear. Waiting comments that I stalked her. Okay. Hold on, Larry. We're, we're, that's not the truth. But I, but I want to hear her response back. You you made the accusation here, and I, and I saw the post, and so 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 what's so that so Larry apparently was bothered by that and sent you a message. So that, uh, yeah, I was bothered by that. Okay, talk to this person. They have to come out of nowhere. Okay, so so uh, sorry, Ma- Michelle, uh, what what is your answer to that, or do you have one, Michelle? Did we lose her? Uh oh. No, she's here. I don't hear her, but she's she's still on the line. Well. I had a feeling this might happen if I put you two together. So one of the two is going to hang up. I thought <laughs> that's what I thought. I thought. I, thought well, I, I mean, I don't know why. Why does she need to hang up? Why, why she, she, she hasn't hung up? She, she, she's here, but I can't hear her. It's. It's. I, I don't explain. I don't understand. Why did she have to make a post insinuating that I stalked her, which she knows that's not the case? Okay. Well, it's, that's what I'm pissed about. I, I'd love for her and to answer, but she's not. I did. Uh, for some reason, we can't hear her at the moment. I don't know if she's uh, hung up and it just hasn't shown she hung up or uh, what it is, but. I don't see her. I mean, I see her, but she's not talking. So, okay. Um, I, I don't want to spend too much more time on this. I, listen, I, I hope you both can hear me. I know you can hear me for sure, Larry. Hopefully, Kilgore can hear me too. I, I think, as I've explained, and I don't want to go through each of these again, but I, I, I feel that on, on both sides there were things that uh, – there were overreactions. I feel that there were things that were done that, that shouldn't have been done, but I don't think anything horrible has happened on either side. That's the thing. I don't think anyone has done anything really bad to the other person. And, uh, and, and even if the, any friendship you two may have had has been irreparably damaged that, uh, I, I don't think anyone should be banned from poker fraud. I don't think anyone should leave poker fraud. I think you two could both be there without even, uh, having to fight with one another and just ignore each other. And I know even Larry, you told me that if, if, you know, if I had requested that of you, you, you would have, uh, kept to that, which is good. I, I appreciate that. And of course I would have. Uh, so, so, okay. So, so hope, I hope that's what it can be. Like, I hope that, uh, and she was saying that she was, she felt she was spending too much time there and she wanted to just be banned to, you know, to give kind of prevent the temptation of, of wasting too much time in the form. That's fine. If that's what she wants to... Listen, it's it's a case of that, you know, someone who was friendly with me decided that they wanted to do what everyone else was doing and, and, and shit on me. That's all. That's all it is. Okay. It's, she just wanted to fit oh, in. Oh, oh, we, she, we lost okay. her. Some, okay, so she, she said call me back, so I guess she got dropped somehow. So let me put her back on. Call her back. I'd I, like I am. To hear, I am. I'd like to hear why. Okay, but I, I, don't want to, I don't want to take too much longer with this. As to why the, she made contact with me first. Okay, Michelle, you back? 
Yep, I'm back. Okay, I so- don't know what happened. I was disconnected. What I did hear, though, in my absence, and I, I do want to clarify this. I did not use the word stalking. I used the term obtrusive and pushy and um, demanding of my time. So, I, demanding of your time? Are you insane? Well, when I didn't, when I didn't reply. To Are you, you insane? Wait, let, let, let her respond. Let her respond here. Go ahead. So you'd send me one message, and I wouldn't reply. So then it would be followed by four other messages. That's pushing. I don't know if and that's it's, true. <laughs> well, Look, I'm, yeah. I'm positive that it's true. That's okay. fine. But then again, I Whether mean, you know I, I've, I've not, kept... I, I just think... I, I wasn't jumping on the bandwagon. And Larry, here's the thing. At the end of the day, I don't understand why you made up this entire story, like, claiming that I posted your phone number all uh, on another message. You know what? I, I'll tell you why I did it. You. Why would you do that? Like, yeah. that's attention getting. It's you, really unnecessary. You decided, it's like, it's screaming, you decided hey, you were gonna... we're here. Pay attention to me. Okay. Wow. <laughs> oh, well, she she yeah. does raise she does raise okay. a good point, Larry. Well, before we we end this here, which I'm about to be done with the segment, but but uh, uh, she does raise a good point. That that was a little bit odd to like send her a false accusation that you knew was false. Uh, that's I, I can't understand under any circumstances why that's right. So that's see, I, I admitted why because I wanted to fuck with her. I knew it would get a rise out of you. Well, but you shouldn't do things like that. That's, told that's, me that. that that doesn't make you look very good. She, this was after she had al- This was after she had already started this. Okay, I, this was not the me texting her about the scat thing is not the first act of aggression. I know, that, that, I know, I know it's not the first it. thing, but it was, it was kind of an, just an odd she thing to do. She started this. She started this. Then she wanted to be self banned because she wants to make drama out of it, and that's that's a really all it okay, is. Okay, let's. So, I think this is just escalating. Get, okay, okay, thank you, Larry. Okay, so um, I, I agree. The whole thing with that with with making up that accusation is very weird, no matter what it was. Uh, I, I also think that you know. It, when you posted the, you know, whatever's better than Larry, Mumbles is better than Larry, a Hoosier A is better than Larry, whatever, all these things that were, I saw the, the list of things. And I, I didn't think it was horrible, but, you know, it probably instigated the situation again. I just really wish this whole thing would just stop. And even if you two were never going to really talk civilly again, if this could just end. And, and, and I would like, uh, you know, Larry to remain on the forum. And I'd like uh, you, Michelle, to remain there. I, I thought you were a good poster. You made a lot of funny uh, photoshops and uh, people enjoyed your presence there. So that's, that's, that's how I feel about all this. Fair enough, and I appreciate that. I will, I will respectfully remain. I just, I'm, I'm not down for any more Larry drama. That's all. If, if he can respect my privacy, I will respect his, and I won't bring him up. I don't want to be brought up. If he can show me respect, I'm more than happy to show him equal okay, respect. Well, I, 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 I can't believe that we spent an hour discussing this. I can't. I can't. I can't believe believe this I, is an actual topic. I, I, of radio, I, yes, but I'm glad that we cleared the air. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't believe this. I, I hope the listeners don't hate this too much. But uh, Druff, I got a question. How yeah. come every we we don't have women on this show very often? But every time we have a woman on here, they're a lawyer. <laughs> Well, right? it, no, I'm serious. Remember the the woman that you were helping out with uh, the Caesars? She had some kind of issue with Caesars. No, that's she the same person. It's, right? it's the same person. That was me. That's the same person. Oh, me. You know, I was about to say you sound a lot like that. Woman yeah, it's the same person. No wonder because it was me. It's the same person. Yeah. 
Oh my God! That's All right. Funny. Well, All uh, right. okay. So th- th- thank you, thank you both of you for coming on here, and uh, you know, and uh, both. Hopefully, everybody was not uh, hasn't turned off their Michelle, radio. That at this was point. your cue to call me a worthless cunt for not knowing that. <laughs> I'll leave that to Larry. That's Larry's specialty. That, 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 that. that reminds me. It reminds me a lot of when I was I was playing blackjack at Bellagio one time and counting cards. This is before I stopped doing that there, and uh, and, and like. Jean Robert Ballon sits next to me and, and starts going, "Oh, Dandruff's here. I've got to copy his bath." I'm like, "No, shut up." And like, anyway, so then like I just want him to leave, but Jean Robert keeps uh, copying my bets, and I raise my bet. He raises his bet, and and then uh, after finally, he, don't John, you owe him like twenty eight hundred dollars or something like that? Still, no, no, I owe him nothing. No, yeah. no, I, I no, I honestly paid him what uh, what he when he bought a piece of me in a cash game. I I could have stiffed him, but I I honestly paid him what I owed him. But uh, he when he left the table. The guy next to me says, that guy, that guy there that knew you, you know, he reminds me a lot of is, is that John Robert guy from Survivor. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. I heard that on the call to listen line not that long ago, like two or three weeks ago. I heard the whole thing over again. Oh, Such a great to, story. The call to listen line. You're using that. I'm, I'm proud of you. When I'm, if I'm driving or if I'm out running and I have nothing else to listen to, it's, it fills the time and it's entertaining. Yeah. I got to tell you. Yeah. Oh, Absolutely man. Did you? That was that was kind of a sick dig. What? Rough when she's got nothing mm. else to no, listen to. No, that's fine. Oh come on! These, oh, these are old shows. These are old shows. Calwat, these that's great because look, these are old shows. And, I don't I don't have an expectation that people are going to want to hear and it. something to fill the silence. That, <laughs> but she's picking that over Ooh. everything else. There's, there's so many things in this world that could fill the silence, and she's picking this. I st- I still take it as a compliment. Oh my goodness! The glass is half full, and usually the glass is not half full for him. So you got to give him credit. Well, I mean, in all fairness, I told Dreff I used the show to go to sleep. So. Oh, a lot of people use it for that. <laughs> a lot of people use it for that. A lot of people do. Okay, so all right, uh, Michelle, thank you for coming on, and uh, we'll uh, hopefully you. this ends up okay. All right. We'll talk. All right. You know, let's throw on somebody else here. I'm sure it's going to not be very positive either. Uh, Caller, you're on the air. Hello. Ballin'! Who's this Michelle girl? Is she single? She's Kilgore Trout on the forum. You, I thought you I thought you were such a great poster on the forum. You should know this. Kilowatt who? No, Kilgore Trout on the forum. Is she single? No, she has a boyfriend. All right. She's also not Asian. So, I, th- I thought you only go out with Asian girls, right? Well, you know, I mix it up. She's a, she's I a, you she, only she, like guys. <laughs> it's possible. That, who knows? Is that wrong? Well, we did no, hear. Wait, hold on, help me, help me out here. What is the the crossover between guys and Asian girls? Uh, can you uh, define that, sir? I don't know what you're asking. I don't understand either. Well, what I'm at. Okay, so <laughs> he he dates guys. Oh, right? okay. And also Allegedly. will date specifically Asian girls. That's a, that's like a good why, question. Why yeah. those two groups specifically? Yeah, that's that's a good point. I might have to get Michelle to uh, file a lawsuit for uh, declamation of character. <laughs> no, no, I'm 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 asking a, a, an honest question. Okay. I don't date guys. You guys know that. Stop trolling. Well, we don't know that. How is do that, we know that? Is that Paul? Is that really? <laughs> yeah. I don't know that. You could date guys. How would I know you don't date guys? How do I know you guys don't date guys? You don't. But uh, I, I think. Oh, you mean this isn't TMLK? I, I well, that's I, my nickname. Look, I I think if wait people... a minute, I, I think wait a minute. Aren't you like constantly wanting to hump Tom Dwan's leg? No, that's that's one step. No, that's not me. That's that's, that's one a, step. No, they're the same person. <laughs> no. So, are you sure? 
I have over, I only have I have so many posts on the site. Like I have like a record number of posts. I have over like two hundred in the oh, last two hundred three no, years. I, I thought insane. for I have thought for the longest time that that you guys were just personalities, so the same person. And one <laughs> no. step was one person, one personality, and TMLK was the other one. No, I only have one account. Well, it is possible. I've only I, I've only met one of the two. I don't believe of them. it. The only way I'll believe it is if both of them get on the phone at the same time. Because I honestly have thought. For the longest time that okay, you were the one same step, you can person. try to call in if you want to talk. Okay, so the, I can't believe we have. I any... swear to you, I only have one account on Poker Fraud Alert. Okay, so, so you're t- not denying that you're one step. I'm not one step. I'm TMMLK. That's yeah, he, the only account I have. He is denying it now. Okay, so TMMLK, what, what are you calling about? Is it to brag about your football picks or something? What's what's the purpose? Well, of this yeah, I went three and zero on that, and I'm I'm right about the Cleveland Indians. I mean, I posted it in a thread four months ago or three months ago. They're on a record right now, twenty two and zero. Um, they passed uh, 1935 and 1880 records, so they're on pace for the new record, which I don't think is actually a record because there was a tie in between. So, no, you never know. Okay. Well, good job. Uh, but you're not selling the picks anymore. You've decided to give them away for free? Well, only secret members know the picks. I mean, I had the Bears, and obviously they should have won the game, but they covered. Okay. So. All right, well... Now, I wanted to well, talk okay. about you, Todd. I'm, I'm a little concerned in regards I, I got a to you. Couple I mean. more, hold on. I got a couple more questions <laughs> for you, though. I, 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 I just want to yes, understand. So, yes, sir. And, you know, I'm not disparaging your character by saying that you like dudes, by the way. I got no problem with people that are gay. I don't, I don't care, you know, who does what with, with anything. It doesn't make You're any difference. You're dating an Asian so. girl, so don't be hypocritical here. So I'm not, I'm not disparaging you when I say that you like dudes and Asian, Asian girls. I honestly <laughs> thought that that Asian was the girls, case. So you may like dudes. <laughs> is that true? Like, if you th- these well, are, you're married. Aren't you married to some Asian girl? I but what's the or... overlap? If this is a Venn diagram and you've got dudes in one and Asian girls in the other, they they don't really overlap that often. You well, know? then why are you question my? You've I've had TMMLK's girls on the air before, so I mean, I don't know how you would. So what is it? What is it about Asian women that you like? Um, I don't know. I just find them attractive compared to the other genders. Th- th- there's I mean, this, there, it, there's suspicion there that, that you uh, can. Pin down like that you... race. Well, there's this, there's suspicion that Team MLK is Asian himself. He denies it, but uh, there's suspicion that he's Asian. That's fine. Oh, hold on, hold on. To meet you, Jeff, but you know, so you'll never know. But well, here's here's uh, one step to prove that they're two different people. One step. Hello. Perfect. One step. You gonna answer? Yeah. I don't know. Where's one step? He was here. Oh yeah. Now he's gonna put the phone on mute <laughs> and come back and be like, "Oh, I'm one step." I mean, I'm talking right now. Right. Yeah, but one step hasn't talked yet. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, this is very mysterious right now. Yeah, then I hung up. Really strange that you two can't be on the radio at the same time. We have been on the radio at the same time. Okay, so so what's so what's your concern about me, Team MLK? This is supposed to concern about me, uh, me gambling. Well, I I think you have an issue with gambling, and I think that you're on the verge of going. Not to be rude, but I think you're you're financial financially in trouble here i mean i don't know if i can help you out at all or well you can you can watch you can watch on monday night hold on, you can watch on monday night on on the stones gambling halls uh, stream and see how i do and, and notice though notice that i did not ask anyone for any stakes or, or anything else to play this 100 200 limit game which you can win or lose a lot of money in 100 200 limit especially well, in the, is it pre-recorded or is it live it's going to be live at at 7 p.m on uh, the stone stones gambling hall website 
Uh, on Monday. So you're not going to sell your watch and other jewelry like other former... No, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not hashtag king, no. I'm not going to sell anything. I'm going to bring money to the game. I'm going to bring an appropriate bankroll there, and if I hopefully I leave with more money than I came with. I just want to note that we still have yet to hear one step on the phone at the same time as TMLK. Well, we do have, we do have somebody else here who's on with us. Uh, caller, hello. Caller. Did I say something? He's hello. Just, yeah. He's just playing games. No, we have a new caller on. Hello. Oh. Hello. Hello. That is Brandon Drexel Gerson. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Anyways, so let me get back. <laughs> Come on here. You, you show more respect to Brandon. See, now that Brandon is hung up. Oh. He's the Pussy Whisperer, isn't he? That's his nickname in Captain Zambia. You, you, you drove him away here. He well, hasn't been on no, I, th- I think he, I think Brandon's mad that I, that I even let you uh, speak over him like that. Okay, Brandon doesn't even come on the forum half the time. He's away. He comes for like a week and then he's off. For he's like not, eight he's not really he's not really a forum back. person. Okay, Brandon, hello. I like Brandon. Now? He's a good guy. Yeah, yeah, we can hear you. It's just that TMLK keeps trying to talk over you. What do you mean? You, you told me he's coming online. Who's the female on the phone? <laughs> <laughs> Why are you Drexel? Why are you hating on me? You know who I am. It's TMLK. Oh, TMLK. You know, I'm one of the few people <laughs> in this whole wide world that has seen TMLK. A picture of him. He yeah, made I, the mistake. Do you remember that? I yeah, still have it saved. Yeah, he made I know. the mistake of trying to troll me, but when he, he was <laughs> trolling me on Skype with an actual picture of himself in his profile. <laughs> now, this was a while ago. This was. Before he became, and listen, I'll tell you something. C Money and a couple other people really think he's the best radio host of all time. C Money's not at me. He wanted me to burn in a fire or something. So listen, are we still talking about the lobster macaroni or what, what's going on? No, here? no, no. We we, uh, we we hashed out a an argument between uh, Kilgore Trout and Larry, and that's done. And then TMLK called up, and I don't know what he's talking about, and. And here we are. No, somebody posted in the forum that he hopes I die in a grease fire because I didn't post pics or something. So my apologies to see money. No, no hard feelings. I mean, he's a good guy, and uh, and uh, hopefully he comes to believe that I'm a great poster, etc. In the future, to come. Okay. All right. But in okay. regards to you, Todd, I just wonder: Are you like, what do you want to make off the site? Like, that's what I want to know. I, I haven't tried to make money off the site. No, but you mentioned that you're making no money off the side and that the arguments between these certain users are frustrating. Like, what if, and you mentioned that if that were to happen, you're making money, you wouldn't care. No, so what he, he, if that like was the make? goal, okay. I, what I was saying in, in, in the post there on the radio thread about this, I said, if I were running Poker Fraud Alert as a, a business for profit here and, and it was very profitable, and I, but, but then I also had headaches with it, I'd say, okay, there's headaches from the, the site, but at least. I'm making a lot of money from it, so that that just comes with the territory fine. Uh, no business is, is stress-free. But here I'm running it without attempting to make money, and they're stressed. That's what becomes a pain in the ass there. That's what I'm trying to say. Is that There's not even the silver lining of, okay, I'm making a lot of money from it. So that, that's what I was trying yeah, to but say. but I asked you how much do you want to make per month to alleviate that pain? Uh, to, to alleviate the pain of, of the... Issues the here? Constant bickering and... Yeah. Uh, I, I yeah. would say some, something like this. One million dollars a month. You don't even. You haven't even made that in your poker career. No, come on. You have made over a million dollars playing poker. A lot more. Come on. In two thousand five alone, I, I, I cashed uh, almost five hundred thousand in two tournaments. 
But how much okay. did you lose? No, but I, I'm talking about in 2005. It lost almost nothing. Tournament <laughs> costs. No, I, I, well, like, you're not Basto Todd, are you? Because I'm no, concerned. No, I, I know. Okay. I know you have your concern. You don't have to worry. It'll be fine. And hopefully, hopefully, I will be farther away from Busto after Monday night. So, okay. Where I, is this place? I might have to make an appearance. Where oh, it? it's in Sac- Wait, It's in Sac- are, they, are you shutting down the fraud site? No, is that what this no, is about? no. The fraud site's going to keep going Wait. strong. I'll come play the game with you. Okay, I'm balling. Come, come on down. It's, it's, it's in uh, the well, Sacramento. It? It's, it's in the Sacramento area. It's called uh, Stones Gambling Hall. It's in Citrus Heights, California. In California, that's yeah. way too far. Well, what is that near Live at the Bike? No, it's it's about four hundred something miles from there. Holy shit! That's like twenty. TMLK is not traveling ten hours, Drew. Okay, well, I, I didn't ask you to. All right, that's by air. Well, you asked. You just asked me to come in and play. No, you. Okay. <laughs> Okay, I, so I've, heard, not- I, I've heard enough. I've heard enough. So listen, this is my take. Okay, I was listening a little bit. I'm making some homemade artichoke ravioli right now. But I was listening, and I got the chef's hat on. <laughs> this is my take on the whole Larry Laffer situation. Now, I've met the kid. Just you know, like you did, I spent some time with him during the summer. Now, I'll be the first to admit that before I met him, and even, even knowing him, he could definitely come off as being a little obnoxious or even a lot of obnoxious on the forum and is, you know, posting too much, but the guy's a good dude. Okay. And, and I mean, I've met him, I've hung out with him enough and I've met enough of these raw wolf types and listen, raw wolf and I even made amends, reached out to me after over half a decade. Larry's a good dude. And I don't know all of what went on with this whole thing, but this is my take. I feel from what I kind of read and just from what he's told me and what I've witnessed that maybe he was smitten with her. Maybe he wasn't, but either way he thought they were friends. And then when some of these guys on the forum, the popular kids, the cool kids, whatever you want to call them, like in high school started all piling up on him and ganging up on him that he felt a little hurt that, uh, Miss Trout kind of jumped in there because he thought they were friends. Yes, and you know maybe you I mean, yeah not even maybe he's okay. So what you can accuse him of is maybe being or definitely being oversensitive, you know, and because it's the forums. I mean, you know, you have to have obviously thick skin, but that's what I think happened. Um, you know, and, and whatever you could say what you want, I, the dude definitely wasn't stalking her, you know, and I think like you said, it, it, it's best they just both probably go their separate ways. She should have not post if she wants to. He should definitely not be banned, but I think that's what it was. I think he was hurt. He thought they were friends, you know, and, and, you know, he, we talked, we text, he never mentioned to me and I'm not his fucking penis protector, but he never told me he was in love with the girl or, he, you know, he, you know, he was just a girl, you know, on the forums and he thought she was a cool girl. That's kind of what he said that he just thought she was down to earth and funny and intelligent, pretty, you know, just someone, you know, to, to have a friendship with. So I think that's what it was. He felt hurt that she ganged up on him with everybody else when he thought they were friends. So it's pretty simple. But I will say this, like I, you know, like I mentioned, I spent about a week straight with the dude. I went to a strip club with him. It's the first strip club I've been to in almost a decade. I don't, I don't go to strip clubs. I didn't spend any money, but I watched him get a very erotic dance from a black <laughs> stripper named Ebony. <laughs> okay, I mean, it's not like a terrible name for yes. a black stripper, yes. really. Ebony, like, come on, really? At like seven in the morning on like a Wednesday at the worst fucking strip club in the entire city. It's called Play It Again Sam's. It's right on Spring Mountain. 
Like, how the fuck did this place get zoned? Like, it's literally right on Spring Mountain in the beginning of Chinatown. There's no other strip clubs on any of those roads, meaning like Spring Mountain, Flamingo, Tropicana, um, Charleston, Sahara. But there's this one beat-up 24-hour strip club called Play It Against Sam's. Have any of you ever heard of it? Yes. You have heard of it. And is it really true, you know, every single city in California? Not, not every single just city. texting me from the, sh- from the ship telling me that there's no way that you're full of shit. I don't, know, no, I, don't, I don't know every single city. There are some tiny towns in, in, in California that I, I will not have heard of, especially in Northern California, but uh, most of them. Usually when I hear a town mentioned in California, I, I know the area it's in. I can usually even tell you what area code it's in. Uh, and if not, I, I, I kind of know the general region. I, I've heard of it in some way. Where there, There's very few times I hear of a town in California that I've just absolutely never heard of. I'm like, like I can't believe that's in the state. Now, looking back at this whole thing with Larry and the stripper, you know, Ebony and all that, at the end of the night, he told the stripper that he loved her. <laughs> and that was a little odd, and I had to tell Larry that it, it, it's really more of a business transaction. They're kind of paid to, you know, make guys think that they like them. So, again, if anything, maybe you can accuse him of being just a little naive, but the dude isn't a bad guy. I think you can verify yeah, that. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's what I thought. That's what I thought from my, interaction with, dude. From my, my interactions friend. with him on uh, – yeah, and talking to him with text messages, and uh, and even spending some time with him over the summer, I, I thought that uh, you know, even though he can get uh, over exuberant at times, especially on the forum, uh, that that he's not a bad guy, and that's that's what I saw there of him, and that's why I was I was really trying very hard to make this whole thing not blow up the way it did, and then it did anyway. But uh, I, yeah. I was hoping it wouldn't get to where it did, and and I'm hoping it can just retreat now and not become the drama anymore and, and, and they can just ignore each other and that'll be that. So, Brandon, yeah. uh, would, would you like to stay on for uh, the remainder of the show or are you just calling in to say that? You know what? I, I, I'm going to call back when uh, I'm done eating this ravioli. Plus, I, I don't know if it's my cell phone. That's why I called back before, but it's both of you are very broken up. Are you hearing me okay? Yes. Okay. And one more thing, just you know, when you're talking about People kind of making fun of Larry and going along with it reminds me of the time that all of us, you know, me, you, Trader Ruski, the whole group were uh, we were at that little Italian restaurant, Golden Nugget, and we walked out for a second to use a restroom to wash our hands. And while I was in there, Larry came back out, and a security guard approached him with a straight face and said, "Little boy, are you look are you lost and looking for your parents?" <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I mean, Larry's in his thirties, you know, but he took it with, you know, a smile and he just started laughing it off. I mean, you know, so it's not like you can't make fun of the kid and he's overly sensitive. I mean, they're coming up to you in the casino asking if you lost your parents. I mean, it's kind of a little weird, you know? <laughs> I don't know. So anyhow, uh, and then in regards to the lobster macaroni, all I can say about it is nobody knew that it cost $100 for a side. And I think, you know, even... Someone's bawling out of control. I think $100 for literally, it's maybe six ounces of lobster macaroni. That's pretty excessive. I mean, no, it is. you could buy a lobster. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's ridiculous. I mean, you could buy a whole lobster, a main lobster. What are you going to pay these days for like a one-pound lobster? Well, I don't know. Bucks, yeah, bucks? Yeah, bucks? yeah, like like for example, at Nobu in Caesars, it, you can order the uh, like a whole lobster. And uh, yeah, and then they make it in, in – uh, 
in, in their various ways that they uh, prepare it. And it's like $70. And I, I get it. It's very good. But uh, of course, when, when I get but it, when I get it, like I, no, I, there was no malice with the lobster macaroni. No, I know there wasn't. I, you you told no me the malice. story. Yeah, you told me the story. Believe it or not, yeah. one step does seem no like malice. he's innocent here. So, um, yeah, one step for once can't be blamed. Usually he can be blamed, but this is one one time he should not be blamed. Yeah. All right. Okay. So listen, I'm going to eat my artichoke ravioli. I'm going to listen on that uh, that call to listen line. Oh, great. Okay. And, uh, I, I'm home for the night. So after I'm done. Seems like this is going to be a long show, huh? It was supposed to be a short show. Now it's going to be long, but okay, whatever it is. All right, okay. Is Callaway on the line? I am. How you doing, buddy? Good, man. How you doing? Are you Are you back in the states? Or are you still in uh, Singapore? No, man. I'm back in the states. Nice, nice. Now you said that there really was a city. I was, this is right when I turned it on. Called Kakawat. Kakawat. <laughs> Cox and then it's right by Pleasantville, or what was? No, it's orgasm? right by Climax. Climax. Co- Coxsackie and that, Climax are right next to each other. Is that in upstate New York? It's kind of like um, Hudson Valley area. I don't know what you consider upstate, but it's probably. I, mean, about... I have some friends that I have some friends that live in a city called Amsterdam, which yep. I guess is near Albany. So that's what I consider upstate. I don't know. So it's south of that. All right. Right on. Okay, gentlemen, go on. Thank you for the airtime. I will. Uh, I'll call back later. I appreciate the uh, the hospitality. Is okay. okay. All right. Thank you, Brandon. But by the way, we. Uh, I actually in Montana. My last trip of the summer uh, went to a city called Hartbutt. It's a, the word heart space B U T T E. I know it's technically Butte, but. Uh, we still got TMLK on the line? No, no, I, I dropped him. There's a lot of people oh. trying to call in here tonight that I, I haven't taken their calls, and uh, we've, we've got to move on. If I just keep taking call after call after call, this is never going to end. So uh, let's move on here. Maybe we'll take some calls. I wanted later. to know why you liked, you know, what the intersection between men and Asian girls is. I still don't understand. Yeah, I, that's that's a good question. That's a good question. But uh, TMLK, for another day. I have to for I have to day. take him in limited doses. So. The, the dose was over. I was getting overdosed okay. there. Okay, I want to talk about uh, some breaking news. In fact, I want your opinion on this too, because this is a, a weird but interesting situation, at least to me. We talked about last week how America's card room was getting DDoS again. They always seem to get DDoS. They always claim that they're taken by surprise by it, that it's so shocking that this time they're going to take action to prevent it, and then every time it happens, they act like it's the first time. They, they just never learn. They never learn at ACR to invest some time and effort to build up some defensive measures against this. But this time was more notable because the CEO, he went on, on Twitch to talk about it, as he often does when this happens. And one of the things he said was that he feels this is being done by rival card rooms. In fact, he claimed he had some evidence it was, but he didn't say which card rooms were doing it or how he knew that, but uh, he very strongly believed that this was not just some jerk who was DDoSing the site and and ruining these tournament series and and making all these people disconnect, but it was actually uh, some rival site trying to frustrate people into not wanting to play there anymore. So, we still don't know which site that he thought it was or what information he had, or if he was just guessing and hoping that someone would uh, come forward, or maybe that the site would stop thinking that he's onto them. But uh, 
This is what happened. Since then, on September 9th, five days ago, an account was created on Poker Fraud Alert called Winning DDoS. Now, the winning means that that's the network it's all. It's, it, uh, the American Card Room is on what's called the Winning Network. So Apparently someone, not. So someone made an account called Winning DDoS. Now, they actually made it with a throwaway email address and a very suspicious IP, and I said, okay, normally I would not approve an account like this because I like – I, I like to see that uh, people are not making accounts that they're hiding under something. Otherwise, there's no point to have rules on the forum if people can make completely anonymous accounts from from proxied IPs and throwaway email addresses. Then you know, what incentive is there to follow the rules? But I could tell there was a reason this account was being created. I had a feeling it was someone who was going to either take credit for the DDoSing or claim to know about it, and it turned out to be the latter. So this is what winning DDoS posted. Uh, now, keep in mind, Phil Nagy offered a 10-Bitcoin bounty, which at the time was worth uh, over $40,000. Now it's worth over $30,000. A 10-Bitcoin bounty on information leading to finding the person behind the DDoS attacks. Now, why this person chose Poker Fraud Alert to post about this instead of uh, like 2 plus 2 or some more highly trafficked site. I don't know, but they chose Poker Fraud Alert. Maybe they thought that uh, I'd be more likely to keep whatever identifying information there a secret. Though I I, I didn't agree to anything like that. The person just showed up and I I verified the account because I I thought they may have something interesting to say. And I was right. This is what they posted on on, uh, September 9th at 11.39 p.m. Pacific time. Attention, Phil Nagy. This is posted in the Scam Scandals and Shadiness form. Looking to collect on the 10 Bitcoin bounty. Have information leading to the person behind the DDoS attacks. Not quite friends with the person, but I know who they are. So this is a snitch. <laughs> this is someone who wants to collect the, the reward of, uh, at the time, more than $40,000. Now still worth more than $30,000 in, in Bitcoin. And he went and posted, and I, you can go take a look... Uh, Cal Watt on the Scam Scandals and Shadiness Forum, this, uh, he posted a screenshot of some kind of log, and I'm not exactly sure what this is, but it, uh, um, it has host port time and started at. And uh, I, it goes all the way back to, there, there's four lines to it, and one of them started at February 9th, the next one March 9th, the next one March 9th, the next one June 9th. And, uh, and it's all from the same IP of 186.5 plus 0.163.84 on port 15667. Now, I think what he's trying to show here, and, and you can take a look also, Calwatt, and tell me if you agree. I think what he's trying to show is that he has information that only someone connected to the DDoS or had knowledge of it would have. And that is, I think he has information on the IP that was doing it. So, as far as I know, they've never made that public. And this guy is... And he, he didn't say what this is. He just posted this up there. And uh, w- with this IP address of 186.5.163.84 and with various, what I think were attacks, though it's not clear from this picture, uh, four of them, one on February 9th, two on March 9th, and one on June 9th. So I wonder why they're on the 9th. But I wonder if the point of posting this is that they know this IP internally at, at uh, the Winning Poker Network, and if this guy knows it too, then maybe he must know something. So that IP resolves to the Latin American Caribbean IP area? 
somewhere it looks like somewhere in either in Mexico or Central America and something about the owner is bet Chris no it's in Costa Rica so the yeah the owner the owner is bet Chris in Costa Rica so that whatever that, that is I wonder well bet Chris I've heard of before that's a um that's a sports book, but I, th- I think they may be associated with America's card room. So maybe maybe that's who the victim was. Maybe that's maybe that was the. That's IP. what I'm looking up. Yeah, maybe, maybe that that's what. Uh, maybe he's showing that they were the victim, but I don't know what that really proves because it, it's not like we don't know that that's the victim. But so I, I I posted back. Not sure if he reads the site. Can you tell a bit more? He meaning Phil Nagy. Now at that point, I brought America's card room. Uh, I brought this to their attention that this thread's going on here because obviously he's trying to get their attention. So the guy asked back, what would you like to know? Before I could answer, then another user on the site said, some evidence of your claim would be a good place to start. And, uh, and then, of course, bad guy 23 has to chime in and uh, saying that, you know, so when I said, uh, not sure if he reads the site, can you tell us a bit more? And then bad guy 23 says, the hacker does. Hey, Phil, referring to Phil Nagy, tell Adriana her pussy stinks and you were warned. <laughs> I, I don't I don't know what he means by that, but I guess uh, he has some issue with them too. Then an America's card room rep signed up to the site, and it really is one because they have an email address that links to their site. So and that, and it verified, so it's it's definitely them. So someone made an account named ACR rep who works there and wrote back, "Do you have proof of the site that hired the attacker?" And then the guy says back, "This is yesterday." No, I only know who the hacker is and the IP of where the payment came from. Now, the payment, um, I'm not sure what that means. Maybe the payment that was made to the hacker. So I think what he's trying to say here is, yes, someone was hired, and he knows who actually was hired to do it, and he has the IP address of the person who paid him. I think that's what he's trying to say, which means that would support uh, America Cardroom's assertion that uh, this was not just done by someone who uh, has an issue with them or even someone who's going to try to extort them later. This is someone who actually paid someone else to do it. Now, it could be someone who paid someone else to do it and then is going to extort them, but uh, it also could be a rival site that is doing it for this reason. But it, it, it does not appear to be just someone doing it either for fun or because they're mad at the site and want to screw with it. It does seem to be someone who paid someone else to do it. So... That uh, that's what's going on here. And uh, have you seen anything more? Is, is Bet Chris? Uh, let me see if the chat room knows. Bet, Bet Chris is associated with with America's Card Room. Uh, does anybody in the chat room know that? If uh, anyone finds that, let me know. But I think the guy's telling the truth. That's I, I have no proof of this. The guy could just be making this up in order to try to get the ten Bitcoin bounty. Which, if he could trick them into believing it, then. He would get it, but I would think someone who did this would think that, you know, someone trying to trick them into thinking he had info, I would think he would know that he would have to present them enough to show that he knows what he's talking about to get the reward. He can't just finger some random person and say, okay, he's the one who did it. Okay, give me my 10 Bitcoin. Like, I, there's no way that America's Card Room is going to cough that up. They would have to see that they really have the right guy. So I think it really is someone who has this information. And what's what's interesting to me especially is that they chose Poker Fraud Alert to have this conversation. So I, I wonder if it's a radio listener 
because they it was someone who was aware of the fact that we discussed this recently. Now we discussed it on the radio, and it was uh, it was mentioned on the forum, but this was uh, not too long. I think the person made this account uh, not too long after the radio show aired, maybe a day or two later. So I wonder if it's someone who does listen here and decided they're going to collect on the bounty because they knew who was behind it. Now, I didn't mention the bounty last time. I didn't even know about it. But whoever this is, if you're listening, the guy who made the winning DDoS account, first of all, I'll give you my word that uh, I'm not, I'm not going to rat out who you are. Okay, so if you want to use the site to communicate with America's Card Room, that's fine. Now, I, I wouldn't be helping this along if you were trying to extort money out of them or anything, but because you seem to be wanting to come forward to get a reward to turn somebody else in who did this, then that's fine. Now, some of you may ask, why am I helping out a snitch, especially a snitch who's trying to make money? Well, snitches aren't always bad. You know, they say snitches get stitches, and snitch is a bad term, but the truth is there's a lot of crime solved because of snitches. Like if someone is arrested for murder or for child molestation because of a snitch. Well, that's a good thing. The snitch did something good. He may have done it for his own selfish reasons, but overall, a good thing was done. So, this guy... Yeah, so I can verify, Druff. That is their uh, primary web server IP address. Okay. So, that I mean, that doesn't prove much then. That's, unless uh, unless the, the time and date he was posting you know, matched it perfectly. But then again, the users knew that too. So, I don't know how the much... Port, the port that they're using is not a uh, a port that's assigned to anything. You know how a lot mm-hmm. of Unix ports have uh, well-known uses? Yeah. Um, so this is a port that's not assigned to anything. I mean, it, it sounds like <laughs> their their IT department is so terrible. that I mean, typically what you do is you block all of the ports that you don't want to listen to. Yeah, yeah. Um, so my guess is that they just have this stray uh, TCP port open. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it's nothing is doing anything with it, but you can just dump a whole lot of overwhelming traffic into it. Now, it's possible this is the port that it uses to communicate with with the, the client, with the ACR client. It, it could be. It's not in a range that would typically be used um, because there's a, a higher range of ports that's normally used for um, for services like that, um, for unknown services or custom services. Um, I mean, it certainly could be. But <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, well, I, I would think that it would not be, but based on other things that I've seen, it could be. Okay, well, I, whoever this, I, I still think I believe this person. They, they could be trying to roll America's card room for a reward, but I, I just don't think they'd be that stupid to think they could just fabricate information and get the reward unless there's. Well, and it looks like this is a back end to one of the botnets where there are places on the internet that you can go. And you can, it's kind of like the internet equivalent of hiring a hitman where you can hire a botnet. Um, and usually, usually you buy it in Bitcoin um, and uh, or other cryptocurrencies, um, and you can just schedule an attack. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of that. So, and then it's probably—I mean, I'm not familiar with this particular service that he's using, but that's you know, it's kind of what it looks like. Yeah, though he's claiming he know the he knows the person, so that's a little bit different than just some you know some foreign service that's doing this. But who's going to take a screenshot of it? Yeah, I don't know. That's just so weird. I, I don't understand the screenshot. Like, I, I wish you would explain the context of the screenshot. Well, the screenshot looks like, I said, it looks like a scheduled attack. 
But they, it should be the person scheduling that. Yeah, that yeah, that's what probably I'm the only person who can see that. That's why I'm, that's why I'm saying there's no contact. That's what's weird. We don't understand what uh, uh, how this guy has this. Or, or anyway, we hopefully they they communicate back and forth. The, the last time they interacted was yesterday, which you know hasn't been a lot of time since then. But I I hope they interact more. I hope that they get to the bottom of this. It's it's very infuriating to play on a site like this because this victimizes the players too. You're in the middle of a tournament and then they, you know it has to shut down because someone's DDoSing it or you're in a cash game and you know you have to stop because you know, nobody wants this. Nobody wants the DDoSing. It's, it's not just hurting America's card room, it's hurting the players on America's card room. So yes, I want whoever is doing this to be caught. And if I can help facilitate that to happen and if and I'm not asking for part of the the bounty or anything but team MLK is accusing me of that in, in chat that I'm trying to get the part of the bounty but just if this guy who's trying to get this bounty I know he's doing this just to get the money but uh, I, I won't give out information about him provided that that's all he's doing now if he's going to threaten them or something that's a different story but if he's just saying I know who did it you know, I can prove it, and once I prove it, pay me. That's fine. I'll, I'll help him keep his anonymity here to yeah, accomplish the greater good of this, you know, perhaps catching the guilty party. Here's the thing, though, man. Like, I, you know what? I, I don't know what the motivation is behind this, but I kind of have no sympathy from the point of view of, you know, whatever money they're making, they got to spend some money on having, like, not a Mickey Mouse setup. No, I agree. You know? I, I agree, I, I, and, uh, but uh, much much like I, I don't like blaming the victim of, of scams. Like here, mm-hmm. here, I, yeah. I th- th- there is somebody who's doing this just because they've they've designed this system poorly and it, it's vulnerable to these attacks. It doesn't mean they should happen. It just means they shouldn't. They, it means they shouldn't allow it. But they, they, th- this hurts the players, especially ones who. You know, it, think- it does, but it's not that much different than like a restaurant skimping on, uh, you know, food sanitary standards to save some money you know what i mean like they they're they're skimping on what should be basic service for something like this yeah i, I know? know i know but and they're doing it because they're greedy and they don't want to spend the money on it because it's not like this isn't a solved problem you know yeah i'm not doing this to do america's card room any favors and so yeah. I, I it's more to the favors just for the community to have these things stop it, it shouldn't be happening yep. even if it's a even if it's trader ruski Trader Ruski is in check. Get get that man on the phone. Trader Ruski, uh, I will connect you on here. I was about to say you call him, but for some reason when he calls in, I can never connect him. I always have to call him right back, so we'll just skip that step. And I will let me put him on here. Yeah, I saw him come on. Okay, let's throw him on here. So. Anyway, that's. Uh, well, I'll let you know if this there's any update to this. Trader Risky, hello. How you doing, guys? Good, good to there have you he here. And uh, now, now Calwa can feel less guilty about falling asleep. And mm-hmm. that's. Uh, I think that the reason he's happy is to see Trader Risky is because that's. Uh, that's no, his, I'm his, happy his... to see him, but you know, it doesn't doesn't hurt to have a tag out when it's needed. It's like but the last uh, time I said it. that I was on almost to the the bitter end. That's true, and there's. <laughs> It's kind of like a, a starting pitcher that he's happy to see when the relievers warming up because uh, he's feeling tired. And he, at least he feels like if he does get tired, there's someone ready to replace him. He doesn't have to pitch to the the top hitter on the other team when the bases are loaded. So okay, 
Uh, I want to talk about Bovada and the ban that is taking place for users from five states. And those states would be Nevada, New York, uh, Delaware, New Jersey, and I put Florida, but I think I'm wrong. I think I think I meant Maryland. It's not Florida. It's Maryland. So those are the, those are the places that are banned. Let me make sure that's what I, I put Florida on the agenda, but I'm just about sure I'm, I'm that I put the wrong thing there. Uh, actually, I think I. Uh, I'm going to assume it was Maryland. I wrote it up wrong. So here's the reason, provided it's not Florida. I wouldn't. I can't imagine why they would have banned Florida. But here, here's the, here's the reason it would be those five. And that is because all of these five either have legalized online poker or have taken action against poker sites or poker, poker payment processors with a U.S. attorney's office based there. So, for example, let's take a look at Black Friday. Black Friday was busted by uh, the federal government, but it was specifically busted by the U.S. Attorney's Office from the Southern District of New York, and that is a frequent office that goes after online gambling sites. There's also an office in Maryland of the U.S. Attorney's Office that also goes after these gambling sites, not as often as the Southern District of New York does, but they do it too. So even though there's nothing specific about Maryland or New York that should make this more prominent in those two places, those are the two U.S. Attorney's offices that have chosen to specifically go after gambling sites and their payment processors. You may say, well, it's a federal bust, so why does it matter where they're based? Why does it matter, you know, they... A federal bust means they can go after anyone in the whole country. So why why does it matter if they're based in New York? Why does it matter if they're based in Maryland? Why ban, why ban those two states? The reason for this is that each office has their own little jurisdiction that they are supposed to be focusing upon. So the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Southern District of New York is not supposed to be investigating crime that has nothing to do with New York. That's supposed to be up to some other office. So if they want to get in on these busts, and the reason these office like the offices like getting in on it is because they get to collect uh, the proceeds of whatever they seize, and then it makes them look good. So in order to do this, they have to show that a crime, the crime that they're investigating, occurred in their jurisdiction. So the way they usually do this is they get a shill either some person cooperating with them or someone within their office to sign up an account on one of these gaming sites. They deposit some token amount of money, sometimes just like a hundred bucks and they play hands for real money. And once they've even played one hand for real money on the site and they've deposited, once they've done that, then they've proven the crime or at least they've proven it enough to, uh, to then commence with the arrests and the seizures and getting warrants and all that stuff. So, but but the, the key here is that in order to do this, they have to have evidence of someone in the state of New York doing this or the state of Maryland doing this. And they, now, it can be their own person that they set up to do this, but the, it has to be occurring in that state, and they have to have evidence that occurred in that state, even if they set it up themselves. So they can't just – for example, if, if, if nobody in New York is, is playing on there or they can't find anybody in New York to cooperate – 
then they cannot prove this. Then they can't get these warrants. Then they can't make these arrests. So what Bovada has been doing to combat this is they just ban people from those two states from signing up new accounts. And you say, why only new accounts? Well, they figure if you already have an account there, you're probably not going to be cooperating with the federal government. In fact, the federal government now not even, probably doesn't even know who plays on there. And so it makes it a lot harder. They can't just sign up a new account on there and start playing because new accounts from New York or Maryland can't play on there. So that, that's the attitude they had taken. And in addition, for three other states, which is Delaware, New Jersey, and Nevada, that's where they currently have legalized online poker. So they do that simply because they don't want to be seen as competing with the legalized rooms and then drawing the ire of the government that way. So they're, what they're trying to do is... Number one, make it tough for the government to get evidence of actual legal gambling transactions taking place in these jurisdictions that like to go after these cases. And they're trying not to step on the toes of the legalized online poker rooms so as to not get the government too mad. So that's what they're doing. And they, they, they actually have had this policy in place in some way or another for a while now. Like for a long time, you have not been able to sign up with new accounts from any of those states. Ignition, for example, when they started, and they're an extension of Bovada, even though they like to pretend they're not, they would not let new accounts sign up. They were a new site, and you could not sign up an account from those states, nor could you transfer over an account from Bovada from those states. But now this is the first time they're actually kicking everybody off from those states and that nobody's grandfathered. So they've decided not only can't you make new accounts – but you can't continue playing here if you're in one of these five states. And it's specifically for these reasons. It's not because... Uh, it, it's, it's not that uh, they're on the way to banning all 50 states. It's not because they're trying to get legalized in the U.S. They never would. They've been you know, offering sports betting, a lot of things that are a huge no-no. So there's no way they're ever going to get licensed. At least I can't see it. So it's, it's nothing like that. They're only doing it for self-preservation of their current business, that they don't feel – they feel that just not taking new accounts is not enough to prevent being vulnerable. So they've just said, you know what? Five states there, you just can't play. And they, they are giving up a good chunk of the market because New York, huge population, it's second only to California. New Jersey, a medium-sized population as far as states go. Uh, Delaware is very small and uh, – Nevada has a, a fairly small population, but of course it's more gambling heavy there. And Maryland, uh, yeah, it's a, a small state also. So, but New York and New Jersey, those are uh, sizable, especially New York. So they are giving up a decent portion of the U.S. population, but they still have obviously plenty. They have 45 states, including California and Texas and uh, and Florida, that that can still play there. So I, I don't see that changing anytime soon. For the reasons I stated, this is nothing new. It's it's a it's a modification of an existing policy, and that's that's something you guys should know, because there's been a lot of confusion about what this really means. So don't if you're playing Bovada from California, don't worry about that. If you're playing Bovada from any of those states except for those five. Don't worry about it. It's unlikely you're going to be banning your state anytime soon unless your state gets legalized online poker. Like if California adds legalized online poker at some point, which I'm getting doubtful of happening, then this will probably occur there as well. 
then there will be no more Bovada. So the worst case for like Californians would be if online poker starts in California, it sucks, it fails, but it's still technically there, and Bovada bails out. That that would be crappy. But that's uh, that's the situation. So anyway. Don't worry about it. Is, is what I'm trying to say. If you're, if you, but if you're in one of these five states, don't screw around, because now they're they're going to be probably aggressively looking for this, and they would they'll probably ban you and take your money. So I wouldn't sneak on there with VPNs or anything like that because you're you're, you're taking a risk. You can try, but you're taking a risk. Before the whole thing with the new accounts, that was they were taking it less seriously. But now, now that they just don't want anyone from those states, that's uh, you're really taking a risk by attempting to go on there that way. So, before you think of VPNing or even just going on and claiming you changed your address, like like for example, don't just like put down an address in Iowa and then just keep playing from Nevada, like like you know, from your IP in Nevada. They'll, they'll catch that real fast. A VPN, I don't know if they can catch that or not. Depends on how, how advanced they've uh, put procedures in the software to detect things such as this. But they can. Any client you run on your computer like this, if they want to, they can detect that you're going through a VPN. So uh, there's there's no way to do it that's foolproof that they can't tell. Uh, just keep that in mind. And this, this is uh, taking place immediately. They they emailed people from those states automatically and told them basically you're not welcome here anymore. You got, you got, you can you can withdraw your money, but you can't play anymore. So let's move on here. Anybody else? Uh, you, one of you guys want to make uh, any comments on this, or that pretty much. Speak for itself. No, that's about it. Yeah, I didn't think it was yep. worth much discussion. I just I, I wanted to note it because I was having people asking me to discuss this and coming up with some conclusions I didn't agree with. So here is a st- I, I'm st- I'm still wondering why TMLK is so homophobic. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, he he called it an insult when I said that he liked men and uh, Asian women. I I honestly thought that that was the case and it's not disparaging someone to say that you know you know one step he claims he actually is bisexual you know he always talks about tom Dwan and and guys and sucking off guys and stairwells and hotels which i believe he really does too i don't think he's just making this stuff up but uh one step actually has indicated before interest in women at various times or sometimes there'll be a picture of a woman posted there and he'll comment and I think he's serious I don't think he's just saying it so you know he's considered bi instead of gay are they always Asian women no no they're not Asian women but okay so this is that's just a TMLK thing but what I will say there is it seems like his real focus is is guys though it seems like the women is kind of like an afterthought like like okay you know I'll do this yeah I I, I can be into that sometimes but it seems like what's really on his mind are guys and that and that's really what I've seen of any guy who says he's bisexual I've seen it very rarely where a guy is bisexual and likes men and women equally I've mm-hmm. seen this with women before, but I, I, I just I don't think I've ever seen this with men where they're like right down the middle, can go either way, 
you know, happy enough either way with that. I, I usually see if a guy is, is identified well, Darth, as, it's a spectrum. Well, I know, but I think with men, if they identify as once they identify as bisexual, that, that usually means that they're gay and just kind of on the way there or mostly gay. I've seen very few. I think there's some guys who say they're straight that have some bi tendencies, but do like women better, but will, you know, mess around with men, but they don't you know, necessarily prefer it, but they, they call themselves straight. Once you call yourself bisexual, once you're a guy calling yourself bisexual, I, I believe that that usually means you're either mostly gay, completely gay, or on the way. Like there, There's guys who go from straight to gay. I guess it's like a transition process in their own mind or even with their peers where they, they start saying they're bi and then a few years later you find out that they're just completely gay and they... They, so there's that process too. Now, one step has said for you know, over 10 years now that he's bi. So he, he's not in any kind of transition process as far as his sexual preference. But I, I just, I, I think one step thinks about men sexually much more than he thinks of women sexually by a wide margin. That, that is my assumption here. So, TMMLK, I don't know. He, he may, uh, maybe, maybe he is one of the few uh, true male, straight down the middle bisexuals. So okay. Uh, Hey, uh, someone, uh, Bobby Orr, wants to know if you're going to talk about uh, Australia shutting down poker stars. I, I hadn't planned upon it, but may, maybe maybe we'll get to that. But that All right. the, the next the next topic is one that is not being discussed anywhere. It was something that was reported on initially by Poker Fraud Alert, and I, I still believe it has not been reported anywhere else. And I, I'm surprised because I think this is something, while not a major story, is kind of worth noting and kind of just interesting that is that the male not the male the, the, the man I guess I could say male too but the man who attempted to rob Greg Raymer a few months after he won the World Series in 2004 in the hallway of the Bellagio in one of the hotel hallways one of the two men who definitely did this and was convicted of doing it has died at the age, the ripe old age of 47. Does that make you feel old, Calwatt? Aren't you 47? Thank you, Druff. <laughs> but but you'll, you'll hear why you don't have to feel like you're knocking on death's door just yet, because the guy does have, he had a situation going on that was a bit different than you. So, this guy is. Remember back when I was 47. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, Trader Ruski, you can't die at 47. You should be happy about that. You No matter what. There's zero chance that Trader Ruski will only live to 47. True. So, Kevin R. Joy is his name. R is his middle initial. And he's referred to as Kevin R. Joy. I guess there's other Kevin Joys that you can search on the internet. But this is Kevin R. Joy. He and an accomplice named Dean Kasim followed Greg Raymer in December 2004. December 20, 2004, they were watching Greg Raymer back when he had money playing at uh, a high-stakes Bellagio cash game. And they got the idea that uh, they will wait until Raymer is done and follow him up to his room and uh, rob him of the money that he brings back to his room. Indeed, and they, I, I wonder if they saw this the previous day. I don't know how they knew that he was going to be carrying a lot of cash back to his room. Indeed, they uh, Raymer took 150000 cash from the game and brought it to his hotel room. I don't know if it was cash or cash and chips or whatever. He had 150 k on him 
that he was walking back to his hotel room in the Bellagio. Now, keep in mind, he never went out to the street. The, the game took place at Bellagio, and within the Bellagio, he went up to his room. So you usually feel pretty safe doing that, but this goes to show that you always have to be careful, even inside the hotel, if there's anybody watching you, especially when a lot of money's involved. So they followed him up to his room, into the hallway, and, uh, and one of them pulled a gun on him and told him that he needs to go inside the room with them. And Raymer got very concerned right then that if he goes in the room with them, that they're just going to shoot him and take the money. Because they, I guess he was afraid that if they didn't shoot him, that the second they left with the money, he'd call the police and they'd stop him from leaving. So he was afraid that the only way they can make the clean getaway is by killing him. Probably right. So he decided, and it's a good point, yeah. So he decided that the only chance he thought he had was to fight back and not go in the room. So that's what he did. He uh, he attacked one of them, and uh, fortunately for him, he didn't get shot. This is what uh, this is Raymer's description of what happened. He described this in an article at the Las Vegas Sun in uh, June of 2005, six months later. He said uh, that he saw Dean Kasim walking about 30 to 40 feet ahead of him. And then he said that Kasim uh, proceeded down the hallway, this is ahead of Raymer, and stopped at the door next to his room. So obviously they had, they had cased him before. They knew exactly what room Raymer was in. And Kasim Adrof, did- I, hate, I hate to be the conspiracy theorist here, but knowing what we know now, could this possibly have been a prostitute deal gone wrong, and these were the pimps? <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it would have been a good defense, but no. Or, or the prostitutes. Yeah, maybe the prostitutes. Yeah, or, maybe. yeah. <laughs> right. Well, you know, it, it, it was erroneously reported that Greg Raymer was having sex with male prostitutes, and then they had to correct it. So they, Because they had two stings in the same hotel, one for male prostitutes and one for female prostitutes. So they, it was reported all over the media that, that Raymer was going to gay prostitutes, and then they had to correct it. But, just uh, thought I should mention it. Yes. I mean, I don't know. Well, it, it, the, the whole thing is, it was found out pretty clearly after they caught the guy. So, so anyway, K- Dean Kasim walked ahead of him. He must have already known where Raymer's room was. They must have followed him beforehand. And Kasim stopped at the door next to Raymer's room. And then Kasim pretended that he was trying to get in the room. So he's, he's pretending to look for his key in his pocket. He said he, he appeared to be fishing around in his pocket, and then he began banging on the door and calling a woman's name, saying, let me in, I locked myself out, wake up. Which is kind of a strange thing. What if the person really answered? But I guess he, I guess he figured no one's going to answer, or maybe, maybe they even were up there beforehand and noticed there was no one in the room anymore. Whatever it was, they were, Kasim was pretending to, to, that his wife or girlfriend was in there and he lost his key, just mm-hmm. so Raymer would walk by him and not care. So Raymer said that didn't seem unusual to him. That's what he thought. And he put his key in his own door, started to open the door a few inches, and then he was grabbed from behind by the bigger guy, who was Kevin Joy, Kevin R. Joy. And he said, uh, Joy started pushing me into the room. And then Kasim joined in and helped, attempted to help push me in the room. I guess this, this is where it's very uh, useful to be fat. This is where this is where Raymer must have been thrilled that that he he ate the uh, the extra helping and all those different meals he had. This is hard to th- push around. Th- this is where you're happy that you're not uh, you know, 120 pounds. 
So they, even with a big – like Kevin Joy was big, and he even he was having trouble pushing Raymer in the room. So he said, they never got me past the doorway, and I screamed as loud as I could. I'm being robbed. Someone called security. And then he said, I, I knew it was a bad idea to, let, to allow two criminals to push me into my room. I was being physically assaulted, was in fear for my safety, my life, and my money. So Raymer, who weighed 330 pounds at the time, this is Raymer reported it himself, that he weighed 330 at the time, that uh, he, pushed, boy. he pushed back, and Kevin Joy, who was 240 pounds, uh, was trying to push him in, and then uh, Kasim was, uh, I guess, short and thin. I hope it wasn't Larry Laffer under a different name. <laughs> so then Greg Raymer started flailing his arms out, and he described it as the way a player in the NBA who comes down with a rebound extends their elbows to clear the space. So then Kasim uh, decided that he had enough of this, this is the short skinny guy, and reached inside a paper shopping bag and pulled out a silver handgun and said, we just want your money. So Raymer was shocked for the moment, and he stopped yelling, and uh, he s- just kind of stared at the two of them for about two seconds and think- thought what to do. He said, if I, if I cooperated and went into my room I- and knew that I could later identify them, I felt I would be killed in my room. Do you really have time to ponder things when there's a gun in your face? Yeah, yeah well, I guess he was a quick thinker. So then, he said, so then he said, Kevin Joy tried to grab me, and I shoved him to the ground. So Wow. Then he's shoving people to the ground when when there's a gun. Pulled yeah, out. yeah. That's, so that's so, some brass. Balls. Yeah. So then, fortunately, they didn't shoot him. Fortunately, Joy just uh, um, Joy was on the ground, and Kasim decided, "Screw this! This is too tough," and just took off. Right. And then Joy got up slowly and also ran away. So then Raymer kept yelling, "Help! Help!" And uh, he walked down the hall after them. How do you do that when the guy has a gun there? I, I, what I would do is I'd immediately go in my room and you know, slam the door closed. And Shut then, the fucking yeah, door. Yeah, so he actually <laughs> said he walked after them. Uh, and he kept. He said, I, I screamed that they were trying to rob me. Uh, he said, I, I saw the Bel- I saw Bellagio security come towards us. Maybe someone called security over that. He said, I screamed they are trying to rob me. They have a gun. And security guards stepped aside and did not try to detain them in any way. That's very useful. The security guards that are up may, there. That very well may be their policy. Yeah. So the security guards uh, who responded to Raymer's screams said that they, they told their Las Vegas son they didn't try to stop the two men because they were unarmed. Shouldn't they be armed? How do they send unarmed security guards up there? Like, I've had the security guards come up because my safe's battery breaks and they have to go into the safe and they've got guns right there. Like, How, how come to open my safe they, they send two armed security guards but uh, – when, when a guy's screaming he's being robbed, they send up two guys with no guns. What's that Story's about? Story's starting to get some holes in it, Druff. <laughs> anyway, Kasim uh, and Joy made it to the elevators and, and actually got out of the casino without being detained and got away. So how were they caught? Well, because they were on video. And after asking around, it, it was uh, – I, I guess they've hung around the Bellagio before. And eventually people said, oh, yeah, we know them. <laughs> and uh, so – so, so they I knew, swear to God, so they, they, idiots. So they knew these two guys. They were just, it was just a matter of finding them. So finally, uh, Joy and Kasim were in San Diego at the Del Mar Fairgrounds trying to sell toy helicopters at a gun show. <laughs> okay. 
And that, that's what they were doing. So no, no sound effects, by the way. I assume oh, that was okay, laughing. Yeah, it was laughter. Okay, let me make right. the sound. I think it's Trader Ruski's fault for coming on this show here. Whenever I put someone new on, it, it just sound effects die. Oh, sure. Blame Trader Ruski. Okay. So, it, the, uh, so anyway, the, someone must have given a tip or something that they were there. I think that's what happened. Uh, Join Kasim, they didn't have identification, but then <laughs> they, 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 Found a credit card in in Kevin Joy's pocket that had his na- his uh, name on it, and then they ran Kasim's fingerprints and his identity came up. So they realized they were the two wanted in the case for attempting to rob Greg Raymer, and obviously they were put in jail. So they uh, you know a, cri- the, a trial took place, as you might guess, and they were sentenced to uh, 3 to 12 years in state prison. I don't know if they pled guilty or not guilty, but they were sentenced to 3 to 12 years in state prison. And an interesting thing happened involving Dean Kasim. In 2006, he was unexpectedly released from prison. And keep in mind, they, they, uh, they didn't get him until June of 2005. So he was only in prison for about a year. He was sentenced 3 to 12 years. And he gets out after a year. Now, it's not because you know, he got on parole or anything. They actually released him early because he turned into a snitch. And he snitched on an actual murder that he knew about. There is a high-profile murder that took place in Las Vegas in, uh, in 2006 that involved a husband and wife bodybuilder team. There was uh, Craig Titus and Kelly Ryan. They were married bodybuilders. And a personal assistant who apparently was having an affair with Craig Titus was murdered. I I don't know the exact reason, motive for the murder, but uh, Titus uh, was the one who killed her, and then Kelly Ryan was an accomplice to it. So anyway, they, they were highly suspected of the murder of assistant Melissa James. And again, she, Melissa was having an affair with, with Craig Titus. So they were having trouble proving it. And Dean Kasim came forward and said, huh, guess what? You know that high-profile murder case with uh, Craig Titus and Kelly Ryan? I know you guys are having trouble uh, proving it. You know you're having trouble getting evidence on this. Uh, they know me pretty well, and they've told me before about the murder. So if you let me out of prison, uh, I'll wear a wire, and uh, you know if you get anything valuable, how about you kick me loose? So they said okay. So they put uh, a wire on Dean Kasim. He met up with uh, Craig Titus and Kelly Ryan, and discussed the murder. And what's interesting is, I guess they must have suspected it some degree. You know, they they suspected enough to where they didn't just say like they do on TV, like oh yeah, I killed Melissa for this. Like they didn't say it like that. They 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 spoke in code for what they did, but it was clear enough what they were saying that it was good enough to convict them. So, uh, Kasim's help was useful. Titus and Ryan were convicted of that murder of Melissa James. And uh, Kelly Ryan will actually be released next month, even though this, mm. this occurred over a decade ago. She, was, she wasn't the actual killer. Right? She, she was part of uh, the plan, and I guess she, was, uh, she helped cover it up. So she was... Uh, she could have been the prostitute. <laughs> Maybe. Like the bait 
You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, you, I mean, this isn't this isn't that crazy. See, you you, you can you, know? you can Google uh, guys if you want to see what she looked like at one point. Kelly Ryan, uh, you could do Kelly Ryan bodybuilder. I'm sure it'll come up. And she's about to be released from prison next month. I think she's 45 now. Uh, Craig Titus is a little bit older, and he is going to be in prison for a while. He got a longer sentence. I don't know if he'll ever be released. If he is, it'll be much older. So they're in prison because it looked like the case was stalling and it looked like they were going to have a hard time. Even though they really thought that they killed Melissa James, they were having a hard time getting the proof. And Dean Kasim, only because he tried to rob Raymer, um, you know, he, he offered to snitch here in order to get himself out of this one. So he got out in 2006 and has been out of prison, as far as I know, for the last 11 years. Uh, I don't know when Kevin Joy was released, because he had nothing to do with the with the bodybuilder case. He, he had no knowledge of that. So I don't know when he was released. But remember, he was 240 pounds when he was trying to rob Raymer, but he wasn't quite big enough to push the 330-pound Raymer into the hotel room. Uh, he decided to improve upon that, and... Kevin Joy was 400 pounds this August. Okay. Over 400 pounds, actually. He was, uh, and you can see a picture of him. If you go to uh, the Scam Scandals and Shadiness Forum, there's a thread called Man Who Attempted Robbery of Greg Raymer in 2004, Dead at Age 47. This is a picture that is not uh, public on the Internet. I, I got a hold of it, and it's, uh, it's on this thread. It's the only place you can get that picture. But it's a picture of him standing in front of like a, a Jeep, and you can see how large he is. So he's over 400 pounds. Or shall Holy I, shit. Shall I say he was over 400 pounds? Uh, yeah, he's a big dude. So this, this was, uh, of course, 11, or 13 years after, almost 13 years after he tried to rob Raymer. It was 240. Uh, so he's 47 years old as of uh, August 22nd, 2017. And uh, of all things, he was having sex on that date, August 22nd, 2017. And he died during sex. Did you hear that sound effect? With a prostitute. Maybe. I, I actually kind of wonder. There, there are a lot of similarities here, Drew. Well, I, I am wondering, like, like, okay, so the guy's like over 400 pounds. Okay, okay, like, he's 47 years old, over 400 pounds. Like, who was he having sex with? Maybe it was a prostitute. It, it was obviously. Just it was either, saying, it, it's this, in this scenario, this chick could have very, very easily been the bait, right? And it, he'd hired a prostitute. She was the, the prostitute. And she said, okay, you know, I'll go back to your room. What's your room number? <laughs> and I'll meet you up there. And instead, these two guys followed him up. It's not that crazy, Druff. Yeah, though, though they had enough on footage to where that didn't appear to be the case. Like, they, they, they saw the footage. They, they got a very clear picture of what was going on. And it was probably doctored. <laughs> so <laughs> I believe Kevin Joy stayed out of trouble in the time since he left prison, uh, a friend, the reason I have this information, you might wonder, well, where did I get this picture? Where, how do I know he died while he was having sex? Like, if you Google this, you won't find anything except for uh, one obituary site, which has nothing other than the date he died. And and then Poker Fraud Alert and nothing else. You will find nothing else about his death on the web anywhere. So how did I get it? Uh, I happen to know a friend of his. And the friend said that... Uh, Kevin Joy was actually a nice guy, and he made just one egregious mistake in his life on December 20th, 2004, and that he was kind of paying for it the rest of his life. But even after that, after he got out of prison, that he didn't get into further trouble 
and that he actually wasn't a bad guy. And, and this guy was actually saying that he was, you know, he was sad to hear of what had happened to Kevin Joy. This was someone who was friends with him and said that. Uh, and, and this is actually someone I'm not going to name him, but this guy who was uh, speaking highly of Kevin Joy is actually someone who frequently comes out and calls out uh, scam poker sites like I do. And so this is someone who I've seen no evidence is shady himself. This guy, I don't know him that well, but I, I know him and he seems, he seems like an okay guy. So I don't know how he, I don't know how he got to know Kevin joy in the first place, but that's, that's where I got this information. And I, I, I thought it was notable to mention that this is a pretty high profile robbery. Uh, Raymer won the world series of poker in 04, the main event for, uh, I think it was $5 million. And this was probably about six months after that, five, six months after when he was playing this high-stakes cash game at uh, Bellagio. And this happened. But if you think about it, that's a pretty crazy story that he gets followed up to his room and then they try to force him into his room and he's got to decide, does he fight back against the guy with a gun and risk that he just gets shot or go in there and take his chances that they don't just shoot him to prevent him from being a witness or from calling the police on them. So Raymer was lucky that they ended up running away instead of sh- shooting him. And, uh, you know, you can think like, what, think of what we, what would you do in that situation? I don't even know. I've thought about it. if I was in that situation, cause I agree if there's someone ahead of me in the hallway and they're like, knocking, come on, let me in, let me in. I would never think it's a, a way to rob me. I would totally think it's just some guy who got locked out of his room. So and then the guy, you know, come up behind me and grab me, and then I see eventually someone has a, you know, pulls out a gun and says, "Go in the room." That's a really tough one. I don't know what I would do because I, I would fear that if I go in the room, they're going to shoot me dead. But mm-hmm. then I'd also be afraid that uh, if I what, what I try to well, I know what I would try to do, but it may not work. I, I would try to say, you know, here's the money. I'm not going in the room. You know, how will we just do this out here? <laughs> how will you just take the money and go? See, the thing about situations like this is you can talk about it logically now, but when something like that actually happens, all that shit goes out the window. No, I know, I know. It really does. Yeah, I know. I'm not blaming Raymond for this. It's, uh, yeah. uh, but uh, and it ended up working out for him, fortunately. And but that's it's a scary because he, it's not like he he took his 150k and walked down the strip and then someone. Uh, tried to rob him this was he never left the bellagio you, you think you're safe there and you're not and and one time i wasn't a victim of anything but one time i made a large trade of uh some online chips for cash and i was in a certain hotel i, I won't bother naming and when i was done with the trade I, I i was the one who received the cash but when i was done with the trade I was uh, afraid, since I didn't know the person that well who gave me the cash, I said, what if this is a setup? What if the second I step out of my room that there's someone here to jump me and take the cash back? And then the guy, of course, will deny that he set it up. So I like, I peep my head out the doorway. Like I was so careful there was no one down the hall. And then like I, I was constantly looking around and like looking ahead to the elevator if there's anyone hiding there. And then like the second I got to the lobby, I felt much better. So, uh, but I, I was worried something like that would happen. Just being in the hotel didn't make me feel like uh, I was safe. And same thing, like if I if I would, like took a lot of money from a poker game, I would even without this story, I probably would feel a little uncomfortable walking up there. But especially since this story, which of course is a long time ago, it's almost thirteen years ago now. That 
that's something to always keep in mind if you're carrying a lot of cash around or if people could observe you playing a high-stakes game. Uh, you could easily have a target on your back, especially if there's a lot of money to be gained. You know, something like 150000 People, There's people out there who will put a lot of risk to get away with something like 150000 Like a lot sure. of risk. A lot of risk people will put to get that type of money. Now, there's people who take a substantial risk to rob a, a liquor store of a few hundred bucks out of the cash register. So imagine what someone would do, someone like that would do if they knew you're carrying 150 k on you back to your room. So you always, if you're, if you're a player who has that tape of money that you play with, you should really see what you can do about getting a box at the place you're playing. Or if you can't, be very, very aware of your surroundings. Try to have no one around. Uh, try to be as uh, unpredictable as possible. And if you see anything like someone kind of milling around your room, even if it seems to be like someone who is pretending that it's their room, it might be a better idea to turn around and go back down and then come back up later and see what's happening. Or... Uh, just not uh, not to say, oh, it's probably nothing, because you could be in a case like this. But anyway, uh, I don't know. I, I, I It's hard for me. So let's say Kevin R. Joy really did just make this one mistake, and other than that was, uh, uh, wasn't a bad guy. I, I don't know what to think. Like, I didn't know him, so I don't feel bad hearing about his death. But if he really only did that... And if ultimately they didn't actually shoot him or hurt Raymer, I'm not saying he shouldn't have gone to prison. He should have. You know, I'm not. Uh, it was correct that he was convicted and got, went to prison. But uh, there, I could say, okay, I, I I can't say he's like an awful person, and I'm glad he's dead. Where if, if if it was someone who's like a career criminal, and then I hear he dies, then I kind of think, oh, good, it's a that did society a favor. You know, I'm, I'm glad glad the guy had a heart attack. Here, it's like you know, I'm kind of neutral about it. Like that, like, how do you feel about this? I know you're not going to feel that bad for him. You don't even know him, but what's your feeling about this guy hearing that he, he died and with, with the report that it seems like he, he really only did that as far as uh, mistakes in his life. My only real thought is he died having sex. There are worse ways to go, <laughs> you know? And I'm sure he didn't only do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's it, a big step to only do that. Right. There was probably, and I was going to say, there's probably the the most major thing he did. And there's probably some smaller things that were done, but, uh, um, yeah, the person who knew him insisted that that was the one big mistake he made. So, I mean, I can believe there's probably more minor crimes on his record, but, uh, uh, and, and the truth is when, if you get to a weight like that and you're in your mid forties, especially if you're male, you really are in grave danger of just like dropping dead any time because that's, sure. that's, that's just a, a massive stress on your body. So the, anyone who's listening here who, who's around 400 pounds or something and, and around that age, you if, if you don't change it, uh, the, the truth is that that could be you next because that's – usually a lot of times when people die at that age, man, it's not related to drugs or an accident or violence or something – You'll see, you know, it, it turns out the person is extremely obese, and then you're not that surprised. Like if a, if a guy who's 47 who's 400 pounds dies, you don't go, oh, my God, that's, you know, how did that happen? Whereas right. someone who's more of a, a, a closer to a normal weight, even if they're a little bit overweight, you know, you, there you're pretty shocked about it. If a guy's 400 pounds, you go, oh, yeah, I, I see why that happened. So uh, I, I actually, I know somebody who... Uh, who was in poker. No, no, I, most of you don't know him, but who did pass away about two years ago. That was about that size. 
and he he was in his mid forties. So, it, you know, it's sad. It's uh, when when someone, and I understand it's not that easy to to lose weight, but uh, I would you know, there's the gastric bypass surgery. And I know there's a risk in that. There's like a one in two hundred chance you're going to die during the surgery, which kind of sucks. Like it, it doesn't sound that bad, but if you think about like the the, the one in two hundred is actually death, that kind of sucks. So, like I wouldn't want to enter a surgery where it's an zero point five percent chance of me dying. But if if you're that age and that weight, then you're better off doing that because the chance is much higher than one in two hundred. You're going to die soon anyway from uh, being that obese. Anyway, let's uh, let's move on here. What else we got? Oh, great! I closed. I accidentally closed the agenda. I, I was like, "Oh, I haven't lost it yet." And I actually, I, I clicked the wrong button, and the agenda disappeared. I, I want to go through one show where the damn agenda doesn't disappear. Just one. And TMML Gay in the meantime has started a thread on Poker Fraud Alert entitled "Hi Michelle." Oh boy! <laughs> okay, so. Let's go back to the uh, agenda here. We actually covered a topic early. That was the, the forum topic, so this, we don't have to go back to that. Oh, I want to talk about the Gemico and Borgata situation. I won't take too long on this because we, we've this case drags on and on and on. The Ivy Edge sorting case at Borgata, and I, I don't want to spend too long talking about it. A quick review, very quick review, was that. Phil Ivey and, a, and a, an Asian female accomplice he had who was nicknamed the Queen of Sorts because she had a natural ability that she also had to practice of noticing... TMLK approved. Yes, I'm sure TMLK would have loved her. She she could notice tiny differences on the backs of cards, of playing cards, if they were turned a certain way towards her. It was the, such tiny differences that they actually had to be facing her a certain way and be really close to her. In order to see them, but she also had an amazing natural ability to do that. Plus, she had to practice. So, like the average person uh, couldn't do this, and even someone with the ability to do it would have to practice. But she did all that, and then Ivy used her as a, a fake girlfriend. That uh, you know, they would sit down and she pretend to be the superstitious Asian. They'd have them. Uh, they they got the casinos to turn the cards because she claimed she was superstitious and wanted to turn that way. And then she then they'd be able to tell what the cards were which would give them a big edge, they were playing uh, Baccarat, where the... Uh, basically, the point the point of Baccarat is to... It's a, it's a pretty simple game. And that is that your hand uh, needs to be uh, closest to nine. And if you go over nine, then it wraps around. So if, like, like six plus four, you, you become zero instead of ten. Uh, you know, six plus seven would be three instead of thirteen. So you want like a three and a six. That's, that's and it's with two two or three cards, depending on certain rules of how they draw them. These are set rules. You don't make any decisions. So, so like as I said, like like a three and a six in your hand is great. Then you have you have just a natural nine. It's and and, and uh, provided the dealer doesn't get a natural nine, then it's done. Then you just win. So, they did this at Borgata, and they did this at a place called Crockford's in the UK. Crockford's actually caught on what they were doing and wouldn't and uh, wouldn't pay them. And Ivy sued Crockford's to pay him, and they, and he lost. He sued them in the UK. The Borgata did pay Ivy and then sued him to get the money back and won. So that's where the cases stand. 
I was of the belief, this is just my personal opinion, that Ivy should have gotten paid because he did not cheat. Ivy, he asked them to make certain modifications to the game and lied about the reason, but they agreed to make the modifications. There's, there's no law that says that you have to tell the truth to the casino about why you want them to make an exception to a rule. So if he says, oh, I want the, the cards turned this way because my girlfriend is, is paranoid, that she's a paranoid Asian who's very superstitious and she likes them turned this way, and they agree to it, even if the real reason is so they could do advantage play, the bottom line is the, the Borgata is doing exactly what he asked them to do. He, he, he didn't – there was nothing that was happening that the, Bellagio, that the Borgata didn't know about except something in his accomplice's brain that she could see you know, – that she could see the back of the cards better. But it's not like using an employee to help you cheat. It's not like using mirrors or other devices to be able to see cards. This is just using your own mind and getting the casino to agree to change certain aspects of the game. So, to me, that's just advantage play. That's not cheating. And I always felt that Ivy should have been paid, that they shouldn't have been able to get away with it. The other argument in Ivy's favor was that they could have been free-rolling him, because you're not guaranteed to win. You just have the advantage, but you could still lose if you have bad luck. So if he lost, he wouldn't have gotten the money back. So it was accused, like, for example, that Crockford's knew the whole time what he was pulling, figured if he loses that they'll just keep the money, and if he wins, they won't pay him. They were also accusing Borgata of free-rolling. That was a little more doubtful because they actually paid him first and had to sue him to get the money back, and they didn't even know if he he would still have the money by the time the case would come. So I I don't think the Borgata was free-rolling, but at the same time, I, I, I was on his side the whole way. I think this really was an advantage play and not a cheat. So... The card maker Gemico, they're the ones who made the cards. And all this time, up until now, I and probably you, if you've been following this, believe that, or believed that the cards were defective. That that's the reason they were able to do this is because the cards were defective and had those tiny defects that this accomplice of Ivy's was able to see. Is, is that what you thought? Was that your impression, uh, Calwatt? Uh-oh. I think he has no impression, except uh, his impression of his face in the pillow. Troy Risky, what about you? Actually, I got another call drop, so I was <laughs> off. I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> okay. Can I get the cliff notes of what we talked about? <laughs> okay. My bad. Cal, what, what, what do you... Tell you th- what, just do the whole thing over. <laughs> okay, so, so to, to, to start again for the last five minutes of the show... No, I'm just kidding. Okay, let me just go on here. Why? No. All right, so... So that, that was my impression, though. That was my impression that, uh, and that's what everybody else I've spoken to about this, believed that these were defective cards, had small defects, and that they took advantage of it. And with the Borgata suing both Ivy and uh, Gemico, that it made sense. And if anything, Gemico should have been the one that was uh, responsible for this, not, not Ivy, who just uh, took advantage of it for an advantage play. Uh, much like if you think about it, let's say you're playing blackjack and let's say there's a really obvious defect where you didn't uh, need to be an expert, but uh, you, you just start noticing that there's a pretty obvious pattern that uh, you can tell when uh, the dealer's down card is, is, is a 10. Well, that would give you a big advantage. But uh, if you noticed that and started playing differently, do you think you could? Do you think they could deny you your winnings? Do you think that they could uh, uh, you know, claim you were cheating? No, you just noticed it. 
you noticed it, and then you started. You, you changed your play to your advantage. That, that's basically, and even if you showed up knowing that it had that defect and played the game for that reason, that's still fine. They're the ones who provided the cards, and that's the problem. Well, all this time, I really thought that the cards were defective. I said, why are they suing Ivy? Why don't they sue Jemico? Well, they did sue Jemico also, but it's starting to become more clear why they also sued Ivy. And that is because it seems like Borgata was not telling the, the complete truth. Mm-hmm. It appears that the playing cards were not defective. And that the only difference with the Jemico cards versus other cards was that the Borgata happened to be using Jemico cards and that they had selected a bright purple color, which made it much easier to see the defect. So that the the color of the backs of the cards, you know, the brightness made it easier for his accomplice to see these things. And that was the reason they liked the cards, but they were not defective. And uh, not only that, but there is actually a way to prevent edge sorting from taking place. Edge sorting is not a new thing. This is not something that blindsided them like, oh my god, we never thought of this. Apparently edge sorting had taken place as far back as the 1800s. And a move that the dealers uh, would make would prevent this, which was called, uh, which they make like a, a little twist. If, if you watch the dealers manually shuffling, you'll see them do this little twist at the end. It doesn't make much sense because it's not shuffling it further. It's just kind of twisting the cards away from you. Apparently that's done to prevent edge sorting. That that, that twist makes it, uh, it, it pulls the cards too far away from you so you can't uh, watch the shuffle as well and see the edges there. So, um, that that's part of it. That's part of the standard shuffling routine. So, in fact, in order to avoid that, they actually uh, asked for an automatic shuffler, which uh, which didn't have this twist, and and the Borgata granted it. But uh, so th- this was a response that uh, that was given by Gemico, because what's what's attempting here, Gemico is trying to get a summary judgment in their favor, basically to get themselves a um to get out of this suit. And so otherwise Gemico can be ruled responsible to pay a portion of the 10 million that Ivy owes. There's already a judgment of 10 million against Ivy, but if it's ruled that uh, Gemico was also responsible for this, then they could say, okay, well, Ivy only has to pay five and Gemico pays five. They, they could split it up in whatever they want, but, but Gemico could be responsible for part of this. They're trying to get out of this whole thing and say, you know, leave us out of this. We had nothing to do with this. In fact, they were blaming uh, the Borgata for the whole thing, not even Ivy. So, uh, so Gemico, one of the things they wrote uh, in response to Borgata accusing them of uh, giving them cards that were not cut symmetrically during the manufacturing process, and that uh, the long edges of the cards, you know, the cards that have a long edge and a short edge, that uh, those were not identical, and therefore you could use that to differentiate uh, one card from another. Gemico's response was deny, meaning we deny it. Uh, the plaintiff, is Borgata, misrepresents uh, and, and fails to include the 19 additional steps in order to, uh, in explaining edge sorting, not limited to the requirement that the dealer follow the instructions uh, from Sun. The Sun was the woman who was helping him. And that edges of the cards face the same direction, which can be accomplished using an automatic shuffler, which is utilized in the way Ivy and some gaming trips. In addition, Sun confirmed that she can identify imperfections with any cards, regardless of who manufactures them. Sun further testified that the card manufacturer is irrelevant 
and that she is able to gain an advantage with any card and can pick up imperfections in almost all instances. Ms. Sun further testified that the card dealer is following her instructions and turning the cards gives her an advantage, and that she would not have this advantage if the card dealers failed to turn the cards. That is, you know, turning them uh, uh, horizontally and, and putting them close to them as they had asked, and, and the Borgata agreed. So, and then in response to, the, to whether they were not cut symmetrically, said deny. Uh, Borgata misrepresents. Uh, th- there was never a finding by this court that the Gemico playing cards at issue were not cut symmetrically, nor is there any language in the court's opinion that states as such. So, so they, they're basically saying here that uh, these are standard playing cards, that the only difference is that purple, which makes it easier to do this, but even with the purple cards, they could not have done this if the Borgata did not stupidly agree to turn the cards, put them closer to them. And and uh, and use an automatic shuffler. That all, these were requirements that needed to be. That, that these are non-standard requirements that, in order for Ivy's scheme to work, that he asked the Borgata to do, and they stupidly did. So Gemico saying, "We just have normal cards. You guys screwed up in the way you use them." And in fact, this uh, th- this twisting that they do during the shuffle, that's been done since the 1800s. You guys didn't do that, and you've known to do that all this time. So that that's what Gemico was saying. And I, I think I believe them. So I, I think that, uh, and in fact, an expert who who was uh, hired to analyze this, named uh, Arnold Snyder, who's actually a gambling author. His real name is uh, Thomas Hover, but he goes by Arnold Snyder. And uh, he was uh, he was actually uh, retained by, I think he was Ivy Side, either Ivy Side or Jemico, that but. Uh, to point out the problems with many of uh, Borgata's legal claims. And, and he agreed. He said that uh, card asymmetry is normal. It's not a defect. So I, didn't know, I did not know that all cards are, are, are asymmetrical and that uh, this was not a, a flaw, that, that someone who has this talent can see the defects, or these, quote, defects that really aren't defects, that they can see, they could basically look at the, any cards like this and be able to tell. But the, you don't have to worry about playing poker against one of these people because the cards need to be really close to them and facing a certain way to be able to do it. They can't look across the table and see the backs of your cards and see what they are. It's still pretty impressive talent. It's, it's very impressive, yeah. And, and very few people can do it, too. Like, like it, It's unlikely that anyone listening to this show could do it no matter how much they practice. You have to have a natural talent to do it. And uh, and she had that and, and had to practice. And, then the, and even with the practice, the cards have to... There needs to be enough of a contrast with the color in the back, and it needs to be close and facing her in a certain direction. So a lot of things had to come together to make this work. So uh, Snyder also said that he felt that the fact that they ruled against Ivy in the first place was BS, and... He said, he said, it's significant that Ivy had already been cleared of charges, that is criminal charges, by the New Jersey Casino Control Commission and the, and the Department of Gaming Enforcement. Usually it's the state that takes a player to court for cheating. The state takes cheating very seriously because cheating steals money from the state, the, the tax dollars that the, the casino would pay on their winnings. Because Phil Ivy's play doesn't meet the state's definition of cheating, the state can't legally get anything by pursuing him in court. His play was perfectly legal by state standards. Uh, in the 22 years that I've published the Blackjack Forum and, and the 12 years that I've that the magazine's been a website, uh, uh, he's talking about his magazine he runs, I've, I have correspondence with thousands of players about laws and regulations and gambling jurisdictions all over the world. I've never heard of any player having a legal problem, that doesn't mean like a, like a criminal legal problem, with any of the things descri- described that uh, Ivy did at Borgata. 
New Jersey has no regulations prohibiting any of the special terms Ivy requested. The state doesn't care what color the cards are, how the dealer lays them out on the table, nor are there any regulations against players having friends or acquaintances sitting at the table. Casinos may, pre- may prohibit non-players from sitting at their tables, but there's no regulations against it. Automatic shufflers may be used on casino card games, and Chinese dealers are allowed to deal Baccarat. He, they had asked for uh, a Chinese dealer also, just to uh, further this, the uh, two things, to make it further look like she was stereotypical uh, superstitious Asian, and second, uh, she, you know, she wanted one that spoke Mandarin, so this way when she spoke to the dealer that they would have less suspicion of what she was requesting. Uh, Borgata appears to disagree with uh, New Jersey's definitions of what constitutes cheating casinos. They want to play according to the kitchen table definition of what constitutes cheating. If I'm playing crazy eights at my home with my neighbors and find out the guy next door has been turning the eights so the moose head of the card back is upside down compared to all the other cards where the moose head is right side up, I wouldn't consider my neighbor much of a friend. But he's not cheating. He outsmarted me. And playing a casino is not a game at home with friends. Borgata repeatedly characterizes itself as a victim of deceit and, and trickery, but in reality, a casino is a professional game, gambling house. They only offer games where they make the rules, decide what the payouts will be, set the betting limits, and fix the mathematical odds so the house always has an edge on every game they offer. Then they try to say to the world, try to beat us. If you win, you get to keep your money. If we win, we keep yours. This isn't a friendly game. This is for real money. And the casino isn't your friend. They're professionals in business to get your money. That's their job. And that the end is the most important there because it's true. This this is that's what advantage play is about. Advantage play is saying the casino is not my friend. I don't have to feel bad for the casino that I can beat them. I don't feel bad that I can feel I found a way to turn the odds against me to odds for me. And if the casino is not diligent in preventing this and in, in designing their games or or buying equipment for these games or we're operating these games to where they maintain this edge over everybody and you can get one on them, well, good, then you've, you've outsmarted them. And this relationship you have with them, this is not ripping off your friend. This is not uh, – what you're doing is it's, it's a competition basically between you and the casino where normally the casino has an edge, but you have found a way to give yourself an edge. And that's not cheating. That's just you figuring out how to play the game better. They're offering a game, they get to set all the terms, and if they mess up the terms, tough luck on them. That's always how I felt about advantage play, and that's different than cheating, where, like, let's say you brought a device so you could see the way see the cards being dealt, uh, like some kind of mirrors, or if you, you had a dealer in cahoots with you. That's different. That's, that's not playing the game as designed and playing it well. That's you uh, deviating from that and actually uh, really cheating. But just playing the game better in a way the casino didn't expect you to that's advantage play, and there's nothing wrong with that, and that's what Ivy did. He was totally advantage playing here, and that's why I, I'm, I'm not an Ivy fanboy. I don't love Phil Ivy. In fact, some things about Phil Ivy annoy me. I, I find him to be kind of aloof and arrogant, and uh, like like things like when he played the 1500 Limit Hold'em event with me at the end and then just stood up and walked away and didn't bag his own chips. That, that really rubbed me the wrong way. Why should why should Phil Ivy not bag his own chips? Just because he's a, he's a famous poker player? Just because... Uh, He's a big name in poker. Well, so what? Why, why, why should the floor man have to come over and bag his chips? And it's not like he... T- I don't even t- think he tipped the guy. I think he just feels entitled that he can just walk away and not bag his own chips. And they just put up with it because they want Phil Ivey at the World Series. But it shouldn't be that way. And that's, that's kind of a douche thing to do. When you're at a tournament, everyone's supposed to be on equal footing. And you bag your own chips, even if it's not a fun thing to do. So 
that type of thing just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. It's not horrible, but it just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. So I, I'm not someone who's trying to find an excuse for a, a famous poker player that I admire and love. Uh, I, I respect Ivy's accomplishments in poker and his abilities. But yeah, as a person, I, 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 he's not someone I love or want to find reasons to make excuses for. But in this case, very much I'm on his side, and uh, I found it very interesting that all these defective playing cards, I thought were really not defective. That was a new thing I learned. So I think the Borgata is full of crap here. They were negligent. Yeah, they definitely were. And they, they screwed up. And if I do that for a client, and they, you know, I, I just I can't take their money. Right. They're, they're very negligent there. and they, I, I think casinos just have to accept when this happens. They, it, it may be frustrating to them, but when they screw up and allow someone to beat them at their own game, as long as there wasn't actual cheating... Say, okay, you got us. We screwed up. We figured it out. We're not going to let it happen again. Uh, it's unfortunate, but that's part of the risk of running a casino. That you have to be very careful of the games you set up that they cannot be played for an advantage by people. And, uh, you know, if I owned a casino, I would hate advantage players. I'd, I'd, I'd try, I would try to get rid of them. I wouldn't be happy to have them around. But at the same time, I have to understand that that's part of doing business. It's part of offering games of chance that you set all the rules and you've got to be real careful designing it and executing it. Otherwise, the rules may not really be in your favor. So, Yeah, and they have a million rules. You can't do this. Put your arm there. You can't listen to your headphones. You know, they got a million rules. Yeah. So, you know, it's certainly them just being negligent. Yeah, it is. And, then, and sore losers, too. So uh, I, I want to talk about the Deceptive Practices settlement. And I don't like talking that much about daily fantasy sports because just like Bitcoin, that's a, a topic that annoys a lot of people here. So I'm not going to do long segments on daily fantasy sports. But I, I thought this was interesting enough to have a short segment on. You probably saw in, in prior years, not so much recently, you see a little of this recently, but not that much, where there were commercials all over the place, all the time for daily fantasy sports, especially if you watched regular sports. You watch football, you watch baseball, you would just be inundated with commercials for DraftKings and FanDuel, the two big ones. And there were so many, it got obnoxious. uh, Not another one of these, not another one of these. There were just so many of these commercials. And all these commercials basically had the same theme. It showed some very... Average, typical-looking, middle-aged guy in a sports jersey who looks very much like a recreational daily fantasy sports player who deposits and then wins a ton of money. And they're showing all the great things about winning the money, uh, holding a million, a giant million-dollar check, uh, having you know, beautiful girls around him, things like that. The, the message was, if you're a casual sports fan and you just want to take your shot at daily fantasy sports and guessing the players that you think are going to perform best that day, you may be lucky enough to win that million dollars. And this message resonated very well. And the daily fantasy sports sites, the two big ones, DraftKings and FanDuel, did very well thanks to these commercials they were putting out that were everywhere. Well, it turned out that wasn't really true in that uh, there was a gigantic disadvantage, I mean, an absolutely gigantic disadvantage that the casual daily fantasy sports player would have in those type of tournaments. Really, to have a chance at daily fantasy sports, you have to... You, you need a lot of tools. 
You need uh, a lot of analysis. You need to be an expert at it to really have a shot. It, it's even worse than poker. It's much worse than poker where uh, sometimes the fish can win. In daily fantasy sports, the fish just about never win, especially the big prizes, because there's just the, there's so much that has to be done. There's there's a uh, you know there's automated tools people have that the se- that the second su- that they you know they're running a ton of different lineups out there, and then the second news comes down that somebody's injured, for example, the tools rip that person out of the lineup immediately and replace them with someone else. So if you're just a casual player, you can't respond that quickly. You can't enter. A thousand times you don't you don't have the the complicated uh, analysis tools. You're not putting the the massive work into all this. Now I'm not saying these people shouldn't win, but I, I do feel that those automated tools should be banned. Those should not be allowed, uh, even if it's ones that are made accessible to everybody. It's it's uh, these really should be either either should be very much disclosed that if you don't use these that you have just about no chance, or it should be just not allowed to use them. It should be really just a. a, a pure contest of daily fantasy sports and then just those who prepare better win but the the fact that people could use these automated tools to quickly replace injured players uh that's that's a joke and i also think they should they should have uh limited people's entries to where if someone can't enter the same contest a thousand times but anyway they they were there were some states that took issue with this that this was deceptive advertising that they were misleading the average sports fan into believing they had a chance to win when these type of players really had almost no chance. So Massachusetts was one of these states that took action against both DraftKings and FanDuel. Another matter that the states were unhappy about were the deposit bonuses. Now, for most of us, we're aware of deposit bonuses and what they are and what they aren't. So if you deposit $100 and you get a $100 deposit bonus, you know that you can't just instantly withdraw $200. You know that in order to get access to that other 100 or at least be able to withdraw it, that you have to play a whole lot on there to make it a withdrawable balance. Otherwise, it's it's a balance that stays on the site until you've cleared it by playing enough. So you can't deposit 100 get a $100 bonus, um, bet $100 one time, win and then withdraw 300. You can't do that. You can only withdraw 200 because the, the other 100 you will not have cleared. You can only clear it by, by putting a lot of action in the site. So we all know that. Most, most of us listening to this show, uh, I'm sure you probably know this, but the average person who played Daily Fantasy Sports for the first time who had no experience on poker or casino sites, they didn't know that. So there were also a lot of generous deposit bonuses that weren't quite so generous and that would require just a massive amount of action to clear. And people were very annoyed by that, too, that the money they thought they had, they really did not get. So they'd get these very large matching bonuses up front, but uh, there is no way that without those tools to play a thousand tournaments at once or a thousand uh, entries at once that they were going to clear these bonuses. They would be like releasing one penny a day or something. So that was also a form of criticism that... uh, was being levied against them by the state. So Massachusetts did not explain specifically what their problems were, but it's very much assumed that it was those two areas that they had been most criticized for. Well, DraftKings and FanDuel have settled. They've settled the unfair and deceptive practices investigation. It is over. They have agreed 
to pay a fine. The fine that they are agreeing to pay is one million dollars. A little bit more, one point three million dollars. Each of them are going to pay that. So I guess it's two point six total. One point three for DraftKings, one point three for FanDuel, and. The money, by the way, will go to grant programs to protect consumers and engage young people in technology. It's kind of weird. <laughs> sure. So, I'm yeah. sure that will be rated for various politicians' projects. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, and I'd love to see the lottery commercials side by side with the draft. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, fucking lottery, the biggest fucking scam ever. They say not, not only is it hypocritical from that point of view, Traderuski. But also the the lottery money is supposed to be earmarked for all sorts of you know great purposes, and that's just bullshit too. Yeah, yeah. Like in California, exactly. they, the California they say our schools win too. They've been saying that since the eighties, right? To the pension funds, if that. It's just a tax on fucking stupidity. Yep. Really, you know. I mean, you know, I, I'm not going to begrudge ever, ever anyone if, like, you know, once a year they do it for like Christmas stocking stuffers, just for the shits and giggles. But it really is just a tax on people that can least afford it that are going in there and spending their money on those scratch-offs, you know? Yeah. By the way, here's a true story about the lottery. I think I've told it here before, but I'm going to say it again because you brought up the lottery. I, I hardly played the lottery, like you said, just you know, every once in a while, just, just for fun. For the years, like one ticket for a dollar. I think it was in 96, somewhere around 96, 97, somewhere around then. The California lottery reached a then-record Amount, I think like $60 million or something like that. It's been way broken by then. In fact, California is now part of that Mega Millions or whatever that's called here. But we're cooperating with other states. But back then that was a record. But I, I wasn't paying attention to it. So unless I heard it and just subliminally you know, stored it in my brain but didn't consciously notice it, I really had no idea that that upcoming Wednesday was going to be a drawing for the biggest California jackpot ever, which, I, again, I think it was like around $60 million. Uh, on Tuesday night before that Wednesday, I had a dream that I played the lottery and I won. I, I don't remember the amount I was supposed to have won, but I won the lottery and which was then only six numbers. It was not, uh, um, now it's tough for you. It's like five numbers plus a, uh, a power number, which, so it has to be in a specific order now for that power number. Like it can't just be, uh these six numbers, one of them you have to select as the power number, which makes it much tougher. But back then it was just six numbers. And in my dream, when I woke up, I must have had it right before I woke up because I remembered the dream. And I remembered four of the six numbers that I won with in the dream. Three of them were numbers that could be played in the lottery, something between like one and 54 or something, whatever it was at the time. The fourth number was 90, which could not actually be played in real life. And the other two numbers I did not remember. So I remembered four of them, but one of them was an invalid number of 90. So I said, well, i got to play this. So I, I went to go buy the lottery ticket, and I find out, oh, lo and behold, this is actually the highest lottery ever at this time. So I put down the three numbers I remembered. With 90, I said, well, I can't do 90, but uh, what could 90 be representing? I thought the two things 90 could possibly mean would be 9 or 19. 19 because it sounds like 90. 9 because it's, uh, yeah, it's 90 with a 0 removed. So I went with 19. 
because it sounded like 90. So I put 19, put the three I remembered between 1 and 54, and then I just guessed at two other numbers. Bought one ticket. Would you believe that all three that I remembered in my dream hit? And while 19 did not hit, 9 did hit. True story. The other two ones I chose at random did not hit. So amazingly, all four numbers I remembered in my dream hit. I guess you could say three and a half because I, it was either nine or nineteen in my mind. And so the the ninety turned out. If, if, if you translate the ninety to nine, which I, I really thought was one of those two, then I really hit all four I had remembered. Which the, the, the chance of that is tiny. That was so weird. How much did I win from that? I won five dollars because I really I only had three numbers. <laughs> That's what I got $5 for. But uh, it's like, oh, my God, why didn't I remember the other two? And if, if I had remembered all six numbers, and if all of them were in, re- in range except for that 90, then I would have bought two tickets, one with nine, one with 19. But since I only remembered four of them, I, I figured it wasn't worth it. Had I hit, had I hit four, if I, if I had done nine instead of 19, I think I would have gotten $80. So, yeah, big deal. But, uh, I'm starting to think TMLK might be right, Truff. Ballin! This, yeah, this... this Gambling degeneracy, remembering numbers from a dream, and then, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. So, okay. Back, anyway, back to the story with this, uh, with, with FanDuel. This is FanDuel's statement. We have worked closely with the Massachusetts Attorney General's Office in the review of fantasy sports. I'm sure they really wanted to work closely with reviewing Spanish fantasy sports. <laughs> Uh, including their issuance of their first set of consumer protection regulations for our industry, which we are pleased to comply with. Yeah, they're pleased to comply with them since their inception in 2016. (laughs) FanDuel has worked tirelessly tirelessly to pass laws in 16 states that solidify the fantasy sports industry and implement many of these same important consumer protections. FanDuel's efforts have have ensured that sports fans are able to continue playing the games they love, in a safe, regulated environment as we head into this football season, and we look forward to continuing these efforts. Uh, DraftKings said, DraftKings is pleased to have reached this agreement with the Massachusetts Attorney General's Office and conclude what has been a productive and collaborative process. Over the last two years, the Attorney General's Office has done an excellent job of working to fully understand DraftKings, our business, and our fantasy sports industry. That expertise informed the Massachusetts regulations, which we now have, which now have become the national model for common sense, consumer-focused fantasy sports regulations. As the, attorney, as the Attorney General said, this agreement re- resolves prior issues that were addressed through new regulations and DraftKings' implementation of the industry's most comprehensive compliance and game integrity programs. We are proud of the responsible environment we've created for our consumers and grateful to the Attorney General for working with us throughout the process. I'm sure, I'm sure they're so grateful that the Attorney General was, was hitting them for deceptive advertising practices. There's no chance they're happy about that. They, they Remember what they were doing? They were actually letting their employees look at lineups, and then play on another site. They were able to analyze what people were playing on their site and then go on the other site and play there, which gave them a gigantic advantage because you take a mass number of people and you can see uh, which players are being underplayed and, uh, and, and, and you know put those guys on your team. You have a huge edge, and that was a huge scandal. So with that being allowed on both sites... Believe me, they were not interested in, in fair gaming practices and regulation and responsible gambling, blah, blah, blah. This is such BS. What they're really trying to say here is we're happy we got off cheap. 
1.3 billion is, is nothing to us. We spent more on, on one commercial during the Super Bowl for this. And we're happy that we got regulations passed in various states because now we are legal and they can't come after us anymore. Now, now we've actually been legalized and uh, there's no more question as to whether we can continue operating. That's, that's what they're really trying to say. So that those are the two statements. They've, they've, this is a slap on the wrist, though, this $1.3 million. If, if it really was determined that they were engaging in deceptive advertising, it should have been a fine which is substantial enough to actually mean something and be harmful. $1.3 million sounds like a lot to the average person who, who may not ever have $1.3 million in their lifetime, but for a huge company like this that could afford major advertising all over the place over a long period of time, clearly $1.3 million is peanuts. So that's a joke. Like, Why even have a fine like that? I, I always hated fines, which mean like nothing to the company. Even if it's eye-popping to the average consumer who doesn't really think about it. So I think there should either have been no fine or a stiff fine, not $1.3 million for a huge company. Be like like an individual, like like you know, let's say you do something you shouldn't have been, and then you end up being fined five dollars. Are you are you going to feel like you were taught your lesson? Does this impact your life? No. So. Yeah, but it looks good to the average consumer, you know. Yeah, makes it look like the government's protecting them. Which there you go. It is not. All right, so. Uh, we're at the end of the uh, topics here, except this one last one about the airlines, the customer service matter. So, Cal, I don't know if you want to go to sleep now at uh, 3.10 in the morning Eastern time. Is it uh, time for you to sign out or you want to stay on? What do you want to do? Yeah, that's actually a good idea. If, I, if I'm not going to get to interview TMLK and get to the bottom of it, I think I probably should sign well, out. If, well, if he's, if he's still <laughs> up, he can call in. But uh, I actually rejected his call. He called back when you mentioned him again, but I didn't feel like restarting the whole thing i just didn't take no, it. i know i know yeah man i'll i'll uh i'll take a nap Wait, what is it the last thing you're discussing about uh, how to win against airlines and customer service matters oh yeah that'll be great to go to sleep to <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's why i put it at the end that's why it's right at the end there for the people who really have the worst insomnia that haven't fallen asleep yet <laughs> all right man i'll catch you guys later all right all right Cal, see you brother later on and by the way, people, I really do this. I, I, I order the topics here by where I sh- feel they actually should be in the show. So the, I think the more important ones are the ones I want announced at the beginning or discussed at the beginning. Those I put up front, and then the ones towards the end or the ones at the very end, those are the ones that I feel people who may not be interested in those topics can just turn off the show and won't be missing much. So Now, where I should put topics like... Uh, forum drama between the, a, a female member and, and a, a male member. I don't know, but it ended up at the beginning. So just about all of us have flown on U.S. airlines. I guess there's uh, some people who, listening, who are listening from out of the country that may not have been to the U.S. and never flew on a U.S. airline, but this is about U.S. airlines. It's not about airlines anywhere else. So if you're not from the U.S. and won't be flying on U.S. airlines, you might as well turn the show off. But if you're from the U.S. or you fly U.S. airlines, you probably want to hear this because I think it will be useful. Now, I pride myself upon being one of the best people at dealing with 
customer service matters, especially over the phone. And I realize I'm not good at everything. There are many things I'm not good at or even some things I'm terrible at. So I'm not someone who just thinks I'm great at everything. I don't think that at all. But uh, I, I also can recognize when I'm very good at something or excellent at something and I, I compare it to other people and so something that people always come to me about, including people who know me very well, is whenever they have a problem with some kind of customer service matter, with, with a, especially with a large company, but sometimes with a small company too, and, and they get nowhere and they say, what should I do? I'm, I'm at my wit's end. I'm, I'm getting screwed here, but I, I can't figure out how to reason with them or get what's coming to me or what should be coming to me. And then sometimes I'll take over, sometimes I'll advise them, and um, I'm telling you, my results on these things, with all types of companies, is it's, uh, I have a very high batting average, even surprising myself sometimes, where I, I go in thinking it's a long shot for me to succeed with some of these, and I, and I do anyway. There are the occasions I can't, and I just hit a brick wall and have to give up, but uh, it's not that common. There are certain types of companies that I prefer over others to have to deal with. And the one type of company that's probably at the bottom of the list, the one that's probably the most frustrating to deal with and the most difficult to deal with is airlines. Very tough. Very, very tough to get airlines to uh, do what's fair and right, even if common sense seems like it's totally on your side. They can be incredibly difficult. And the thing is, you really have no recourse. Well, there is a little bit of recourse, which I'll tell you later in the segment. But you have very little recourse, and you're pretty much at their mercy. And that's part of the reason the airlines had some problems earlier this year, like with that uh, Asian doctor who was uh, beaten up because he wouldn't get off his, he wouldn't leave his seat, and they brought the cops on there and beat him up and took him off the plane, and then the other incidents around that time that also were embarrassing for the airlines where passengers were abused in some way. And the reason this was occurring was because in 2001, after September 11th, the airlines were considered to be really in peril because the people stopped flying after that. People got scared. People stopped flying. The economy was also struggling, so people also couldn't afford to vacation as much, and the, the airlines were on a tailspin. And the government saw them as an entity that needed to be protected. So the airlines were pretty much able to do a lot of things that other industries could not and get away with it because they were seen as a a protected industry that needed to survive. And that translated eventually into abuse. It translated into the airlines believing that they could do whatever they wanted, that they made their own rules. So there are definitely major customer service issues with airlines. And it's funny, almost everybody agrees on this. A lot of times you'll have people on one side of the political spectrum who's more more sympathetic towards corporates, uh, towards corporations, other ones that that feel like the individual is already always right. With the airlines, almost everybody you talk to will agree that they don't treat people very well, that their regulations are very, very strict, that it's very easy to get screwed. As much as you try not to, there's there's so many ways you can get screwed and, and not get what you pay for. There's very little recourse. Like Pretty much everybody agrees that 
U.S. airlines are very difficult to deal with, and that if you fly them enough, they're probably going to screw you at some point. So what this segment is going to be about is how to fight back and how to actually be successful and how to do that. First of all, you need to understand where you have a case and where you don't. Because people, there are passengers out there that they believe every slight inconvenience, the airline owes them something. So the airline uh, is an hour late leaving. They think the airline owes them something. No, they don't. That's part of a fact of life of flying. Uh, now, if, if, you're, if you're missing your connection and other things like that, then that's a different story. But I'm, I'm talking about just you, you're taking a nonstop flight and it's supposed to leave at 7 o'clock, it leaves at 8 o'clock, and then you end up late to a meeting and you think the airline owes you something. No, they don't. So if you think that, uh, don't bother. Uh, you know, minor inconveniences that occur that uh, while you're on the airline, you know, the, the, the stewardess is rude to you. Uh, yeah, you, you uh, the, the bathroom was dirty. Things like that, that, that are not uh, major problems, but may kind of just be something unpleasant. Often those, you really don't have any case to get any kind of compensation. Uh, if something's somewhat your fault, if you show up too close to the time of the flight and then they can't let you board or they can't get your luggage on because you showed up too late or there's a long line and you didn't get through the line in time and then you want them to compensate you in some way. That's not going to happen either. So you have to understand if it's either your fault or if it's just some small inconvenience, then they don't owe you anything. No matter how frustrating it might be to you or how much it impacted your plans, they don't owe you anything in those cases. But there are cases where they actually do. And sometimes getting them to do the right thing is not uh, as easy as, as it should be. I'll give you a simple example here. A few years ago on Delta, I got a notification that my flight has been canceled quite some time before the flight, probably three weeks beforehand, and that they've moved me to a different plane. So as far as changing, now I had the right to cancel it at that point, but it was, it was something, it was like a, another flight, I don't know, an hour later. That part was fine. And they warned me three, three weeks in advance. So that's also fine. But uh, what wasn't fine is that because they were basically taking everyone off our flight and combining it with another flight, uh, there weren't. I couldn't get the same seats because the seats I had were not available. They were already taken by other people who had already bought tickets on the on the new flight. So they, it, the system just randomly placed me and Benjamin and Benjamin's mom in three different seats all over the plane. Well, obviously, that's not acceptable, especially with Benjamin being a, a baby at the time. So they have to accommodate a child of the parent. They, they can't put like a three-year-old by himself. They, 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 they can't do that by law. So there they just have to shift people around. But, but what they don't have to do is put both parents with them. They, you know, they, if there's three people traveling together and there's one kid and two adults, then all they have to do is put the kid with one of the adults. The other one could be anywhere else on the plane. And they've fulfilled their obligation. So I called up and, and I told them, uh, this, this isn't acceptable. I said, I, I booked this flight because there were three seats together. This is not my fault that you guys decided to cancel the, the flight weeks in advance, probably because it wasn't selling well enough. And that uh, I, I 
I, I don't want to be separate. It's one thing if I buy the flight too late and there's only three seats available on the plane and they're all over the place and uh, we can't sit together, then it's my choice to buy it. But when I buy a flight with three seats in a row, then if you're moving me three weeks in advance, uh, you know, you got to try harder to get three together. And if you can't, then, uh, then I'm, I, I feel that I deserve something back. Again, this wasn't due to mechanical problems that, or weather problems where they had to accommodate at the last minute. This is you know, something they planned weeks ahead of time. Again, probably because it wasn't selling well. Because what they do, what they've done since September 11th is, they, like the, the September 11th planes that, that hit the towers, they had very few people on these planes. They were very empty planes. And this was on purpose. The terrorists chose those routes on purpose because they didn't want a full plane of people. They wanted fewer people so they, don't, they have a, a lesser chance of, of uh, people getting together and fighting back. But that would never occur these days. It's very rare to find flights that are really empty these days. So when a flight is really empty, the airline cancels it in advance. So I believe that's what happened to me there. But anyway, I said, I, they said, well, look, there's nothing we can do. We, we, that flight is canceled. That, that's set in stone. And this is the replacement flight. And, and I'm sorry, there's no more seats left. So yes, when you get to the gate, you can try to, you know, yes, they, they're required to put one of you two next to your son. But that's it. Sorry. That's the way it is. So I said, Okay, I understand this can't be changed at this point. I'm not saying you should kick someone else out of their seat to put all three of us together, but I would like something back. So they said no at first. And I kept reasoning that uh, that was part of the reason I selected this particular flight. I said I could have picked a cheaper flight that had three seats all over the place, but I chose this flight because it had three together. And if they've taken it away from me three weeks in advance, that I should get something back. And they argued with me and debated with me. Well, at the end, guess what? They backed down and they gave me like you know, 20,000 airline miles for it. The funny thing is they offered me at first 7,500 and I talked them up to 20,000. So that was an example. Was it a, you know, would it have been the end of the world if I had to fly by myself? You know, if I, I was on one side of the plane and, and, and Benjamin and his mom were on the other? No, I could have handled it. It's happened before when, when flights get canceled at the last minute for weather or mechanical issues, and then you don't really have a choice there. And in that case, you're really not entitled to anything because that, that's considered like a last-minute issue. But when they, when they do a planned cancellation of a flight and that happens, that's a different story because they're choosing not to fly that because they, they just don't want to lose money. So that was an example of, of pushing for something I felt was right. Uh, another case was where uh, I, I bought first-class seats, and uh, this, is, this is more recently. I bought first-class seats. The flight we had was canceled due, due to weather. The flight they put me on instead, they did not, they did not have enough first-class seats, and uh, Benjamin and his mom were actually moved back to, uh, to coach. Well, obviously, I was, re- I was uh, supposed to get some kind of refund, but the question is, you know, what is the refund? What, what is the appropriate refund to get there? Obviously, if I paid for first-class and didn't get it for those two, by law, they have to refund that. But what is the difference? What What is the amount that they owe me? So uh, what I did, I, I had a feeling they're going to screw me on that, which they're, they're notorious in that situation for really undercompensating you in that situation. And again, this isn't like an inconvenience compensation. It's that I paid for first class, and then they couldn't give me two of the first class seats. So and I paid for something I didn't get it. So, but the problem with it, with fares jumping all over the place, it's too hard to tell what that what the difference really is between those you know those two. So, what I did was I actually uh, 
there's one person also fly, a fourth person flying with us and, and so two of us were in the front two of, in the first class and two of us were, were in the coach I uh, I found defects with all four seats with, with the true first class seats the, the seat belts weren't working right and I found some other problem which otherwise I would not have complained about but I threw those in as, as separate complaints and sure enough they gave me money for all four seats so even though I got undercompensated when you add all four together it actually ended up being something fair so you basically have to beat them at their own game. You, you, so that, now that was, that was by writing, and I was going to get to you how, how you complain, okay? In general, with any customer service matter, you should always try to talk to a human being instead of writing. People love to write letters. People love to you know, submit letters to the CEO. They think the CEO is going to read it. No, the CEO never reads it. If you submit a letter to the CEO, they, they kick it way downstairs to someone who just answers letters for the CEO. Someone who's not very high up, okay? So no matter who you write to, you're going to get someone who skims these letters really fast, makes a quick decision, does not read the details that you're providing. They just read it very quickly, look for some keywords, get a quick idea of, of whether you're right or wrong, and then come up with some kind of one-size-fits-all compensation scheme, which usually is not very much, and you get screwed. Okay, that, That's usually what happens. Or you just get ignored. So you, just, you don't even get an answer. Writing letters is never good because you cannot respond back. If they write something back you don't agree with, you can't start a correspondence back and forth. You're just screwed at that point. They've made their decision. So a phone call is much better because you can keep arguing your case, much like the Delta thing where they first they wanted to do nothing for me, and I kept saying no, 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 and kept telling them why. Then they backed down and said, okay, I'll give you 7,000 miles. No, no, no. Um, okay, I'll give you 12,000. No, no, come on. You know That's not worth very much. I tell them why well, 12,000 miles is worth so little these days on Delta, and finally they went up to 20. Okay, fine, 20, but that's the most I'm giving you. Okay, I'll take 20. The truth is I would have taken 12, but you know, I kept pushing because I, I thought I, I got the impression that I could squeeze more out of it, and I didn't feel bad about it because I really was annoyed that I didn't get all three seats together uh, because they canceled it for uh, for profit. So uh, if you can talk to a human being who has power there, then you should do it. And you should be persistent. And you should keep arguing your case in a common sense standpoint. Even if they say no, even if they say we can't do it, there's no way for the system to do it. These are, they love to say these things. It's not true. They can do anything. Anything they say they cannot do with the system, they can do. They can always do it. There's always a way to do it. Okay? So never accept that. No, no matter how convincing they sound, no matter what explanation they give you and how truthful sounding it is, it's not true. So if you, if you can speak to a human being there, preferably a supervisor or a manager, you should do that. Don't get the, the lower level reps are unlikely to help you. They're just going to tell you no. You can ask them at first, and then if they say no, immediately ask for a supervisor or a manager. If you get someone who is a supervisor or a manager that sounds cooperative, then uh, state your case. Be respectful but firm. Like you, 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 you don't want to sound pissed off or like an asshole. But you also don't want to sound like a, a someone who they can walk all over. You don't want to sound like, well, it would be really nice if you gave me this, but it would really help me out. Like, you don't say that because you sound like if they say no, you're going to accept it. So you sound like you're, you're, you're firm in your position, but you, you, you know, you'd be friendly and respectful towards them. And, just, and even say things like, I'm not looking for things. That, I'm not looking to make money on this. I'm not looking for anything that I'm not entitled to. Uh, I just want what's fair is a good thing to say. Because what you do when you say things like that, you're separating yourself from those that – that try to take advantage. 
If you say things like, all I want is what's fair. All I want is what I paid for. All I want is, uh, is what this is really worth. Like, you say things like that. I, I just want it to be fair to me. I'm not looking to gain here. Those actually go a long way to some people on the other end. But if you're not getting anywhere with a supervisor, don't give up. You can tell near the beginning if the person is going to cooperate or not. If, if all they want to do is argue with you and tell you why they can't and why you're wrong, and they seem very firm, and in fact, it's, if, especially if they seem to be like almost taking pleasure in telling you no, then hang up. Just hang up and call right back. It, it sounds like it wouldn't work, but it works. You, you hang up, call back, ask for another supervisor, you'll get someone maybe who's nicer. Not all the time, but I've had it several times with airlines where they refuse something. I go to a supervisor, they refuse, I hang up and I call back. Now, there's also a matter of how much effort is worth putting into it. If, it, if you're arguing about a matter of $25, you don't want to do this over and over, it's not worth it. Okay? If it's a matter of a few hundred, it probably is. So always try to speak to a supervisor and, and, and get a human being. If they say, oh, you can write to such address or go to the website and submit, no. Only if that's the only option. Like, for example, American Airlines, uh, as far as any kind of compensation, they, they are not authorized. No one's authorized to do it there. They, they can fix issues with your ticket, which I'll get to shortly, but they, they cannot give you money back for something or, or miles back for something. You always have to write to American. That's their policy, American Airlines. How do you write? You, you submit a form on the website and then just pray. <laughs> it sucks, but that's, that's the way you have to do it. That's what I had to do last time. So if that's the only procedure, if they, if they swear up and down, if the supervisor swears up and down, it sounds believable that, the, that no one even has the ability to do it there and that you have to submit the form, then submit the form. But short of being told that, always try with a human being. If you do have to submit the form, if you do have to go on the website and write what happened, do not write a, a three-page letter about this. No one's going to read it. Do you think someone receiving thousands of these a day, you think that they're going to sit there and, and carefully read every detail that you provide for, for you know, three pages worth? No, they're, they're not going to read it. They're going to skim it. And if it's this long wall of text, they're, they're not going to read it. They're, if you don't format it well, if you just type the whole thing in one long paragraph with run-on sentences, they're not going to read it. They're going to quickly skim it and just come up with some crappy solution that's not very good for you or just deny you or not answer you. So what you need to do is keep everything short to the point, be very clear, space things well, you know, put spaces between lines, don't write too much in one paragraph, uh, put very clearly and, and leave out minor BS. If you were on a flight that had a whole bunch of different issues and you're, you're looking to have, get some compensation back for that, uh, don't, don't list seven different issues. You're going to look like a chronic complainer. Even if all seven are real issues and it really was just a disaster flight, don't list all seven. You'll, you'll lose respect from that. Pick the biggest uh, two and list those. If you type a whole book about what happened, you're going to look like a freak. You're going to look like a, a chronic complainer or someone that can't be satisfied ever. But if you, if you pick the biggest two issues and, and if they are pretty egregious then and you write it clearly and succinctly, then they will give you respect and, and you're likely to get something a lot better. But that's only if you have to write the letter. And the same goes for actually complaining on the phone. That anything you're complaining about, make sure to stick to the important things, the big things. Leave out, no matter how annoying the smaller things were, leave them out. Unless that's all you've got. So, what if there's a ticketing issue? 
I'll give you an example of a ticketing issue. This is this actually really happened. Uh, you guys know about the eclipse flight I took. I, I, I took it with my father, and uh, at first we we booked a uh, first class all the way. Just be, my, my father's tall. I'm tall. We, it's just uh, more comfortable that way, and it wasn't that much more expensive. Well, I raised a concern to my father. I said, you know what? We're on the wrong side of the plane. We're probably the wrong side of the plane to view the eclipse on the important flight, the one that goes from uh, Portland to Kansas City. So I really would rather downgrade at this point from first class to coach and just be on the right side. Let's just downgrade from first class to economy plus, which is the economy with more legroom. So we can be on the correct side. And my dad wasn't sure about that. You know, he, he actually likes first class more than I do. But I said, look, this is the reason we're going. We should, we should be on the correct side. And he said, well, I don't know. The pilot may turn around the plane so both sides can see it. And he actually wanted to, but the truth was it turned out the, he couldn't. He didn't get the uh, permission from the uh, air traffic control. But I, I figured, okay, this should be easy. Just call up the airline and say... Yeah, uh, we have a first-class seat. We're not looking for any money back. We just just give us a downgrade to coach and give us no refund. Like, doesn't that sound like really reasonable? To just like downgrade us to coach from first class on the same flight and don't give us any money back? Like, shouldn't they be jumping for joy that they get a first-class a first-class seat back and put us in a coach seat? I thought that should just be easy. I thought that's just like you can switch seats in your own cabin very easily. Like you, you can always take your assigned seat and coat and, and move to another available seat before the flight. You can go on the website and just click on different seats. Totally free. The only time it costs money is if you're upgrading. So how could it cost any money to downgrade? Well, would you believe they claimed it did? And they gave me all these stupid convoluted reasons why... Basically, they have to cancel the, the, the first class seat. I have to pay some crappy penalty on both tickets, of course. And then they have to reissue the coach seat at the current price, which is much higher than it was at the time, the time we, we bought the tickets. So it was going to be some massive sum of money to downgrade from first class to coach. And they even tried to tell me that if we switch from first class to coach, that it's going to create a problem because people who bought coach seats without a, an assigned seat are not going to have enough seats to sit there. I go, yeah, but you're going to have first class seats to give them. They'll be thrilled. And they said, no, we, we won't have enough. We're, we're not going to, you know, they're not going to like that at the gate. <laughs> I said, are you kidding me? Do you know how thrilled people will be if their unassigned coach seats become first class? Or if the gate can actually assign those two first-class seats to existing coach passengers, maybe who have a, a high-frequent flyer status with them. I mean, this is this is what they want. They're getting free first-class seats back and giving me a crappy coach seat instead. So they just swore up and down it was not possible. And that I had to pay all these. And they gave me these long-winded explanations of how their system worked and how it's impossible. And they wouldn't do it. They also told me something else weird is that because we technically booked the first class seat from LA to Portland along with the Portland to Kansas City on the same reservation, which it didn't have to be. It was the same price either way. 
to split them or combine them. We just combine them for convenience. That because they were combined, that if we were to downgrade, they have to downgrade us on, uh, on the first portion of the flight too, the LA to Portland. Why? Well, because they're together. Can you split them? No. Why? Well, because we just don't do that. Why don't you do that? Well, because it's impossible. I mean, I felt like tearing my hair out. My dad tried. He, he, he didn't get anywhere. Gave it to me. I was failing at first, too. Well, I'm not going to go into the rest of the story, but when it was all done, despite the fact that they told me it could not be done, they told me physically the computer system cannot do it, it's impossible, no matter how much they want to help me, they can't, guess what? They did it. They switched me to coach. No fee. It was a lot of arguing, but what started out as a fee of like $500 to do it eventually came down to zero. It went from like 500 to 180 to zero. But they swore it was impossible. But this, the reason I persisted with this is because it defied common sense. It defied common sense that I couldn't switch from a first class seat on a coach to a coach seat in the same flight without having to pay extra money. It did not make any sense. There is no way that could be framed where that makes any kind of sense to me. Especially because you can switch within your own cabin for free. If I could switch from first class to first class for free, which I could, which they verified I could, I should be able to switch from first class to coach, which is worse, for free. So, that's just insane. They'd be like being in a restaurant. They serve a hamburger or, or a filet mignon. They serve those both. I originally ordered the filet mignon. Five minutes later, before they make anything, I go, whoa, 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 whoa. Um, I'd like to switch to the hamburger, but not only would I like to switch to it, I'll even pay for the filet mignon. Uh, just give me the hamburger instead. And the restaurant said, no, we can't do that. We can't give you the cheaper thing and charge you for the more expensive thing. Then I would say, are you nuts? Of course you can. I'm doing you a favor. That's how absurd it was. So anything that just seems absurd to you, and I don't mean like in a biased way or like in an entitled way. I mean... If it just does not make any sense, if you know you're in the right, then push for it because they will back down. If you're persistent, if you get the right person on the phone, I'm talking about ticketing matters now, not necessarily about refunds. And about refunds, if you if if they have a mechanism to where you can talk to the right person, the right supervisor there, and they can give it to you, then do that and be very persistent and argue your case and keep explaining why this put you out, even if you have to make up stories. You have to make up stories of why why this is such a problem. Uh, for example, I, I, I don't think I said this, but I could have said this, and I wouldn't have felt bad saying it. Um, if they were refusing to give me those miles on Delta for, for you know, splitting us up, I, I could have said something that my son gets very, very upset when there's not both parents. He's, he's afraid of flying. He wants both parents next to him. That's not really true. He's fine sitting next to just one parent. But if that would strengthen my case, I would say it. Why? Because I'm, I should be entitled to it. I, I'm, I'm telling something that, that's, that's a lie in order to get something that should be mine in the first place. So don't feel bad about saying anything like, you know, 
making up some story about the inconvenience it's causing you, even if it isn't, if it helps helps you accomplish getting fair treatment. But keep persisting. Keep explaining over and over why you're in the right. Make sure you're talking to someone with the authority to do it. Don't try this with a first-level rep. They usually can't. They usually just say no. And if you have to write in, be clear, be succinct, be direct. Don't write a long essay. When you get to the airport, there may be some problems. Uh, For example, let's say you are getting close to being late. Let's say you know. Let's say the airline's policy, and this varies from airline to airline. Let's say you're, the policy is you have to have your luggage on board 45 minutes before the flight time, or otherwise your luggage probably won't make it. And let's say you get to the airport and you get in line, and it's a very long line, and it's 55 minutes before your flight. And you know, in those 10 minutes between 55 and 45, you're never going to get to the front of the line. It looks like an hour-long line. So not only once you get there before 45 minutes worth of the flight, you, you'll probably miss the flight entirely. Don't just stand there like a chump in the back of the line and go, well, my fault for getting there too late. No. They have ways to accommodate you. So you just find an employee there, tell them my flight is leaving at such and such time, which is only 55 minutes from now. Can you help me? And often they will cut you to the front of the line. Is it fair to the other people? Well, no, but... You're not just being a jerk and cutting in line because you, you don't feel like waiting. You feel like you're better than other people. Uh, you have more urgency. And the airlines will usually do this for you if you have an urgency. Now, if, if your flight is, is two hours from now, you can't say that. They won't do it for you, nor do you deserve to get uh, cut in front. And uh, you, know, you, you can argue you don't even deserve it even if you're going to be late. But they will do it for you. And don't feel bad. Don't feel like you, you're, you, know, you, you just deserve to miss it. No, don't, don't let that happen. Say something. Find an employee and say something. Uh, so things like that. Any any problem that's happening, uh, get an employee, have them help you, explain why they need to do what they, they should do. And uh, and they also have the the ability to upgrade you at the gate sometimes if you, if you're if you're experiencing some kind of inconvenience. Uh, let's say you you. They cancel your flight for whatever reason and you're on a different plane. Uh, see if they have some extra business class or, or, or first class seats that they could give you for your troubles. A lot of times they'll say, no, it doesn't hurt to ask. But you could say, you know, this is taking me an extra six hours to get home. Can I have, you know, can I at least have a business class upgrade here maybe? Sometimes they'll say yes. Sometimes you'll get a person who will do it for you. It's harder these days than it used to be to do that because a lot of times there's a, a an actual waiting list the computer assigns there to give it to the next person who has a higher status, but you can try. You'll be surprised sometimes what's done for you. But you should always ask. Anything you think that you might be able to get or might help your situation, you should ask. Don't be embarrassed. If they say no, they say no. Uh, If, let me think of some other things that could happen. Yeah, as far as, far as uh, on the plane, storage space, as far as you know, the, the overhead bins. Back in the old days, 
it was very easy to find bin space. Very, very easy. Because people checked their bags because checking your bag was free back then. You could fly with as many bags as you wanted. It was totally free. Well, not anymore. Since September 11th, they made that change where... I, I don't think it was right after September 11th, but not too far after that, they made the change where each bag cost like $25. So... In order to save money, people would bring these big carry-ons, which are really more like small suitcases, and, and, and then store them in the overhead bins, and all of a sudden, there's a, the bin space is very hard to get. So, first of all, you are entitled to board the plane early if you have small children with you. So they'll say, you know, those with a, with a group one or, a, or with special needs, please come forward. Well, you, you don't have to be retarded. You don't have to be in a wheelchair Special needs actually includes young children. Not young children with problems. I mean just young children, period. So you can come up and say, I have young children. You know, that, that's, uh, that's why we have uh, the special needs here. And, and they'll do it for you. They, they won't question it. Now, if you don't have young children with you, um, the truth is they don't really even uh, check that usually. Usually there's anyone who gets in that line for the group one boarding, they won't really question it. Uh, I don't personally do that. I don't personally, you know, join a group that I don't uh, belong in, at least not the first one. But uh, keep that in mind that the earlier the boarding group is, the much higher chance you're going to get space. Now, if you're in first class, you'll probably have space anyway. But anywhere else on the plane, it's going to fill up real quick. Now, if it fills up, if you don't mind having the things under your feet, that's fine. I hate it. I, I hate flying with things under my feet. It's it's uncomfortable enough in a plane as it is. Now, I'm tall, so that that's also the problem. But I, I find it very uncomfortable to have something under my feet. I don't want it. So if the bin above you is full, first of all, look if you can slide things over. Sometimes you can slide people's stuff over and, and, and squeeze your thing in. Uh, you can also ask people to, you know, hey, can you slide your thing over if you don't want to touch their stuff, which is which is... I guess technically the more polite thing to do. Uh, usually I'll just respectfully, I won't you know, manhandle people's stuff, but if I can you know, slide their stuff over and uh, not damage anything or, or, or you know, interfere with their stuff, I, I usually will just do it. So see if you can slide their stuff over enough to get your thing in there. If you can't, then inspect the other bins, including the ones that are closed and called, quote, full. Because sometimes what is called full is not really full. You can slide things over and get stuff in there. And at least in my opinion, it's better to have some of these carry-ons like further away from your seat than have to either give them to check or uh, put it under your feet. Uh, there's another tr- now, there's a trick involving getting luggage checked for free. Some smaller suitcases. One thing you can do is uh, you could take it as a carry-on knowing that it's going to fail and be seen as too big to fit in the overhead bin, and then they will check it for free. That's a trick you can use to avoid the $25. If you have like a, now, it's not going to work with a giant suitcase, but you have something that's kind of marginal, like a little too big to fit in the bin, and you know it. You, you can actually bring it and then say, oh, man, this doesn't fit. I didn't know that. And they go, okay, we'll check it for you. Then they don't charge you the $25. They have no mechanism to do that at that point. So you have to be aggressive at airports. In general, you have to be aggressive. You can't be passive. You, you have to ask what you want. You have to be quick. You have to always uh, 
push for what you need. Here's something else about flying. If it is too cold in the plane, they can actually adjust that, or too hot. They have an ability to adjust the the internal temperature of the plane. And a lot of times, these stewardesses or stewards will pick a temperature they like. I was once on a flight from Hawaii a few years ago, and it was freaking freezing. And it wasn't just me thinking it was cold. I'd look, I'd look in the, the cabin, and everyone's got like a heavy jacket on. I'm surprised they even had heavy jackets in Hawaii, but everyone, everyone's got like a heavy jacket on in the freaking plane. So I, I went up to the stewardess, and I said, uh, you know, it, it's kind of cold in here. And she says, well, it's 72 degrees, and points to the thermostat saying 72. There was no way it was 72. It may say 72, it was not 72. So I said, well, look, look back there. Everybody's wearing heavy jackets. Do you think... <laughs> I, I was polite about it. You can't be too rude in flight or they can arrest you on the ground. But I, I was just uh, matter of fact. I said, well, everyone's wearing jackets back there. I'm very cold and they must be too. Look at them. So she was frustrated, but she, she raised the temperature. Well, she raised it to like 74. Well, that sounds good, but it wasn't a real 74. So it got a little warmer, but everyone's still freezing. I like, I'm looking around. No one's taking off their jacket. I'm still freezing. So I got back up and I said, uh, excuse me, uh, I, I appreciate you changing the temperature before, but unfortunately it hasn't had that much effect. Can you move it a little bit? And she's like, I moved it up two degrees. Ah, and I'm like, well, but everyone's still cold. Like I just, you know, I just would like it to be a comfortable temperature in here. And I think everybody else would too. So if you could please move it a little bit more up. And she was very unhappy about it, but she did. And it was still cold, but a lot better than it was originally. Now, had she refused, I would not have created a scene because then they could have arrested me for disrupting a flight. You've got to be very careful on flights not to create a scene or a big argument with the staff there, or even just an argument can be construed as disrupting the flight, and you could either be arrested or detained for like eight hours while I question you. You don't want that. So you've got to be very careful how you approach things once you're on the plane. When you're at the airport, don't worry. You can argue all you want. But when, when, when you're on the plane itself, you've got to be real careful with the way you put things. But that doesn't mean you can't ask for things, like I do with the temperature. Again, had they just outright refused, I wouldn't have like made a huge deal. I would have just complained later. But uh, the point is, I asked. Everybody else just sat there shivering. I, I, I went up and asked. But you can't. They, they can control that. If it's hot or cold, mention it and ask, you know, can you please change it? You know, be polite and be... Uh, but... Uh, don't let them lie to you. You know, if they, if they say, "Oh no, no, it's seventy degrees," say, "Well, no, it's not for this reason. Everyone's wearing heavy jackets here. Obviously, it's not seventy degrees. Uh, you know, maybe the thermostat must not be working that well. You know, can you move it up a little bit?" I want to tell you about one type of recourse you have, as far as getting money back from the airlines. If they just deny you, if your attempts to get a refund on something that you know you deserve fails, then what do you do? Do you sue them? Not necessarily. There's a much easier solution. Which you shouldn't abuse, because first of all, it could be considered fraud, and second, uh, the airline could take some action against you. But on an occasional basis, it's totally fine. That is known as the chargeback. The rules of credit card chargebacks require the company that you charge it back to to respond, to give their side of the story. 
If they do not respond in 30 days, it is considered a win by default for you, no matter how poor your case is. Much like court, if the defendant just doesn't show up, then you win by default. So, same thing works with the airlines. With the airlines being so big and, and disorganized and bureaucratic, it is hard for them to respond in 30 days to a lot of chargebacks. So I have had times where I'm owed money. And I'm not saying I wasn't trying to scam them. I wasn't trying to get things that weren't deserving. These are very clear-cut cases where they really owe me money and just uh, either are impossible to reach or they ignore me or, or they, they don't they, they tell me it's going to be three months to get to get it back, which is unreasonable, things like that. You can do a credit card chargeback. You can even do a partial chargeback. And if the airline does not respond in 30 days, then you get the money back. And the airline will, unless you chronically do this to them, unless you do this over and over, if you just do this once in a while when you're, you don't really deserve it, they're not going to pursue you. You'll just get the money. That'll be that. Uh, for example, one time I was charged a, a telephone booking fee erroneously where the website was broken. I couldn't book. I called up. I told them the website was broken. They verified the website was broken at that moment. They booked it for me. I said, well, make sure to not charge me the telephone booking fee. Okay, we won't, they said. They charged me the telephone booking fee. I called back up, told them, hey, you guys made the mistake. They denied that they promised that they wouldn't charge it. They told me there's nothing on the notes about that. I don't get it back. Tough you. F you. Tough luck. So I charged it back. And I'm talking about the, the fee part, not the ticket. And they sent the form to the airline to respond to my dispute. The airline did not answer in 30 days. I got the fee back. I had another time where they owed me money back for first class because they gave me coach seats instead. And that that one was a very clear difference because it was a smaller airline that it's a flat upgrade fee. They told me I have to wait three months to get it. I told them that's unacceptable. I'm not waiting three months. It was their fault. They said, tough luck. That's where you were backlogged. You had to wait three months. I hung up and I submitted a chargeback. Again, they did not respond and I got the money back immediately. And as an added bonus, three months later, I got the second version of the money, which I didn't go and return to them because screw them, making me wait three months for my money. You can't pay three months late for your flight, so why should they take three months to respond to refund me? Because they're not adequately staffed to do so, which is exactly what happened. So you can use a chargeback, and they probably won't respond. Now, if you charge back a ticket, that's especially one that's worth a lot of money. Yes, you, you can't go. You can't go fly to around the world and uh, charge back a three thousand dollar ticket and expect to win. That they'll probably respond to. The smaller ones, they will probably get by them. Again, I'm not saying you should use this to scam them. I never have. I never will. But in, in clear-cut cases where they really owe me you know, clear money back, I don't mean where I, I was unhappy with the flight and I think they owe me such and such back. I, I mean where they overcharge something accidentally and then aren't correcting it or putting me through a million hoops to correct it. I say, okay, but there's only so far I'm going to do and then I'll, then I'll charge it back. So that's always a weapon you have. Uh, let's see if I can think of anything else. 
No, I can't. But bottom line is keep pressing. Always make sure you're talking to someone with the authority to do something for you. Don't don't speak to someone who acts like they uh, they can help, but in reality is like a first level customer service rep. They won't have the tools to even do this. They won't have the authority to do this. Don't ever believe we can't do this. It's impossible. The system won't let us. There's always a way for them to make exceptions if they want. I'm not saying they will always make an exception, but they they can if they want. They have the ability to. Don't be afraid afraid to ask for things. Don't be afraid to exaggerate. Don't be afraid to over-ask because often they're going to under-deliver. So over-asking will sometimes neutralize that. Like I did when uh, I knew they were going to screw me on the two first-class tickets where they downgraded us to coach on a different flight. I knew that the only way to really get fairly compensated was to claim problems with the second two tickets. And I did claim real problems on the plane, but I did it. I would have never submitted the complaint otherwise for those two. But I knew I had to because that was the only way for them to fully compensate me back. Don't ever feel bad about uh, managing to win against the airlines. They don't care about you. You're a number to them. It's a very cutthroat business. I guarantee you're going to run into situations where you're going to feel like they're really screwing you up the ass. So don't feel bad. Even if you get overcompensated by something, don't don't feel bad. It'll eventually ha- all even out. It'll eventually happen where uh, you really feel screwed by them. And you'll, at that point, be very satisfied that you got overcompensated at one point. Again, I'm not encouraging or suggesting that you do anything to scam them or demand something you're really not entitled to. Don't make up stories of things that happened just to get money back. Don't uh, um, don't charge back tickets just because you don't feel like paying them. I'm not talking about things like that. I'm not saying this in code either. I mean, I mean really don't do that. So uh, That's the end of this topic. I guess I'll talk a bit about Bitcoin. Since we're at the end of the show. Let's see what we have. uh, Let's see what the chat room has to say before we get to the topic. JSTAT says, uh, frequent flyers get priority over special needs. That's what happened to me when flying with my uh, 90-year-old mother-in-law, JFK. My buddy, Will Durst, a well-known comedian, was able to board our Virgin America flight before us. Sometimes. Sometimes, like the first class, we'll get ahead of the people who have uh, special needs in some way, but I I usually see them together. Um, JSTAT is mentioning civil forfeiture at airports. Yeah, uh, it can happen. Civil forfeiture being where they just seize cash from you and you have to prove it that uh, it's your cash and you you acquired it legally. So while in uh, days past it was okay to fly with large sums of cash, nowadays I wouldn't recommend it. Now, 
you can fly. There's no law against it. If you're flying outside the country, then you have to declare it if it's more than $11,000. But there, like, you could fly domestically, like L.A. to New York, and bring $50,000 cash with you. You can. But they also may be very suspicious of you at the airport, and you may have a lot of hassle. And as Jstad mentioned, they could even seize it and claim it's drug money, and you'll have to prove it's not, and it could be a huge mess. So... Rather than fly with that type of money, I would suggest wiring it to wherever you're going and getting it there. JSTAT says, better to drive 500 miles than get hassled on an airline. Yeah, I agree. I mentioned that earlier. Um... Seeing a lot of uh, arguing earlier in the chat room. Um, so let's talk about Bitcoin. Bitcoin surprised everybody pretty much by having an extended run-up. A run-up that depressed people such as myself and Calwatt who either uh, sold off our Bitcoin as recently as a year and a half ago for about 10% what it was worth about a few weeks ago. Or ones like Halwad who uh, had a number of Bitcoin mined on a computer that is now in a landfill, whereas those Bitcoin were worth very little when they ended up in the landfill now are worth probably uh, $100,000 or more. Or several hundred thousand at this point for Calwatt. So it moved up from around 400 in early 2016 to well over 4,000, approaching 5,000 in the late summer of 2017. Pretty impressive gain. Like a, like a 10 times gain in about a year and a half. So I never thought we'd see where a Bitcoin is almost 5,000. That just seems insane. I, I thought we were not going to ever see the 1,200 mark again, which was this original high when it had its very first run-up years ago. But it started rising, and it kept rising earlier this year, and uh, it had a little regression. Like it, it rose up to like 11-something, then it, it couldn't even crack 1,200, went back to 900, and then started rising again and never stopped. And it went all the way up to near 5,000. Well, right now, as I broadcast this at about 1 a.m. on September 15th, 2017, Pacific Standard Time, we are at a, an all-time, not all-time, a, a recent low of $3,069 per Bitcoin. Now that, on an absolute basis, if you told someone a year and a half ago who had Bitcoin at $400, and you tell them in a year and a half it'll be worth $3,000, they'd be jumping for joy. But given where it just was, to be at $3,000 is very, very disturbing if you own Bitcoin. Now, 
everyone knew it wouldn't just go up without any kind of regression at any point. But this is a pretty strong regression. C-Money, a radio listener and user on our forum, posted uh, a prediction on August 30th, I mentioned this earlier in the show, that Bitcoin is going to crash within the next two weeks. He said he had information about this, which I don't know if he was just taking a guess or if he really did have some kind of tip or whatever, but amazingly, two weeks later, that's exactly what happened. While it continued going up and he looked like he was way off with his prediction, right around the two-week mark, after August 30th, it crashed. People were discussing on there, well, what is a crash? And I said, I would define a crash as something that gets it under 3,000. Well, we're pretty damn close. It's 3,069 right now. It went down from like 3,300-something to 3,069 during this show. In the last 24 hours, it has fallen over 20%. Over 20% in the last 24 hours. It's insane. The reason for this occurring, supposedly, is that China has been closing exchanges. And and exchanges where you can exchange cash for Bitcoin, and uh, either way, buying it or selling it, and China is closing a number of them. So that has uh, has caused a a massive price fall. There's other reasons, including that uh, there was criticism of Bitcoin. It was called a fraud by... Uh-oh. Hey, 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 hey. No advertising here. I bring up a damn article and it tries to advertise on this show. Not going to happen. That the, the CEO of uh, J.P. Morgan Chase said that Bitcoin is a fraud, and that made people lose faith in it. Strangely, <laughs> he said it's worse than tulip bulbs. It won't end well. Someone is going to get killed, and tulip bulbs was one of the first fads that people were buying into back in the 1600s. He says, currencies have legal support. It will blow up. So between that and China closing down exchanges, in two weeks it went from near 5,000 to near 3,000. That's a pretty steep fall, especially in the last day where it lost 20% of its value. How far down will it go? I don't know. I've stopped attempting to predict the way Bitcoin's going to go. I once thought I had a handle on it, and the truth is I did not. So good for C-Money for predicting this one. But I I have found that even when I think I, I can predict Bitcoin's ups and downs and see patterns, and I say, oh, I, I, I predicted that. Oh, I predicted this too. Then just as many times I end up being wrong. I would have never guessed we'd even see 3,000. Right now, 3,000 is on the low end for this crash, but its uh, I didn't think we'd see this on the upper end anywhere close to that. I didn't think we'd see 2,000. At one point, when Bitcoin was falling and had been consistently falling for a long time, I said it wouldn't see 400 again. 
there are some people who want to buy Bitcoin now, feeling that this crash is going to have a recovery. And if you buy it at 3000 that soon enough will be back at 4400 4500 and you'll make 50% of your money. Easy game, isn't it? I would not say that. It's so unpredictable, and this rose so quickly, that this could be a massive correction. This could be a correction all the way back down to 900 or 400 You don't know. Or it could pop back up to 4500 You really don't know. It's complete, completely gambling at this point. C-Money also said that he believes there is market manipulation by those in the financial sector. And that these people have a much better handle on what's happening and have analyzed it much more than any of us have. And now the average Bitcoin trader, the average person buying and selling Bitcoin is just doing it based on feel, much like people just pick sports games based on feel and haven't really done a lot of research. He says the same thing with Bitcoin, and he believes that uh, the average Bitcoin trader is going to get crushed. Because to them it just seems so random. And a lot of it is somewhat random. Just certain factors cause it to crash that you didn't see coming. So... BTC China, which is an exchange there, they're going to stop trading on September 30th. And uh, this was due to a directive from Chinese authorities. So first they announced they will stop trading on September 30th, and then they just, I think, completely stopped trading. So, I would not buy it at this point, believing that it's going to pop back up. It could be. It also could not be. You never know. By the way, for those of you that were wondering what I was talking about very early in the show when I said I was busy today with something related to my trip to Sacramento, I actually developed some problems with my car that I won't get into, but I I just found out about it today. And I don't think I can get it fixed in time to drive to Sacramento. The car is functional, but it's not uh, safe to drive 900 miles round trip. So I don't think I can get this uh, taken care of in time. So I may have to rent a car, which is a huge pain in the ass. Not only does it cost me money, but it's a pain in the ass and I really don't want to have to do it, but I may have to. Terrible timing with that. So today I was trying to figure out what to do. Check around with rental car places and see which ones can pick me up and which ones uh, are expensive and which ones are cheap and all that stuff. Well, I thought this was going to be a very short show. Turns out... It's not that short. The show ended up being uh, over four hours nonetheless. With what was otherwise a fairly short agenda. So, we will be back next week. I don't know the date yet because I'm going to be traveling to Sacramento, as you guys know, on 
Sunday night I'm actually going there because I'll be playing on Monday evening. I don't want to do the long drive on the same day I play. And I'll be leaving Sacramento on Tuesday. So I don't know if I'll be ready to do a radio show on Wednesday. So I may have the show on Thursday or Friday next week. We will see. Check Poker Fraud Alert's Twitter, which is twitter.com slash pokerfraudalert. Or read the Poker Fraud Alert forum, and I'll give some kind of update of when the next show will be. There will be a show next week. I just, I'm just i just not sure when. Check out the Stones Casino stream to see me play on Monday night starting at about 7pm Pacific time go to stonesgamblinghall.com you'll see me playing with the whole cards with the commentators all that good stuff I just hope I win I will be embarrassed if I announce to everybody to watch me and then I just get destroyed so really hope I run well there or at least run decently if I can run decently and play well then the results will be good uh, if, if you happen to live in that area in the Sacramento area and want to come down and say hi to me at the Stones Casino you can do so I'm always happy to uh, meet new listeners I'll probably be busy playing the 100-200 there but I'll be happy to say hello to people and uh, especially during breaks that I think they have during that whole thing so, we'll be back next week. I'm not sure when yet. Thank you, Calwat. Thank you, Trey Daruski, for joining us. And uh, even thank you to Michelle and Larry for coming on and discussing uh, your issues. And uh, Brandon, thank you for appearing briefly on the show. Even TMMO Gay. I guess I can kind of thank you. Not really. Shalom. <laughs>